God rest his soul. So, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been going back through pillars. Because mm. I am, I am hyped for Avowed, and we're going to talk about Avowed in a little while. But have you been playing any games around? Have you been playing anything at all? Actually, yeah, no. no, I haven't been. So I finished Psychonauts 2, an amazing game. Everybody should check it out on whatever platform you have, unless, of course, the Switch, play on Game Pass. And sometimes after I play a really cool game, I spend a lot of time in, because I think I put, like, 30 hours into Psychonauts 2. Um, I don't know if anybody else feels like this sometimes, but, like, you, you kind of just, like, don't want to play anything, like, because of how awesome the thing you just played, you just experienced. So, what I've been doing for the past week, since I haven't pl- I haven't played anything, and this happens from time to time, um, I've been binge-watching one of the shows I've had in my, my list on Netflix for a while, and um, I'm on the last season, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I started season one, got to season six of uh, BoJack Horseman, it's a show I've wanted to watch for a bit, I hear... I heard a lot of great things about it, so pretty much every night I just kind of sit down and watch, you know, like, I don't know, maybe a full season of the show, or or half a season one night, half a season the next night. So yeah, no gaming this week for me, but, you know, that's going to be changing because there are there are some cool games coming out next week. Uh, the Artful Escape is something I've really been looking forward to. Uh, no, Tales of Arise, I think, comes out next week, which is uh, a game that I'm kind of interested in uh, the new um, Life is Strange game also comes out next week, which you know, I, I really enjoy Life is Strange. So there are some games that are kind of coming out, which, you know, this past week there really wasn't many. So I wanted to get BoJack done because, well, final season Lucifer is coming up soon, and I, I'm a big Lucifer fan, and uh, Into the Night Season 2 soon, and Midnight Mass, and uh, sex education, a lot, lot of great shows coming up on Netflix. New season three, so uh, just kind of, just kind of been chilling watching Netflix, man. You know, mood. I, I mean, know sometimes it's like that, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like that. It really is. I, uh, I've been, you know, been, I've been binge watching, you know, keeping up with Kardashians as well. So, you know, of course, I know, I know it feels to watch great TV shows. No, you don't. I know it feels. No, you don't. You have no <laughs> idea. You have no idea what it's like. Um, <laughs> Beaner8127 says, uh, should Microsoft give compensation for the co-op delay? Like, finish the co-op on Legendary and get a banner pass and scale down with, with difficulty. Great show. Uh, I don't think that, uh, the idea is interesting, but at the end of the day, Microsoft's a business, they want people to buy the battle pass. Whether you, you pay them $10 or if you're subscribed to Game Pass Ultimate or something and they give it to you for part of your subscription. I can't imagine. Although, I believe Warzone and Fortnite Jazz, if you actually com- complete the Battle Pass, gives you enough money to then buy the next Battle Pass. I wonder if that's something they're going to implement in this version or, you know, if it's strictly just going to be you need to buy this. It is like, uh, it is, it is interesting because the whole sort of the whole drama over the the over the progression not including finishing matches and the Microsoft going back on that and changing it, it does make me wonder like how closely are they monitoring fan feedback and what other companies are doing with this stuff? Like, is that is that maybe too nuanced for them to notice? I do kind of feel like because that. At the start of Gears, Gears 5 multiplayer, they got a lot of stuff so wrong. And Gears 4 as well. 
they got a lot of stuff so wrong with the monetization. And then it took like almost several operations for them to course correct. So I do wonder if they're going to get onto some of that stuff. I do kind of feel like um, it'd be great if Microsoft looked a little bit more about what the community wants. But this is the problem with the franchise that when it's as old as Halo, you, you get into a position where you can't please everyone. Some people want, like, people argue over Sprint, for example. People argue over, like, the rudimentary iron sights that Halo has. Stuff like that. Like, it's almost like you, when it comes to games like Halo, you can't please everyone. So, I don't know. Well, I, just, I just hope it's, 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 I just hope it's fun at this point. Yeah. And I don't care about the little stuff. I just want it to be fun. 343 did have a very interesting blog post where they talked about the feedback and, uh, I've never actually seen it positioned like that where, they take some of the things about what people really liked and what some of the feedback is for a lot of the um, things from the flight, and they talked about you know what they're going to do and how they're going to change things. And it's a very it's it's a cool look into like game development. Like oh, this is what people really liked, and this is maybe a little bit more split, or this is what people want. Um, one of the things I did notice is that they're changing radar back to how it used to be, which has definitely angered some people. I know a lot of, like, hardcore Halo purists were really upset with the radar change. In, in the, the radar change. Give, give us give us some details. Honestly, like, I'm not even really sure. Uh, it was, wasn't it always that you showed up after shooting? Well, in Halo, you always showed up no matter what. The only time, okay. you, only time you didn't okay. show up was if you're crouching, um, oh. if I remember correctly. So... If you're crouch walking, you don't show up on radar. But if you're uh, walking around or whatever, you, you would show up. But they changed it for this beta. I forget in what way, but it really sprints, it sprints and shooting only now, right? Yeah, I, I I, I'm not I, honestly. I I don't remember, but I just I, I just someone in chat can clue. Yeah, it somebody in chat can probably tell us, but. Um, what they said in the blog was that they're changing it back to the old style of the Halo radar. And that's sort of the problem you have with, um, you know, these franchises that have been around for a long time and have their fan bases entrenched in. It's the same problem that Gears has. It's like Halo needs to evolve, but your super hardcore fans don't want it to evolve or don't like the changes um, yeah, fun speculation. Shout out to you, Matt. He says, if in Halo you had to crouch or be still not to show up, this time it's only when sprinting or shooting. So they reverted it back, mainly because of the feedback of the hardcore fans. So they're definitely paying attention, but it's one of those things where it's like the games need to evolve with, with the time. And, you know, they didn't like, you know, hardcore didn't like sprint, and the hardcore didn't like aiming down sights, even though aiming down sights really doesn't give you that big of an advantage. Because Halo's supposed to be Halo. Same thing with Gears. Like, there are people that want the franchises to evolve, but then the hardcore fan base, who is very vocal on social media, even though they're a tiny minority, they don't want any changes whatsoever. So, like, 343 and the Coalition are, like, stuck. Where it's like, we need to, you know, change the game a little bit to target a, a wider audience, but we can't change it too much because our fans will give us crap on, on, on the internet and stuff, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, shout out to Jay Primo for, I guess, renewing his uh, his channel membership. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Gaz says, Rand, stop your show in 25 minutes. Mine starts then. Okay, thanks. Love you. I'm sorry, Gaz. 
This is one of the reasons why I don't like doing the show on Saturdays because it does run against Gaz's incredible uh, Game On Daily Go Live show that he always does, like 3 p.m. on Saturday. But we do, on the plus side, we do spare people from Xbox Hero if we do on Saturday, right? Well, so they, so Xbox, so so Special Nick is super pissed at me because we had to do it on Saturday because they're doing a live, their live show today, but they moved it so it wouldn't be on during the same time. Okay. Uh, but he he gets really mad because he thinks that we take all the viewers, and I'm like, well, if nobody watches you because they're watching us, that that just means you have nothing to say, Nick. You know. So. Oh, poor Nick. Poor Nick. Um, let's see. What else we got here? Uh, Jacqueline Branch says, Hey, Jens, any insight on when Phil is doing an interview with the CEO of 2K? Funny timing given the recent rumors. Love the pod. So, yeah, a lot of people sent me this article about how uh, Phil Spencer and I think his name is Strauss? Something Strauss? That's, 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 that's Strauss. Zeznik or something? The CEO of Take Two? Strong German name. Yeah, like and... Uh, they're doing some sort of talk at the end of the month. Um, and I don't know, recent rumors, Jez, the recent rumors regarding Take-Two and Xbox. I mean, I see people talking about it on social media, but surely that isn't something that oh, is man. being I'm, talked about. You, when you say these things, I start thinking, do I pour gasoline on this room? <laughs> Why, did you do uh, something? Did you? What did you do? No, I heard something about Take Two, my dude, mm. a long time ago. I heard months ago, months and months ago, from a couple of very trusted industry sources that the next big studio, big publisher to be acquired could be Take Two. But that was a really long time ago. But at the same time, a publisher like Take Two would take a long time to eventually get acquired, right? So, I don't know. I mean, I have no hard evidence about this, but this 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 industry rumor about Take-Two is old, and it was sort of like, it was out there. A lot of people were talking about this, about Take-Two, maybe seeking a buyer and stuff like that. Um, again, I have no idea if that's true for sure. I haven't seen any documents. You guys like, you guys know how much I like my documents. And, um, you know, it's sort of like because Take-Two is a publicly traded company, that adds a whole load of complexity to the proposition. So, you know, it, it's just funny that these rumors pop up because every time they do, I think back to that rumor about Take-Two looking for a buyer and think, like, could it be? Could it be? But then again, it's like, man, would Take-Two be an even bigger purchase than Bethesda? That's like... That's huge, because you get Grand Theft Auto. And Grand Theft Auto is... The scale of Grand Theft Auto as a franchise is... It's it's monolithic. It's so damn big. <laughs> and then, like, you look at all their other franchises, too. Like, like they've got a lot of sports licenses, don't they? Don't they have, like, the WWE license and the NBA license and all that stuff? Yeah, they do. They do make the WWE games, but... They're, they've been kind of battling around that, and they do release the 2K games, which are, you know, big sellers every single year. I think those are the only sports ones they release. I just, you know, I, I, I looked up on, you know, Take-Two's net worth or whatever, and they're, like, worth $18 billion. So you're talking, <laughs> So you're probably talking minimum $25 billion 
more uh, and, and uh, more yeah. to completely buy them out or and that's the thing though like you have to like unlike Bethesda where Bethesda like they had a lot of there was a lot of goodwill between Bethesda and Microsoft on a personal level mm-hmm. they were also an independent company so like there was it was sort of like potentially easier to work out a deal whereas like with Take Two you have to provide a return for shareholders as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to make all those shareholders like happy potentially and be like, yeah, we'll buy, we'll buy, we'll buy them at like double what the share price is. Just, just throw a random number out there, you know. So like, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a, a lot of money, man. So like, I don't know if, if, <laughs> it seems like, it seems like wild to speculate. Could Microsoft buy Take Two? I mean, they certainly have the money to do it, but, when you factor in the complexity and and all that other stuff, it seems like maybe two pie in the sky. But maybe there is some kind of deal coming around the corner. Maybe they're going to throw their weight behind Game Pass um, or something like that, you know. But if that was the case, why did the Take-Two guy make comments recently about how Game Pass was not a good business model for them or something? Mm. Um, so it's... It's really intriguing, you know? Maybe he's trying to drive up that price. Yeah, maybe he's trying to drive up the price, or maybe he's trying to, like, persuade investors not to do it or something. I don't know. Like, maybe maybe there's, there's all sorts of shit going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about. So, I have no idea what's going on there. But I did I did hear that a long time ago, that Take-Two was... Take-Two was a big rumor about them looking for a buyer. So, and again, that was a long time ago, not seen any documents, and definitely no first-hand comments. It was just like an, in, it was like an industry rumor, you know. And I think, like, if you go back and look at their share price, their share price around February was going up and up and up for some reason. And I think that was on the back of these rumors, you know, these, these industry rumors. So, um, and then it came back down after, like, nothing happened. But who knows, man? Who bloody knows? Look at their share price on Monday. See what happens, you know. What? Um, because because you're talking about it, and because not me. Because just mean like, well, you already know. We already know. We we've been through this how many times? You say something, some random person who's listening to the podcast is gonna is gonna write an article for some website, and then dude, you know IGNs uh, and 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 you know the the game spots of the world are gonna want to you know get in on the clicks, so they're gonna write yeah. something. And then somebody's this, this gonna. Isn't, this isn't my rumor. Like this is this was just an industry rumor that like was out there, you know. Uh-huh. So if those if those if those kind of rumors are bubbling up again, it could affect the share price. Um, oh god, is that the cat? Yeah. Okay. You might hear random meows every now and then. The cats coming yeah. in. So whatever you do, don't write any articles based on this because this isn't a jazz rumor. This is just no, it's nothing. An it's old an rumor. rumor. And I mean, yeah, they are doing a talk at the end of the month, but that could. I don't think that signifies that anything, but you know, it was about a, a year ago. Microsoft a year ago, Sony decides to do their their PlayStation showcase, and then a year ago, Xbox bought Bethesda. So is September the month when acquisition season starts for for Xbox? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Jay Primo says whatever. Uh, and we got one here from Jennifer Lundberg who says, Love me some Xbox 2. We all owe Jez a great deal of gratitude for defeating the demons in the ethereal plane. Keep doing <laughs> the Lord's work. Did you get a lot of messages about uh, your uh, cult story that you told at the end of the show last week? Yeah, I, I did get some messages. It's, it's funny. That's pretty cool. I, I might, I might, I, 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 
I think I said this on Twitter. I was when I was about eighteen. Have you heard of an app called RPG Maker Two Thousand? I've heard of <clears> a <throat> game called RPG Maker. I think, but not of an app called that. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if it counts as a game or not. But there was a, there was a program called RPG Maker where you could like you could like import spot sprites and make make a JRPG basically. And I, I was making a JRPG based on the whole astral plane cult thing story. I got about three hours of gameplay into it before I got bored, but um, that was a fun little program. But I don't know. Man. I don't know. Fun and games, man. Uh, Space Dovakin says, uh, man, Dragon Age Origins was so good, it was painful to watch the sequel fail. I didn't actually... I really like Dragon Age Origins, but I didn't play Dragon Age 2. You know, Dragon Age 2 is weird. Like, I... When I first played Dragon Age 2, I was disgusted. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is this? What is this trash? It's terrible. But then, after all the DLC and all the all the things they patched into the game, it feels like so much more of a complete game with the DLC that I ended up loving Dragon Age 2 as well. Like, it's not as good as Dragon Age Origins, but Dragon Age 2 is a very solid game with all the DLC. But, yeah, that's a complete... Yeah, game. you're a big Dragon Age fan. So I'm not, I, love I, I know, I know, yeah, so for you to say Dragon Age 2 is poop means it really kind of is, right? Well, I, I didn't say that. Well, I, like, I mean, you sort of did. Well, I didn't say, I said it wasn't as good, but I, I actually ended up loving it. Oh, well. Um, after all the DLC. I mean, you are a fanboy after all for Dragon Age, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was, it was weird at launch. Um, yeah. what about Dragon Age Inquisition? How would you how would you rate that one? I played Dragon Age Inquisition to death, but I I don't know. There was just it, there was so much nothing in it. That's that's such a weird thing to say. There was just so much nothing in it. But I just, like filler, like going around grinding pointless quests, find five sheep or collect eight carrots, and there was loads of like really weird lame quests like that. Like, it almost felt like it wanted to be an MMO only without the multiplayer. Um, but I did enjoy Dragon Age Inquisition overall. I, I've often said to myself, I, I'm going to go back and do the DLC, but, man, it hasn't aged particularly well. And I think it's, like, it's stuck at 720p resolution on backwards compatibility, which is vomit-inducingly bad. I'm hoping that maybe they'll do, they'll release a resolution boost patch if that, that feature ever exists. And um, but I I don't know. It just it just looks too rough at 720p. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. one day I'll play it. But yeah, early early Xbox like One titles. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, I got low expectations for Dragon Age 4 though, because of Dragon Age Inquisition, and because EA just doesn't seem to have been able to deliver a kind of big single player game for a long time. I mean, Jedi. Jedi Fallen Order was good, but it wasn't sort of like on the sort of narrative scale as Dragon Age or Mass Effect. So I don't know. I don't. I don't have particularly high hopes. But there was some Mass Effect news this week, Ryan. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a topic that um, they might be using the Unreal Engine, Unreal yeah, Engine Five, I mean, which you can just touch upon it quickly. Yeah. Um, well, I think the one of the issues people had with Mass Effect Andromeda was that. EA forced them to use uh, Frostbite Engine, Frostbite, which yeah. doesn't wasn't really a good fit for Mass Effect. 
uh, and that could be one of the reasons why the game ultimately ended up failing. Uh, I did see Jeff Grubb talk about this. I think you wrote an article because it was basically posting job listings, but it sounds like they might be moving away from Frostbite to go to Unreal Engine 5, but it's going to be a long time before we see this new Mass Effect game. So, yeah, a long time. A long time, which is disappointing, I guess, but I, it's one of those things where they, they, what, they unveiled it last year at the Game Awards, right? So in 2020, and it sounds like we won't see it again until, what, 2023, 2024? And who knows yeah, when it'll come out? Project. And it's like, yeah. with EA, with how Bioware has been doing lately, with EA shutting down the Anthem, uh, like restructuring or whatever you want to call it, like making Anthem better and just basically shutting that game down. I don't know. Do you have the, do you have the utmost confidence that like EA just w- won't just be like, yeah, you know what? Dragon Age failed. Uh, we're pulling the plug on Mass Effect uh, Four or whatever. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think the the fact that they're switching to Unreal is an encouraging move because it shows that EA is willing to invest in competing tools if it makes sense for the game. The fact that they were forcing Frostbite on developers who weren't particularly familiar with it and retrofitting the engine to, to, to make it work as an RPG, like, it's encouraging that they're switching to Unreal because Bioware seems to seems to be better with Unreal. They made Mass, Unreal Engine sing for Mass Effect 2. Like, the difference between Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2 mm-hmm. is huge. Like, they they, had, they went with Unreal for Mass Effect 1, and they didn't know how to use it that well. And then, like, for Mass Effect 2, it's just, like, night and day difference. So, I think Unreal Engine is potentially better fit for the kind of game they want to make. And maybe it sort of indicates that they might go with a more classic, not full-blown open-world form- format. Maybe they'll go for something a little bit more wide-linear with backtracking and, and stuff, like Jedi Fallen Order. I hope so. But I don't... I don't dude, this is, this is one thing... This is actually an editorial topic I've got, I've got coming down the pipeline in the next couple of weeks. I am fucking sick of open-world games, man. Mm. Not every game needs to be open-world. Preach. Preach, Jazz. Tell yeah, I, I, seriously. Mass Effect doesn't need to be open-world... Dragon Age doesn't need to be open world. Halo, bloody hell, does not need to be open world. You know, and I know Halo is like that hub world sort of system or whatever. But like Dragon Age Origins had a perfect world size. And so did Mass Effect 2. And so did Mass Effect 3. I don't think every game needs to be open world. And, you know. I 100% agree with you. But that does seem the way most games be going because they wanted to big the open world because when you're spending that amount of money on a AAA production, you need people to keep on playing it. So you give them this huge world with tons of things to do. So they spend 100 hours in, in it instead of eight hours, right? And that, I think that's one of the reasons why everything basically has become an open world. But I agree with you. Mass Effect doesn't need to be an open world. Mass Effect is about going to different planets. It's not about, like, having a huge singular planet to explore, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, he says, uh, Microsoft says, Starfield is exclusive, not coming to PlayStation 5. Sony fans say, so you're telling me there's a chance. Xbox 2 podcast is the best podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, Michael Kulik says, I think the strategy Microsoft has always had was to have 
Master Chief Collection be an avenue for the hardcore fans who didn't want radical changes, whereas the new games would bring new things to the franchise. You know, I thought the same too because if if you want like the old Halo Radar style, it's like, well, Master Chief Collection exists on console and PC. You can go play Halo 2, you can go play Halo 3, you can play those Halo games if you want the old classic Halo. Why not let the new Halo games be exactly that, new? Not saying you need to completely change everything about Halo, but let them experiment with some new ideas. But then again, the Halo fans, the hardcore come out, they don't like something, they make their voices heard, they make changes. And it's just like, man, you already have, like, I don't understand, like, why, why couldn't you roll with the radar? from the beta and if you're really that upset then like you you already have those older halo games that you can go yeah. back and experience like, i i don't know but it's, I, it's i think like it is it is a gamble betraying fans it is a gamble yeah. but it, sometimes it can really pay off and i think like one example that it really paid off for was resident evil like when they announced resident evil 7 would be first person i was like oh god i don't know about that that is weird but now I think, like, I prefer it. <laughs> I actually prefer it. Although, like, even still, it was really fun to revisit Resident Evil 2 Remastered with the classic form- format, at least some degree of the classic format. But I think, like, first person for Resident Evil 7 and 8 really, really worked. And when, um, I remember Rod Ferguson made headlines when he said about Halo, uh, Gears of War 5. He was saying, like, sometimes you have to, uh, you have to uh, betray the fans to develop the franchise. And it's like, yeah, you do. But, like, then Gears, I would argue Gears 5 didn't go far enough to betray the fans, quote-unquote. Yeah, they added that, like, really mild uh, ability system with Jack, and they added, like, really mild open-world-ish segments that had, like, a couple of mini side quests with some narrative objects in them. But... I don't think it went. I don't think it went anywhere near far enough. I think like I'm not saying it needs to be like full blown open world, like Assassin's Creed did, but I think like they could have gone further on progression and items and objects and stuff like that. But I don't know. It's completely separate discussion. But right. Um, Michael also says if we're talking publishers, Valve would be a more possible acquisition in his opinion. Valve does bring mm-hmm. Steam with you, and that's a big market. Microsoft wants PC to be a pillar of game of their gaming strategy and Game Pass. You know, if that's something that could happen, maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, Brett says two weeks yeah. from Monday is the one month anniversary for Bethesda. I remember that day very well because Jez called me six hours at like midnight the, on Monday and was like, "They're buying Bethesda." I was just told by somebody, and I'm like, "What?" And I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> like I was just too. Too pumped, and then it happened that day, and it was, it was like, whoa, what uh, what a moment. And uh, that, Honestly, like, thinking about it, that, that was the highlight of my career, I think, getting that call. Yeah. It, I, it was so hype. I could not believe my ears. I mean, I, could, I, couldn't be, I thought you were trolling me, because you do like to troll me about certain things. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll be like, I, I was, Dude, I was literally thinking, Rand's going to think I'm trolling him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was literally thinking that. I did think that. And I, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's no way this is true, Bethesda. But you were right. And I'm ho- hopefully, like, I always cross my, like, maybe Jez will call me. Because I know sometimes it'll be like, because I'm a 9L. I'm up late. You know what I mean? And sometimes I'll just get, like, a DM 
from Jez and at what? Because because when Jez says Discord now, that means he doesn't want any uh, any uh, any paper trail, right? So that means hop on a hop on a voice call. So you know, it gets me all excited because I was like, oh, this here was it something about a game, was it something about an acquisition, and he'll just be like, and I'll be like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm just bored. I'm like, you son of a bitch. If you just want me, so yeah, I'm waiting for one of those things where you like, uh, you'd be like, get on Discord, and then I'd be like, what's up? And you're like, Microsoft just bought Take Two, and I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. That's not possible. But anyways, um, <laughs> Furious Joy says, mayo shrimp, mayo shrimp, ooh 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 ooh. Great show, guys. Um, RDX NFS says Xbox can never get away with what Sony is. Uh, Brett says, Jess, have you noticed? that EA is starting to turn around, they seem to be acting mm. similar to Microsoft on how they are treating their studios. So I think, like, I've, I've actually gotten this comment a few times, and there was actually someone on Windows Central, uh, Samuel Tolbert, great guy. Um, he wanted to write an editorial. Um, EA, EA seems to be turning it around. But I'm old enough to remember the last, two or three times they seem to be. They take a few steps forward, and then they have, like, five steps backward. Like, I, I think I talked about this on a previous show. Like, I remember when they made, like, they made Dead Space, and they made Mirror's Edge, and it felt like, oh, wow, they're really trying new things. They're giving their studios creative freedom to do interesting stuff, blah, 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 blah. And then we got Battlefront 2, and they, they, te- they took, like, a huge leap backwards. All the, all the, and they, they closed Visceral and they Battlefield Hardline, you know, and a bunch of other stupid stuff that really ruined their reputation again. So I think like with EA, it's like an ebb and a flow. Sometimes they do like, they do some good stuff here and there, and then other times they just screw it all up. So, yeah. Uh, Dean Brown says, I love the world size Dragon Age Origins. Traveling to, to specific linear regions, open worlds can just end up feeling smaller in a weird way. Lauren says, I disagree. Mass Effect 1 is my favorite Mass Effect because of how less linear it is compared to the other ones. Two adapted mm. missions, which was the same. And people fight about that all the time, which one's better, and for whatever reasons. Some people like Mass Effect 1. Some people say 2 or 3 is better. Um, I know where I stand. Uh, I've always said 2 is better, uh, but 3 does have some pretty, pretty good moments. But 1... It's just, I don't know, too janky, man. Like, I, I, the vision is there, but, uh, I don't know, they just, they needed extra time or more experience because driving around that Mako, the combat, uh, the, the copy-pasted, like, wor- like, uh, areas you would go into on the, on the surface <laughs> world, like, all being the same. Dude, like, dude, there's, a, there's actually a law reason for that, you know. Oh, of course there is. They're, they're, they're prefabricated buildings. Oh, yeah. I like right. that, three, that 3D printed buildings, man. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> fine. We, we'll buy that. And then why did it change in the second one then, huh? Explain that to me, uh, sir. It actually didn't that much. Like, if you go, if you go, like, if you go to certain planets, like human colonies, for example, they're all prefab, they're all those prefab 3D printed buildings again. Like, but there, there's, a, there's a bigger variety of island technology. I'll give you that. I'll yeah, that. yeah. Uh, Michael says, which one? Jez wants Capcom. He's been dying on that hill forever. Capcom, Capcom, Capcom. But if you're going from an individual developer standpoint, I really don't know off the top of my head a lot of Japanese developers. So that's not a good question. From Soft? Okay. 
Well, they're okay, yeah. I mean, but they're already owned by a parent company, so that'd be more oh, difficult. Bandai then. Well, Bandai's a, a publisher. Are they? Is FromSoft owned by Bandai Namco? No, FromSoft to... is owned by like oh, okay. something that begins with a K. Cato. Cat, I don't know. They, PlayStation K- or Sony oh, just yeah. signed like a deal with them about their anime or something. But yeah, yeah, from software would probably be, an individual developer would probably be the best. <clears throat> I, uh, I I think like either Square Enix or Capcom for me. I think Square Enix would actually probably be better from a business perspective because I think like. Square Enix has a lot of overhead that Microsoft could trim out, but they have, like, a lot of mobile games, which is an area Microsoft really isn't right now. And um, and they also have a big service game, Final Fantasy XIV, obviously. But um, I think Square Enix would probably be a, a smarter purchase, but my heart would prefer to not lose Capcom, I think. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Monster Hunter has a huge amount of untapped potential. I think Monster Hunter could be as big as Pokemon if it was very, Yeah, No, it, it, it very well could be. Uh, Brett says, you think Microsoft would go really ambitious with multiple acquisitions for Xbox's 20th anniversary? Not like EA and Take-Two, but like smaller publishers like Warner Brothers? Man, we're on the whole acquisition thing because people are just getting antsy at the one-year anniversary of the Bethesda thing. Um I don't, I usually find like they, things don't like fall in directly like that where it's like they want things ready for the 20th anniversary and who knows if they're even going to do anything for the 20th anniversary. Um, but we know that they're talking to people because, I mean, both Phil Spencer and Satya have indicated that they're still looking and you have Satya who's the CEO. So something will happen at some point. It's just a matter of timing. So. Uh, and Shellen says, Rand, I need you, I need an impression of Jez. Rand, I need you to do an impression of Jez and say you want to throw a shrimp on the Barbie with mayo. You want me to do an impression of Jez in what, his, his accent? I can't do that. I'm not very good at, at, at impressions. I'm sorry. I can do a Rand accent. Uh, <laughs> no, you can't. You cannot do a Rand accent. That is a horrible oh, accent. Right. I want to throw some shrimps. I'm not from. Man. I'm not from the south, Jez. I'm sorry. That, that's how all Americans sound. Really. No, they, no, they don't. I'm from. I'm from Chicago, Chicago where we have the best Illinois. dialect. We have the dialect that they teach newscasters to use because it's not. Are you serious? As, I'm dead serious. The Midwestern Chicago accent is basically. It's it's the. It, it, how do I explain? Regarded as a sophisticated well, because because it doesn't because it doesn't have the southern drawl like hey y'all right so and it doesn't have uh you know the whole Boston New York thing right and it doesn't have the 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 western like yo dude like the California it's, it's kind of in the middle where it's uh, where tubular. where people from all across the state can I I I've, I've read about this. Like, there's a reason why when you're on, like, major news, you know, sites like CNN and all these ones, they pick people who have that kind of standard Midwestern accent because it's less egregious for other people to listen to in other um, areas of the United States. So, you all sound the same to me. Yeah, okay. You obviously (laughs) haven't heard somebody with a thick Southern accent or a thick New York accent. I don't know, man. You know, obviously England has the best accents, of course. 
Yeah. Although, Rand, when, when I was in, I was in LA, I was in LA once, and, um, someone thought I was Australian, which triggered me. Because they'd obviously never heard a West Midlands accent before. They were like, oh, you're from Australia? And I'm like, no, I'm English. <laughs> I'm, I'm from England. England, mate. mate. Um, so do you, does anybody give you crap when you go around in, uh, Germany and, uh, buy things? Do they look at you weird because, because, uh, you got the, uh, English accent and not, German one? Uh, well, I usually just point and just <laughs> keep my mouth shut. Most people speak English here anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's weird. Because like, you, you go to other countries and most people just, they, it's um, sometimes Rand, people can just tell I'm English from looking at me. Or they think I'm American or something. They can just tell I'm not German. Like I'll walk into a shop and before I even open my mouth, they speak to me in English. Like they know I'm not from <laughs> so uh, I don't I don't know how I don't know what about me looks not German but you know something about me is very obviously not German apparently so. apparently uh, Fierce George says any thoughts on the CEO of Paradox Paradox walking away could they be picked up by Microsoft I didn't know he left did you Jess? Uh she left. oh she CEO left. Paradox was that's, um, that's on me for thinking it was a dude. Yeah, I think her name was is it Eba? Eba? Pretty cool name. Yeah, Eba. Eba. I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce her surname because I'll, I'll butcher it. Jungerud? Jungerud. Mm. Um, I've pronounced that completely wrong. But her name's Eba. Let's call it, let's call it Eba. The Paradox Interactive CEO Eba leaves due to differing views from the chairman, the, from the board about how to run Paradox. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the the Paradox board of directors, the chairman of the board is the ex Paradox CEO. So that does seem like the um, I can I can imagine there would be conflicts there. Like the ex CEO is the chairman of the board. Obviously, he's going to have an opinion on how to be a good CEO of a Paradox. But it sounds like it was a bit of a mess there. But <clears throat> the Paradox's strategy of swamping their games with DLC doesn't seem to be paying off for them so much anymore. And some of their some of their recent DLC for some of their games have been like lower quality. Like it was always it was always the case that the the DLC for Paradox games, that expansion they were like expansions. They were like massive and they completely changed everything about the game. And you know it's almost like you had you had to buy them to keep keep up with the the curve almost. Like the Stellaris expansions are essential to the game, I think, because they fix a lot of balance issues too. And but because you got so much content, it felt worth it, you know. I had, like, all the Stellaris expansions, which now amounts to over, like, $150 worth of expansions for that game. Like, if you count all the the, the uh, cosmetic stuff, too. But <clears throat> I think, like, some of the Crusader King DLCs weren't weren't uh, received that well, and Imperator Rome didn't do that good and stuff like that. So I think there is some, there is some upheaval there with Paradox right now, but... I don't know. I'm just happy, Rand, that Surviving Mars is under development again. Because they, they abandoned Surviving Mars, and then they were like, oh, actually, maybe we should do more Surviving Mars, because Elon Musk keeps talking about yeah, it. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, so, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. glad that makes you happy, Jess, because I yeah, could I love Surviving Mars. I couldn't care less about Surviving Mars or Paradox. So does not Man. does not excite me in any way whatsoever. Uh, Brett says, Infinity is a Paradox game, you know. Brett says, uh, Jez, the RSI on Bandai Namco is at 
88 for September. 75 plus is sus. Whatever that means. RSI? Yeah, he says RSI. And uh, he says, Jeff, they probably know because you look like you laugh a lot. Meaning the whole, <laughs> they, they know you're from the UK. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, I, I feel like I have to bring this up because of who I am and what I'm named after. Uh, Randall Thor, obviously. Uh, Randall Thor. Named myself after the main character of the Wheel of Time. And finally, the Amazon uh, TV show that's in development. They put out their first teaser trailers. So people tagged me on Twitter all day long when it was revealed because that book series means so much to me. And I watched it. I got excited. Um, I couldn't. I can't describe the amount of emotions that I felt when I was watching that trailer and seeing things that I only imagined in my head when I started reading the series back in like high school. It's like, oh my god, am I actually going to see the Wheel of Time? You know, on the small screen, but big screen, right? And um, you know, it's like I'm I'm super pumped. I want people to watch it. But at the same time, I'm keeping my expectations in check because you never know how these fantasy TV shows pan out. Is it going to be like Game of Thrones where it becomes the next big thing and it's really well done? Or is it going to become like those awful MTV or ABC fantasy series where it's just like not worth watching? And when people hear Wheel of Time after that, non-book readers, they're like, oh, that was that horrible TV show. Right, and it's like, oh, but but if you just the wheel of time is so awesome that if they did it right, it would be absolutely huge. And I remember telling my buddy Magic, who works at Xbox, uh, when when HBO did picked up Game of Thrones, which was a Song of Ice and Fire as a you know the series, I said if they did that book series right, it would become the biggest thing on television, and they did it right. And I was proven right. And Game of Thrones did become the biggest thing on television until, well, they ran out of source material because George R. R. Martin can't finish the series. And <laughs> they basically had to make up the ending for themselves. And, you know, it ended up being horrible. But I knew, based on the source material, that Game of Thrones was going to be fantastic if the right people were behind it. And the same thing goes for Wheel of Time. I'm just... My fingers are crossed. I want it to be so good. I sat there and I was just, I just <clears throat> had a smile. I like chills through my body, like legitimate chills. Like, uh, I, and I wanted to know if anything was like for anybody in chat. I'm not saying the wheel of time, but like anything for you that you've seen that you've always wanted to see and you finally got to see it for the first time or experience it, where it literally gave you like the biggest amount of joy, right? Uh, where shields just ran through your body, like something that was just incredible like that. And that was like for me for watching that trailer. Um, I mean, there's a reason I named myself Randall Thor after the main character. You know, I do have some concerns. Rand wasn't really in the trailer very much, and he's the main character. Uh, so <laughs> that was kind of Dude, a little bit, but you know. It, this could be a double-edged sword, man, because what if the, the TV show does blow up and... Wheel of Time does become a household name. Maybe they make video games about Wheel of Time and stuff, and it becomes like this huge thing. Won't that affect your channel? People will think 
People think you're a Wheel of Time channel. Because <laughs> mm. I'd never heard of Wheel of Time, like, ever before before you explained what it was. So it, I would argue that it's potentially not that mainstream, but I could be um, wrong. I mean, it's not. It's not. I mean, it does have a huge audience, and people love the books. But for it to be, like, successful, I would imagine they need it to cross over to the mainstream, right? And uh, this brings me up to, like, regrets. You know, we all regret shit in our life that we've done. You know, like, my gaming regret is never playing a Super Nintendo game. Because I didn't own a Super Nintendo. And that's kind of one of the gaming shames and regrets that I do bear with me, is that I didn't play any of the Super Nintendo games. And that's probably one of the reasons why I look at Nintendo the way I look at them. Where I'm just like, who cares? Because I don't have that... uh established nostalgia um back in like grammar school and high school when i started working i started to build a dvd collection i had like 400 dvds and this was before blu-ray but i also had a huge collection of fantasy novels like if the fantasy novel came out in like the early the late 1990s or the early 2000s or if it was a big series i read it and there was a time where, like, I was really hurting for money. Uh, I mean, I think I've talked to you, I think I mentioned on the show or in you, like, there was a time where, like, I literally was homeless for a bit. And I, I no, I was literally, I got kicked out of the house and I was, uh, was homeless and I had to sleep in my buddy's van, uh, in the dead of winter in Chicago, which, as anybody knows here in Chicago, is not, uh, not fun. Not fun to be in a van parked on the side of the road when it's negative twenty degrees outside. Um, it's pretty cold, man. Yeah. So I sold all my DVDs, and I don't regret it to this day. Like I had tons of DVDs. I don't regret it at all. Like I don't care because I'm not like that. But you know what I do regret, Chess? To this day, I regret selling all my my books, oh. even though I got a lot of money for them, um, I honestly have a pang of regret every time I think about the books that I sold because I do always have, uh, like, I want to reread some stuff, which brings me to the Wheel of Time, and I recently, you know, rebought the first three books because I want to, um, uh, I want to finish the series again. You know what I mean? So, Why did you buy them back? I did. You well, used well, no, so I bought the first three, so I'm going to read the series again. But I, I literally had 300 books, man. I, I was so into reading everything. I, I would go Friday nights. Right. I would go to Borders, uh, and I would just, like, walk the fantasy sci-fi section and, uh, you know, browse the books and pick out the next series, right? Like, I would do that, and I would love it. And I would go home, and i just, like, sit in the chair and read all these, like, you know, the Farseer trilogy from Robin Hobb or, you know, like I said, Wheel of Time, you know, Song of Ice and Fire, Mausoleum Book of the Fallen, right? Like, so many of these sci-fi series that I would read, and I came on hard times, and I had to sell them all. And uh, same thing with the DVDs. And I don't regret selling the DVDs, but I do regret selling all those books. I don't know what it is. I just... It pains me even to this day. Like, I had so many, man, and I and some of them were so good. I only read once, but, yeah, um, I know that's kind of a little bit heavy for, for a gaming podcast, but, you know. 
Man. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's good to hear, man. But you know, look look where you are now. You've you've trial by fire. Think think of think of the Rand from the book. Is he he's a hero, right? No, um, he is the main character. Oh man, oh, hopefully they do him justice. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they do. <clears throat> I I read him, man. Like now that I've got I've got my nice shiny Galaxy Fold, which uh, is an amazing phone, by the way. I bought the Galaxy Fold at much much uh, pain for my bank account, but I want I, I like new tech rand. And I thought, you know what? It's time I bought a folding phone for some reason. And I bought it, and I love it. But you know what's really cool on it? It's like you get like a huge amount of display for like books and stuff. So maybe I'll read the book, man. I haven't read a book for about 20 years. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's 14 books in the series. So get 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 the get the reading them, you know what I mean? So, it has pictures, right? No, no. No not. pictures? No no pictures. Oh my are. god. No All the people read books without pictures. Yeah. Oh no, I'm joking. So so enough enough of that. I mean <clears throat> let's talk about let's talk about gaming and some of these topics. Uh Indeed. we got a question here from Jacqueline and Superchat. Hello again, big sexies. Any guesses as to the surprises in the upcoming PlayStation show? Interesting, yeah. That is a topic. Oh, cool. we'll, we'll talk about the PlayStation stuff uh, <laughs> in a minute here because PlayStation had some big news they dropped on Friday. Um, and it does seem like they are going to be putting on a big show, 40 minutes long. So we'll talk about what we expect to see at the show in a bit. Uh, Fierce Joy says, next Ryan charity stream has got to be him playing Surviving Mars. I mean, I'd rather play Surviving Mars than Pokemon, so... Uh, there's that. Uh, Gone Man says, hit that like button indeed. Make sure you guys, if you're joining the show, hit the like button and share this out. I really appreciate it. Uh, Michael says, been keeping my eye on the Wheel of Time. Interesting how Amazon is handling that and the Lord of the Rings show. Hope neither one is a dud. Me too, man. I hope they're both great. I hope Wheel of Time. I, I hope people, like, come up to the channel and be like, oh, man, you're named after Rand. He's so cool. You must be so cool. Cause I'm like, yeah, I am cool. <laughs> Even though I'm not. <laughs> Uh, I, I just can't wait to see that on screen, man. Yeah, it's oh, it's going to be so good. I, but but what if it sucks though? Like that's the thing I'm worried about is that it sucks. Uh, Dean says books feel like they will be the last bastion of physical entertainment. Something about paper in the hand that doesn't land the same on screen. It's funny because my sisters and my mom all use Kindle, but there's something for me about having that book in your hands and the smell of the paperback book, the paper. I like I don't know, like I I've tried reading stuff on a Kindle. It just doesn't connect with me in the same way. I guess maybe I'm like old man yelling at the clouds. This is how people must feel when they talk about digital and they're like physical forever, but there's just something about having a book in your hands reading it versus like a computer screen. Is it like almost sort of meditative? I think this this I associate screens with work a lot of the time. So, like, even when I try and read it, I tried to read, like, um, a book recently on my, just to test it out. I read some pages of a book on my on Galaxy Fold. My friend's actually written a book, and he's releasing it on Amazon soon. So I was reading I was reading his book that he sent me an advanced copy of. And um, I just, the notifications kept popping up, and I kept getting distracted and stuff like that. You can't, there's, like, I suppose there's no notifications on a Kindle, but when when you've got a book in your hand and only a book and there's no phone, there's no computer, 
you are completely in that book, and there's like no outside anything that can sort of distract you, I guess. But for me, Rand, it's a space thing. I just don't have any room for yeah. books or games or anything anymore. I have this big shelf in my room that spanned like all all like around the entire like top of the room that I would just like put all my books on, and it was just like I'd have one yeah. series, another series, another series, another series, and it was so cool, but then it's like I had to sell them all. I still regret it to this day. Uh, K. Asante says, salute to the dynamic duo. Rand, love that, your sh- love that your shared journey, you shared your journey, uh, both good and bad times, how far you've come, upwards and onwards. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about, first, Alan Wake. You just posted an article uh, because it leaked. At least Wario uh, posted a listing for it on Rakuten for the PS5, PS4, and Xbox versions. As far as I know, uh, it's 100% accurate. And it looks like it'll be coming on October 5th. And I think it's going to be revealed very, very, very soon. And I, for one, could not be more excited that Alan Wake is returning because you know what this means. If they're remastering this Xbox 360 game, probably for a reason. And there are rumors that uh, that uh, Remedy is working on Alan Wake 2 with Epic. And that's their next mm-hmm. big game. So, of course, if you are doing an Alan Wake 2, and it's been... God, Alan Wake 1, I think, came out in 2010. So it's been 11 years, probably 12 years before an Alan Wake 2 comes out. And it was only on the 360 and PC... So, yeah, you wouldn't want to introduce the series to PlayStation users. Uh, Stevie says, Sony event reveal. I don't think it'll be at the Sony event. Um, personally, I don't think it'll be there. Um, but I'm excited, man, like, for Alan Wake to come back. it's. I remember a conversation I had with Phil Spencer, one of the first times I met him, and I was playing Halo 5 with him. And I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because I don't care because it seems like Alan Wake is coming back, and I couldn't be more excited was talking to Phil, and we talked about Sunset Overdrive and a whole bunch of games, and I basically told Phil, literally told Phil how I felt abandoned by the Xbox leadership team uh, in the lead-up to the launch of the Xbox One. Because I, I was so pissed off with, the, you know, the, everything they were trying to do, the whole DRM strategy, you know, the 24 online thing, it, like, TV, TV, TV. Like, it really pissed me off. Like, I honestly felt that Xbox had turned its back on its core gamers and was chasing, chasing like, the Nintendo audience, right? Shout out to Xbox Gaming for becoming the newest member. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the emotes, right? So, you know, yeah, one of the first times I'm with Phil Spencer, he's the current head of the Xbox, I'm going to let my voice be heard. And I basically told him how I felt, uh, how I felt betrayed, uh, you know, as someone who had been with the brand for a long time and it felt like they didn't care about what the fans wanted and all this stuff. And he, you know, took it in stride because I'm sure he's heard it from other people. And, um, and then he was like, you know, if there was a game that I could do, you know, essentially like what game would you want us to do again? And I was like, I want, uh, I want Alan Wake to come back. I want you to make Alan Wake too. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say what he said, but it basically, <laughs> it basically was a no, <laughs> sort of. But 
And I never thought we'd see it because it's a, it's a story that ends and it's like there's there's more to this, just like Quantum Break. There's more to the story. So as someone who's a huge fan of the franchise, as someone who's a huge fan of Remedy, who loves their games, um, I'm excited for Alan Wake Remastered because I'm excited for what it basically, you know, uh, portends, what, what it's going to signify, is that we're going to have a continuation of the franchise. I mean, they put Alan Wake in the DLC for Control. You know there's plans. We're going to have Alan Wake 2 in a couple years, maybe next year, maybe the year after. And uh, I couldn't be more happy, man. Mm. I know you don't care. Because whatever, Alan Wake is pretentious, or whatever you said to me earlier. <laughs> nah, I I don't hate Alan Wake, but I just I just preferred Quantum Break. But, you know, following on from what you said about Alan Wake, I feel that way about Quantum Break, you know, it's... I feel like abandoned in the sense that they built this amazing universe and all this lore and then they just wouldn't fund a sequel. So even though, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Alan Wake, I like it, but I'm not the biggest fan of it, um, I, I get it because I feel that way about Quantum Break. I don't know why I just preferred Quantum Break, but I know a lot of people prefer Alan Wake, but I preferred Quantum Break. But overall, I am a fan of Remedy's games, you know. Max Payne... He's like, Max Payne 1 or 2 is two of my favorite games ever made. And um, I'm just happy it's coming back, like you. Like, bring back the remaster, introduce it to a new audience, you know, and then go all in with a big sequel. And maybe Epic Games can really prove that they are capable of funding, you know, third-party AAA games and stuff. Um, but it's it could be a... If, if, like, Alan Wake 2 is, like amazing and flawless it's sort of um that's an indictment of sort of the missed potential because microsoft could have probably acquired remedy at some point eh, but, maybe but i think when they were looking at a like you're talking about when quantum break was released in 2015 i want to say yeah. uh or was it 2016 i think it was 2016 i, I think quantum break ran hugely over budget, and I think there was a little bit of bad blood between people working at Remedy and people in charge of Xbox at the time. Like, not necessarily Phil, because I think Phil's tried his best to repair that relationship, but you can definitely see there does seem to be a little bit of uh, bad blood between Remedy and Xbox, and I think it stems from some of the decisions. Um, So... Yeah, I think Xbox in 2016 wasn't looking to acquire anybody. I mean, hell, we didn't even know if Xbox was going to be around. And here's Quantum Break that comes out, and I don't think sold very well, and it was an extremely expensive game. And uh, it'd be a different story now if, if Phil had the power he had back then, then maybe, yeah, Remedy would be bought. But uh, I don't know. I'm just – I I want to unlink too, Jez. So – I, You're gonna get it, man. I know we're gonna get it. We're gonna get the remaster. I think it's gonna be revealed really, 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 really soon. And uh, I, I can't wait to see. It's gonna be 60 frames, probably maybe ray tracing. What if they did like ray tracing with the flashlight? You know, because you use the flashlight a lot. That could be really mm. cool. Um, but yeah, like Alan Wake had like amazing lighting effects for its time. Yeah, uh, Michael says, "Was Phil at least nice about his response to you?" It's a damn shame that. Never seemingly made any moves to acquire Remedy. I mean, Phil's always nice. It was just kind of his response to 
what I said about Alan Wake and Titan's funny run because you you were saying that you felt abandoned by the Xbox One launch plan. I was completely on board with it. Of course you were. <laughs> of course I you was were. like, this is this is great. I can share my games with ten people. I can I, I can like buy a game. I can I can like buy a game on disc and then still have the license. I'm connected to the internet all the time. So who cares about the DRM check? Yeah, you know, I was on board with it, man. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't just, I mean, it wasn't, it was everything they were doing at the time, the focus on connect, uh, you know, cause even, even a couple years Dude. prior, like everything I was love, connect. I connect. Yeah. Screw connect you. Was great. Why are you, why are you my co-host? It was, connect was cool tech, man. I don't care what anyone says. I, the version two was not great, but I'm, I'm sorry, but the US military now uses helmets to sure. competed in them. Sure, okay. they do. But so if it's good enough for the U.S. military, the greatest fighting force <laughs> the world has ever known, Connect is good enough for me. You know, you know what though? You know what Connect's not good at playing video games with. I disagree. Blue uh, Estate was a damn good game. Trust me, I played I played more Connect games than you. I probably played more Connect games than anybody in the chat, and I'm a big fat guy. I played I played Connect games because I needed them achievement. Fruit Ninja Connect. Fruit Ninja Connect was awesome. It was bloody great, and so was Blue Estate. And yeah, I admit I didn't play the most Connect games in the world, but I did use the voice commands a lot. Um, I agree; it should have been sold separately. <laughs> uh, Jake, they just said the same in chat. I do think Connect should have been sold separately, but that's the only mistake they made. The rest of the plan was great, except for the messaging. Maybe I wanted my TV shows. Gears of War TV show would have been sweet. And you're just here, you're just here gushing about Wheel of Time exactly. being adapted into a TV show. Uh-huh. Why why couldn't my why can't Microsoft fund more of their games being adapted into TV shows? I don't know. It was a great strategy, man. It seems like what? Well, it was just positioned poorly. Remember, maybe underfunded. Remember when Microsoft announced the Halo TV show in 2013, and it's 2021, and it's still not out yet? Hey, hey, I'm not saying they they would have executed it well. Oh, you damn well know they wouldn't have. I <laughs> just saying. The plan was sound. No, the okay. plan the plan was awful. <laughs> the Connect is the reason the Xbox One and their strategy was the way it was. They didn't feel confident in their core fan base. They wanted to go after another one. They felt that's where gaming was headed. And we ended up in a situation with this overpriced peripheral but that nobody wanted because gaming Dude, on it was, was horrible. Right. It ended up with an Xbox One that was completely over-engineered and underpowered, and it made it more expensive. Yeah. So you end up in a situation where you're getting your ass stomped by PlayStation because all PlayStation had to do was, yeah, we're cheaper, and guess what? We're not changing anything. And everybody's like, oh, damn, yeah. they're doing yeah. this. They're just being Mark, the Mark same. Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft dared to dream. They dared to dream big. And I'm, I'm, I think they were, doing, they were on the right path. It was just executed poorly. Because if you look, Sony's doing a lot of the same stuff now. Sony has a peripheral called PlayStation VR, which, you know, is, in, is niche and not many people want it, but they're still exploring new gameplay paradigms. They're, they're going all in on TV. They bought Crunchyroll and Funimation, and, you know, they're adapting their, their franchises into TV shows like Uncharted. So PlayStation, <laughs> PlayStation is executing on the Xbox One Vision in 2024. Now, I... I don't think it's a bad vision. I think, like, a Gears of War, a Gears of War TV show would be great. Stick on Netflix, whatever. I think if we, if they had continued with Connect, we would have a, a really small, very powerful Connect 3 now 
that would be great for kids and it would have great Cortana integration. It would integrate with my Windows phone and man, it would be a dream. It would be like I was living if, in the future. If they could, my TV. I'm sorry. I'm a smart life. I could control my TV, I could boil my kettle from my Xbox, I could order pizza from my Xbox. And people like you, Rand, you ruined that. You ruined it for me. I'm you so, ruined it, Rand. I'm sorry I ruined your dream, Jazz, but... Boopie! Boopie ruined it for me. <laughs> but if they never dropped Connect, Xbox wouldn't exist. Phil Spencer wouldn't be the head of Xbox. They would never have bought Bethesda. They probably would have closed more studios, and then they would have sold off what the rest of it was to Google. So thank but God. I, but I could have ordered a pizza with my Well, you could have been ordering a pizza with Google Stadia. That would be... You, you wouldn't be working for Windows Central Gaming. You'd be working for Google Central Gaming. <laughs> are you are you saying Kinect would have buried yes. all of Microsoft? Connect, no, not all of Microsoft, but it was going to bury the entire Xbox division, 100%. Totally, I because... It, down, if there was a Kinect 3... If there was a Connect 3 now, it'd be smaller, it'd be it'd be perfectly way more powerful, and it'd be great for kids and family games, and it could do all the, the voice commands and all that stuff. But right now, I have to use my Alexa speaker to get, man. We could have had both, friends. We could have had the both. Nope. We could have had we could have had the studios, and we could have had Connect. Nope, nope, no. Nope. Can you imagine? Nope. Can you imagine Todd Howard making a, a Skyrim Connect version? I I can't. Dude, dude. Skyrim with Kinect controls existed. Do you not remember this? You could shout Fuss Rodar at your TV and it would trigger it. So that was stupid. That, it is so stupid. stupid. That is the it dumbest shit. Awesome. You can shout at your television. It, whatever. Yeah, you, know what you, gaming. you know what you can actually... Gaming, you know, pressing a button is is much quicker than shouting Fuss Rodar into the freaking... Um, I hate... Look, I, I hate... That the early Xbox One, I hate the Kinect. I hate everything that went into it and the vision, the idea of that, like, our core gamers aren't enough and we're going to go after these uh, grandpas and grandmas and little kids who want to flare their arms around, right? Like, no, screw that. Like, fuck Kinect. That's the last thing I'm going to say about it. Um, Man, I, I often wonder, Rand, like, because, you know, Kinect, Kinect signed you in when it saw your face, right? Like the Windows Hello thing. I often wonder if there's like if there are pictures of me in my underwear somewhere on a Microsoft server from like all Connect being on in my room 24/7. I often wonder that. Mm. You know what? <laughs> I, I I don't want to talk feels, about I don't want to talk about Connect anymore because it because it, it pisses me off. <laughs> oh, oh wow. So well, we, you know well, what, guys? You ruined you ruined it, Rand. It, you are Randall selfish. You know what? I'm glad Connect is in the same graveyard as the Windows Phone. But it's not. It's 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 on um, yeah. in the U.S. military, man. Because the Windows Holland, Phone sucks. Ah, uh, <laughs> use an iPhone, man. You have literally <laughs> no no room to talk about phones when you use mm. an iPhone. But I don't if go around have, saying the iPhone phone, is the best maybe. phone ever, like you do with the Windows Phone, a phone that nobody bought because it was garbage and it was terrible. It was it was just ahead of its time, man. Like Connect, Connect was ahead of its time. Windows Phone was ahead of its time. Bing was ahead of its time. Zune was ahead of its time. What else was ahead of its time? Bring back the Zune, man. The Zune was sweet, too. Groove Music, man. What happened to that? A Mixer. Mixer was ahead of its time. All the features that Mixer had that Twitch has now stolen and co-opted. Unbelievable. Man. All right, moving on from this. <laughs> Xbox Gaming says, this is for Jez. You got the membership brand, but my boy Jez get a, gets a pint with this. Wow. 
We're, yeah. we're like, this is now the Microsoft Graveyard podcast. Yeah, I know, right? God, I hope nobody from Xbox or Microsoft is listening to this show. Uh, Michael Scott. Yeah, if they're smart, they can make Windows Phone. If they're smart, they should pull Sony and make an exclusivity deal for Alan Wake 2, but it's not likely. I think it's published by Epic, so I don't think there'll be exclusivity. Uh, Space Dovakin says the Xbox One Vision was ahead of its time. I completely disagree with you. Uh, that's what people want to say now, but it definitely, I don't think it was. Anyways, um, Tokyo Game Show is coming up, Jazz. Yeah. Right? You know what, Rand? You know what? What? I, I would trade the Bethesda purchase for another, another whack of Windows Phone. There, I said it. I said it, Rand. They should have put that money. Yeah, but, you're li- but, I, but I know you're lying, so. That, that's not, it's true, man. It's damn true. I, I am actually not lying. Uh, anyway, Tokyo, Tokyo <laughs> Game Show. Uh, Microsoft says there's going to be exclusive news and reveals and stuff, and I know you wrote an article about this. It's another Xbox event coming up, I believe, uh, at the end of September, I want to say, like the 30th. What should yeah, Xbox right, gamers right. expect? Should we expect Lost Odyssey 2, Blue Dragon 2, Persona 5 port? Uh, what sort of big things does Microsoft have in plan for the well, Tokyo Game Show, Jez? Microsoft's going to announce they've purchased Capcom. Mm-hmm. They're going to announce they've purchased Square Enix, Bandai Namco. No. Um, Aaron Greenberg basically said on Twitter, don't expect anything. I think basically it's going to be a marketing showcase. They're going to show like, they're going to show the Japanese expansion for Flight Simulator. They're going to talk about regional updates. Maybe they announce some stuff. I don't know. But, the the English the English version of the Tokyo Game Show website was changed. So in Japanese it says there will be exclusive announcements um or something to that effect. Roughly translated it says there will be exclusive announcements. Um or, or information that you can only hear here. But the English version of the website says something completely different. It says like uh we will celebrate gaming or something. Something akin to that. So I think, like, basically, this event is to reintroduce Xbox or Xbox, the Xbox Series platform to the Japanese market. People who are skeptical about the Xbox platform, people who are unfamiliar with the Xbox platform, I think they're going to talk about games that we already know are there, like Yakuza and Dragon Quest and, and stuff like that, and maybe show that Xbox isn't the, the, the most unsupported platform ever, even though it still is the least supported platform in Japan. It's not as bad as it used to be, especially with games like Yakuza, Lost Judgment, and Dragon Quest, and, you know, Octopath Traveler, and we got we got a bunch of cool Japanese games. Scarlet Nexus and Tales of Arise, you know, Tales games often miss Xbox. So I think it's just going to be a marketing event. I don't think there's going to be anything major news-wise there, but who knows, man? Maybe there'll be some smaller indie games they show off. Maybe they'll, you know, announce that, I don't know, Final Fantasy VII Remake maybe finally gets announced for Xbox, but I doubt it. I think that's like the absolute, if you, the absolute most that could possibly be announced is that, but I I highly doubt it. And even then, if it was a big announcement like that, they'd probably announce it at one of their Western shows anyway, so I don't expect much from this at all. But what it does show, Ran, is that Microsoft's still still trying. They're still trying, bless them. Bless their little cotton socks. They are still trying in Japan. And as someone who's, like, sort of rediscovered a love for Japanese games this year, 
Um, I've been playing a lot of JRPGs, and Scarlet Nexus is great. I haven't finished it yet, but I was really enjoying it. Um, I'm going to go back and finish it at some point. But I feel like the Japanese gaming industry is, like, resurging the last few years, like Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, and, you know, a lot of these games that um, they fell out, almost fell out of the limelight for a while. They've sort of come back in a big way and made a big splash. And, you know, we've got Yakuza on, on Game Pass and we got Xbox Traveler and, you know, a bunch of other games. Comes cool support, stuff like that. So it's it's encouraging that they're still pushing in Tokyo, the Tokyo Game Show. And um, But honestly, I don't expect any big announcements or reveals. But who knows? Who knows, man? I don't but, expect no, anything from the Tokyo Game Show at all. Yeah, I mean... It, I mean, it's going to be focused on towards, like you said, uh, announcements for that region, but I think any big announcements that Microsoft would make would be at E3 or Gamescom or anything else. I don't think Tokyo Game Show registers, so, uh, yeah, I would say, uh, <laughs> I would say don't go in expecting, uh, Lost Odyssey 2 to get announced, or I don't even think, I mean, there's been talk about Persona, coming to Xbox, is this is this the region to do it in? Or is that more of a EXO Video Game Awards E3 type of moment where you finally announce that Persona's coming to your platform? Is it something you want to announce in Japan? I'm not really sure, no. but my I expectations for... Like, like a Game Awards thing or something yeah. like that, I would say. My expectations for the Game Awards are lower than what my expectations were for, for Gamescom, but... You never do know. I mean, like, maybe they got something cool. Like you said, maybe some really cool uh, Japanese indie games that will come to ID at Xbox. Uh, they could potentially show off there. So I'm going to probably watch the greatest hits because uh, who knows when that's going to be live. I don't expect anything from it. And I don't think anybody should set their expectations super high uh, for the Tokyo Game Show. Um, Dave in the Super Chat says, I miss controlling Xbox and the TV setup volume with the Connect." An aftermarket Microsoft accessory could bring that back, not for games, but for convenience. I actually do know people that really like to do that with their Kinect. Uh, Brett says, Dreamcast, Bing, Windows Phone, Mixer, and Kinect were all ahead of their time, shaking my head, crying emoji. And um, He's right. He's damn right, Rand. He's yeah. damn right. Uh-huh. I, will die, I will die on this hill. Uh-huh. Man, I'm going to have a Windows Phone engraved on my tombstone, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... I know you love Windows. I had a Windows phone because achievements, but uh, no, nobody else really cared about it. Uh, Furious George says, time to make your own show, Jazz. Talk about all the great tech that Microsoft abandoned. I'd listen. Windows phone for life, <laughs> Zune for life. And uh, Man, I, never, I never had a Zune because they were never released in the UK, sadly. But everyone I know who did have a Zune loved it. They loved it, Rand, mm-hmm. and said it was the best. Uh, Michael, did you have a Zune? No, I did not have a Zune. I didn't have an iPod either, so... Uh, Mike says Microsoft announces they bought Japan, so that's what that's what he thinks. Um, wow. The other bit of news this week from Xbox was uh, this, <clears throat> the whole Starfield exclusivity thing again. Again, I thought this whole talk was over. I thought when Microsoft like showed off the Starfield trailer at the very beginning of their E3 showcase. And it literally said in the biggest font you can imagine, Xbox exclusive. And then Sarah Bond comes on stage and she's like, Starfield, proud to say it's an Xbox exclusive. And then Phil Spencer bookends the show with a new game from Bethesda that's Redfall. 
and that says Xbox exclusive, and he says Xbox exclusive. I thought we were done talking about the exclusivity for the Bethesda games. But, of course, you know, Microsoft released Quake for all the platforms, Skyrim Anniversary uh, announced for PlayStation, as well as Xbox. So people start thinking, well, you know, if they're releasing this old stuff, certainly that may mean their newer stuff is going to come to PlayStation. We're just going to have to wait. It's probably just a timed exclusive, right? Because if it wasn't, why doesn't Microsoft come out and literally... Because here's what people want, Jez. I think what people want is they want, uh, you know, Phil or Aaron, or they want the trailer. So if you're sitting and watching E3 and you see a trailer for Starfield, what they really want is it for to say Xbox exclusive and underneath it, never coming to PS5. That's what they want for every single Bethesda game to come, because that's how you set expectations, right? That's what people that's what people want. Even though uh, Xbox exclusive means what it means, uh, you know, Microsoft is being cagey. Now, you, I suppose I would need to read some of the Pete Hines stuff here. Um, he says, it's not a sorry that you're never going to play anything by Bethesda again, Certainly there are going to be things that you're not going to be able to play on PlayStation. And he said that Starfield was a thing that was announced as an Xbox exclusive. I don't know if I would go so far as to say you're you're done ever playing stuff on PlayStation. But again, I don't know the answer to that right now. And this led to a whole thing on Twitter, on social media, where it's like, oh, Starfield's coming to PlayStation, guys. Basically, you know, even though a lot of these people were basically saying Bethesda's garbage, that they're bug Bethesda, and Bethesda never has made anything good, right? Basically saying, like, well, now that you're not coming to PlayStation, you were never good in the first place. But just that, they, you know, Microsoft maybe leaving, leaving that door open a little hint. They're like, they want to bash it down and be like, Bethesda games on PlayStation, we want them, we need them, right? Um, which then forced, you know, Pete Hines to say, you're grasping at straws, and Aaron to reiterate that it's exclusive, and then have Aaron further reiterate that it's not a timed exclusive. So, what'd you make of that whole mess? Man, it's... It's sort of like... First of all, I think it's grift. I think, like, the people who are pushing that narrative, they know it's not coming to PlayStation. They just wanted to stir up attention-seeking behavior. Like, they're, like, social media accounts that are they, they revolve around trolling and misinformation. And they, they, like, they didn't believe that it was coming to PlayStation. Like, Xbox literally could not have been any more explicit. Starfield is just never coming to PlayStation. It was never in the plan to come to PlayStation. It was always going to be an Xbox exclusive. And, frankly, all the new games that they make are going to be Xbox exclusive. I think, like, you'll see, you'll see the odd project, you know, like, classic games go across the board. Because, ultimately, those older games almost serve as, you know, marketing tools, you know. If you, like, if you bring the old Quake games to the platforms, then you'll know your next-gen Quake as... Next-gen Quake is exclusive to Xbox. Like, that's, you know, marketing. Those games have already sold through, you know. There's, no, there's literally no point keeping the next Skyrim exclusive to Xbox. There's literally no point. But in the next Elder Scrolls, I would, like, put money down that it will be exclusive to Xbox. So, it's just... It's just another one of those trolling things, I think. I don't think anyone actually believed it who was pushing that narrative. They were just attention-seeking to get people riled up, to get people like us talking about it and, you know, 
It was just a big troll thing, I think. It's well, not yeah. come to PlayStation. No. It's never will come to PlayStation. Of course it's not. And we said that before, but, you know, Starfield not coming to PlayStation. It's exclusive. Um, but, you know, Aaron had to come out and say it's not timed either because people would be like, well, it, may, it might be launching as an exclusive, but it'll come later. No. Like, listen, they don't need PlayStation's fans' money on this. They like, don't. I'm sorry, you're, you're not, you're not wanted. So, you're not wanted or needed. And that may sting a little bit because I think a lot of PlayStation fans are used to getting everything. And this is one of the first times that they're not going to be able to get everything. So it's a little weird feeling for them to basically have someone say, ah, we don't need you for our business. And if you want to play these games, then you know where to play them. And in fact, it's going to be available in more places than ever before because of streaming on mobile and and PC and Xbox. So you're not needed or wanted quite frankly. Um, I think that, that that does bother a lot of them. But, uh, yeah, totally 100%. Like, Pete, I guess Pete is basically saying that, like, hey, they still have some titles coming to the platform, you know, Quake, Skyrim. Uh, and, you know, you, you could, I don't think they also don't want to back themselves up and into a corner either uh, by yeah. saying never because the industry changes all the time. You know, I think if they do, if they do like, <clears throat> if they do like a Fallout 4 anniversary edition, which they probably will, I imagine that'll come to PlayStation because it's free money, right? And they can use that money to fund Fallout 5, which will be exclusive. So, and they they want it to push Game Pass subs. Like you, you don't push Game Pass subs with old games. You push it with new games. And um, I think like if they if they bought Starfield to PlayStation, then you're working against that strategy to push Game Pass. You know, you're working against it. So I can't see the next Elder Scrolls or any of the new big AAA games. They won't push Game Pass if they're on PlayStation. It really is that simple. It's not even about, like, it's not even about, like, wanting to screw over PlayStation fans. I firmly believe if PlayStation had Game Pass, PlayStation would have Starfield through Game Pass. A hundred percent. <clears throat> but it will never have Game Pass because Sony doesn't want it because Game Pass competes with their services. So it's all about Game Pass at the end of the day. It's not even about Xbox. It's all about Game Pass. And um, that's just the way it's going to be going forward. You see, never say never, though, Jez, because people said crossplay is a thing that would never happen, and now it's almost becoming standard on all new big releases. And people said Sony would never put their games on PC, and they're pretty much doing it for every title. So while today PlayStation may not want Game Pass because it competes with them, who knows what the industry is going to look like in five and ten years? That's why I I think they're they're yeah. not backing themselves in a corner and saying never because I think I think that's a, that's a fair point to make because you know maybe one day they they decide to shift away from Game Pass and maybe maybe the uptake on X Cloud isn't as strong as they think and maybe they think okay we need to. We need to, you know, back away from this strategy and go back towards a retail, more retail-oriented strategy. Maybe then things would change, you know. But in the current strategy and the current atmosphere, with their current projections about where Game Pass is going, it's not going to happen. So I think, like, I think you're right to say that they don't want to say never because they don't know, you know. I think it's the problem is is the difference between how active 
the Xbox, the Xbox personalities are in discussing things versus how active the PlayStation executives are. Like typically, the PlayStation executives don't really communicate on social media. So like, you're not left to, to make guesswork or interpret what they say. Whereas Pete Hines, Aaron Greenberg, Phil Spencer, they're all quite active on Twitter. And, and you know, Twitter only gives you part of the story a lot of the time because of the tweet limit and stuff. People write shorthand and quickly. So, you don't, they, often things get left open to interpretation by trolls and stuff like that. But I don't know how you misinterpret Xbox exclusive in huge block capitals. I don't know how you misinterpret that. Um, it, does, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because just play where you want. Like, nobody really cares at the end of the day. If you're like a, if you're like a game fan, you, you're not really obsessed with like, gatekeeping a game from another platform. Like, if they announced Starfield for PlayStation, I wouldn't care. It's not going to detract from my enjoyment of the franchise. Yeah. Oh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. Um, uh, Michael Kluk in the chat says, really wish we had the rest of the D4 Dark Dreams Don't Die. How do you unrated Japanese gem on Xbox? Yeah, I do kind of wish. the Kinect game. Pretty cool Kinect game, right? Oh, uh, right. was it Kinect? I think I played it with the controller. You could play with the controller, but it was supposed to be played with Kinect mm. brands. Mm. Did you not try? No, no. I, I, I think I got the Kinect and I put it in a drawer. Wow. Because wow. Who, who needs who needs that? Uh, Mike says Pete Hines should probably should probably make more statements on the shouldn't make more statements on the matter. It makes it look like Bethesda's not fully being on board, being first party. And uh, Sony is better off restructuring PlayStation now, make it similar to Game Pass. Not much to gain on their end if Game Pass ended up on PlayStation. Um, yeah, uh, he also says they should probably stop making statements. I mean, I, some people do say that, but eh. he, I, he's saying, what, you know, it's like some games are going to be exclusive and some won't, and it's the truth. But I don't know. I think uh, people just really want Starfield. And they they saw the door open a crack and they wanted to kick it down only for that to slam back in their face. Anyways, um, Jez, I see you've been tweeting about this recently, um, about Avowed being in game development hell because <laughs> Chris Avalon tweeted that a bunch of people left. So yeah. uh, you talked to people according to your sources, and uh, that is 100% not the case, right? I mean, there is people who've left the project and moved to other projects and people that are shuffled around, but that's that's normal. It's normal in a studio. You know, it's it's completely normal for that to happen. Like, people will move from one project to another one, and and it doesn't mean it's in development hell. Like, that's so weird. I spoke to someone who has direct knowledge of Obsidian and how things are going there, and basically... They said that the comments were seen as laughable, you know. Um, you know, I mean, what more? What more can be taken than that? You know, I think like you always have to be wary when it comes to ex-employees, especially ones that were fired, um, because they have an axe to grind. They have a bias, maybe. So, you know, and I'm not suggesting that that was the intention behind Avalon's tweets, but you know. You kind of have to take them with a pinch of salt, right? I think, like, it's it's just, the whole thread was weird. Like, he asked Elon Musk to buy the Fallout IP, 
Like, <laughs> why? You know, like, what? It's so strange. And um, and then, like, went on to talk about about being in development hell or implying as much. But it's just not the case. Like, I've actually heard, like, Obsidian is one of the studios that is, like, probably the most on track right now. And um, Chris didn't know what he was talking about. He's basically like, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. I think like and I think those I think those kind of comments really hurt developers and studios and it was really unprofessional of him to do that. But I think like he knows that he can do that because he's kind of an outsider in the industry now. And I don't think he's probably not seen as particularly employable after the accusations that were made against him, the allegations, which he is supposedly so, contesting yeah. in court. I think he's suing but, the people yeah. Yeah, he's suing the people who accused him but um you know, I I got a load of DMs about this. People saying, "Oh, Microsoft's killing Obsidian." You know, Microsoft's screwing things up for Obsidian. Microsoft's screwing up the games. Obsidian's in trouble. But Microsoft's taking like they're doing this limited integration approach, similar to what they did with Mojang, where they, the studios are basically allowed to run themselves. So like, you know, Obsidian's getting what Obsidian is getting is more resources. But from what I understand is. Um, they're doing this limited integration thing where they can basically be autonomous in how they approach these projects and stuff. So basically, we're just getting the obsidian we've always got only with a crap load of money. So I don't think you need to worry, man. Just just wait and see. Just wait and see what Avowed's like before you get worried about that. And I get it. I get being worried because Microsoft hasn't got the greatest track record when it comes to acquisitions. Look at Lionhead. Look at Rare for many, many, many years. Rare's only just sort of hitting its stride again with um, CSDs and stuff like that after years of being a, con- a small Connect studio, basically. Um, going from making, like, legendary games like Banjo and, you know, Donkey Kong and stuff to going to making Connect games is a, pr- a pretty stark fall for a, a studio like Rare, but they've got back on, on form now. But, again, this is like, that was like the old Xbox. That was like the underfunded Xbox. That was the side project Xbox. We're now like, we're in like big budget, senior leadership team, huge money, publisher acquiring Xbox. It's really not the same situation. So honestly, wait and see. The next year or two are going to really show the execution of Phil Spencer's vision for what Xbox is and what it can be. I know it's been a long, long time coming, but putting all that, putting all those employees into place, getting the budgets that they need to execute that vision and the tech and the studios, that is not something that can be achieved overnight. It's not something that can be achieved in a year or two years or three years. So, and also we had a big, big COVID. Um, <laughs> True. Big COVID crease in the middle of all that stuff. So, you know, honestly, just wait and see. Wait and see. If a valve comes out and it sucks, then whatever. But, you know, I think if it's at least as good as, like, Outer Worlds, I'll be a happy man. And the fact of the matter is, they're going to have a hell of a lot more money to play with than they had with the Outer Worlds. So, um, I ain't worried. I ain't worried at all about Obsidian. Obsidian is a studio I'm probably the least worried about right now when you look at everything uh, from a bird's eye view and from what yeah. I'm hearing. Well, I, I had um, heard that about and, you know, was either on schedule or ahead of schedule. 
The progress was doing good. So if Obsidian's the studio that you're least concerned about, what studio is the one that you're most concerned about? Is it 343 or is it somebody else? Most concerned about? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think it's weird. We haven't seen a peep from Compulsion, and We Happy Few was a mess. So I think Compulsion has a hell of a lot to prove. I wouldn't say I'm worried about them, but I just think they've got a lot to prove. Um, I'm also sort of like, I, I, I do wonder about Undead Labs, because State of Decay 2 is janky as hell. And I appreciate how much they've put into updating the game and stuff like that. But when they show, they show the, the CGI trailer for State of Decay 3 left an impression on me that they want to get, get higher visual quality and better animation quality and stuff like that. And Undead Labs lost Jeff Strain in spring. And Jeff Strain obviously is a big name founding founder of Undead Labs, worked on World of Warcraft, founded Arena Net and stuff like that. So um you do wonder like what's the new leadership like and stuff like that. Um so I think Undead Labs has a lot to prove as well. Not really like worried, but again, lots of prove and stuff like that. Because I do think I do think State of Decay has like such a huge amount of untapped potential as a sort of service type game. But I don't know if Undead Labs have the the expertise in house to make a persistent world game. I just don't know if they have that. Because the tethering the tethering style cop in State of Decay two is just not good enough for what they're trying to do there. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But also 343, I think Halo Infinite's development cycle has been a complete mess and a huge waste of money. I feel like with better execution, not only would we have had Halo Infinite already, it would have been better quality and probably cheaper. So I think, like, there's something that's gone really wrong at 343 over the years. COVID probably didn't help. And like I said before, 343 was a studio not set up to deal with COVID. And also, Washington was one of the early states that got slapped with COVID pandemic early, before vaccines, before the, you know, the the remote working systems were in place. So, 343 was uniquely impacted by that stuff, I think. So, I am probably most worried about 343, frankly, around. Um, like, I, I feel like if Halo Infinite isn't a banger at launch, or at least above average, I think... I think heads are going to roll because it's the execution has just been subpar. I think even factoring COVID, even before COVID, things were were felt like a mess. That studio, but yeah, okay. I don't know. But it's the thing we don't we don't know what really goes on. We just sort of we fill in the the blanks with with like fear and trepidation sometimes. Like I literally have no idea about three four three. I got some like some idea about some of the studios, but I have I don't really have good sourcing about 343, but just seeing what they've put out openly, like, Rand, I have no idea why they thought that twenty that 2019 gameplay demo was acceptable. Was it 2019? No, no, it was 2020. 2020, yeah. I have no idea why they thought the 20, 2020 gameplay demo was acceptable. I don't know what, what, what universe they thought that was acceptable, man. I'm, I have literally no idea. Like, what? What the hell, man? You need what? to do some invest- investigative journalism. I want to know the, the, what happened with 343 and, and everything surrounding it. I think it would make for a good article, a good book. Uh, you know? that's, that's hard work, man. Uh, yeah. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm just a 
blog I'm around. I'm not a journalist. Uh, Space Dovakin says, is Sawyer directing Avowed? And that answer is no. I think he's on his own game, right, Jess? Uh, yeah, God, I hope it's Pillars 3 so yeah, bad. He, he's on his own game. He's not on Avowed. Uh, Luca says, what are the chances of Tales of Arise on Game Pass at the T Tokyo Game Show? I would say probably zero. zero. However, yeah, I could see Scarlet Nexus coming soon. Uh, they released yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I, they released that in the summer. Um, and October is, you know, uh, essentially a few, like, the game had been out for a few months. I could totally see something like Scarlet Nexus hitting Game Pass. I can um, see, I can see, I can see Tales of Arise coming to Game Pass a few months down the line, maybe. But, because Bandai Namco has taken, a, taken good advantage of Game Pass and stuff. And I, can, I agree with you that Scarlet Nexus is probably, probably a good one. So, um... But yeah, not at launch. I don't think Tales will be there at launch. But Tales of Arise does have a decent demo on Xbox Live. That's worth worth checking out. However, Rand, I will say, after playing... Actually, can I talk about that? I don't think you probably should. No, I, I can't. But honestly, I think, like, I will say this. If you're a Tales fan, I would go in blind. I wouldn't play the demo because the demo starts somewhere in the middle of the game and it doesn't really explain what's going on very well. I don't think the demo is a very good demo. I think, like... It's, uh, I think it's better if you're a Tales fan to just go in blind and skip the demo, personally, based on things, nothing mm. in particular. Yeah, nothing in particular, says Jazz. Uh, Georgie says, Microsoft should sue Avalon, Xbox, Explosion, and Vape for real. I don't think it's that, that big of a deal where they need to sue somebody over it. Uh, Michael says, are you guys concerned that future Xbox games will fall into the same trap? Lots of projects are mainly first-person titles. Eh. Hmm. Not really. Uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty diverse stuff. Some will be first oh, person, Fable. some will be third person. Yeah, Fable, Fable and Hellblade are third person, surely, right? Uh, um, I think Fable's third person. Avowed's first person. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Avowed's uh, first person, isn't it? Avowed? Yeah, Avowed is first person. Did I say third? Yeah. I, 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 I meant Fable's third. third. I think, uh, and, and Avowed would be first. Uh, George says, Sawyer isn't working on Pillars after two bombed hard. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that, actually. So Yeah, it just sucks, man. He's why, did, why did Pillars 2 bomb? I don't get it. I, I don't know either. I don't know. Um, I don't know. But anyways, it's time to talk about Xbox Smart Delivery and how it basically makes PlayStation look bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh man, well, I'll, um, let, I'll let you take the lead. On well, okay, let's let's talk you about. You put out that let's, lovely video. Let's let's, let's talk about good, and that's PlayStation Showcase. They got um, Showcase on Thursday. They announced it a week ahead of time, and it's not a state of play, so it's a little bit more media experience. It's going to be about forty minutes long. I think it's Thursday at like one p.m. Pacific, so three p.m. It's basically going to be their E3 equivalent show. Um, and, you know, people are hyping it up on Twitter. Uh, I see, like, David Jaffe and, and a bunch of, like, PlayStation, uh, executives or PlayStation, you know, people who work at PlayStation being like, yeah, this is going to be the show. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting it to be a big show. They got a lot, a lot of things they need to showcase, you know, God of War, uh, gameplay for the first time, uh, 
Gran Turismo probably going to be there. Uh, maybe even a chance Spider-Man 2 shows up, potentially, uh, if Insomniac is ready. Although, if Spider-Man 2 shows up, maybe that's more of a logo announcement uh, rather than, like, a full gameplay thing. And then whatever, you know, third-party deals they might have, money hats, you know. I wonder if we see Deathloop again because that game is about to be ready to come out. Uh, Kenna is coming out soon, so we probably see a launch trailer or something like that. Um so yeah, um I'm expecting I'm expecting them to show what they have for next year and maybe even twenty twenty three. I think you probably see Final Fantasy sixteen again. Maybe even a demo drops, uh for Spoken. I think you'll probably see that again and maybe even get a release date for it. Um so I mean there's potentially can be a lot. Uh Stevie says factions too. Maybe Naughty Dog shows up. Uh, I mean, it's possible. Um, there's a lot of rumors floating around, like Metal Gear Solid Remake or whatever. And I did hear the Metal Gear thing was real years ago, so I'm still assuming it's real. I don't know if it's exclusive or not, uh, but that is something I do think is being worked on, but who knows when it will get unveiled. I don't know. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see what God of War looks like. There's rumors that it's a 40-hour game, Jez. I don't, I don't know how you feel about that. Um, well, I'm not going to play it, so... Oh, yeah. I forgot. You don't play good games. I forgot about that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I play strategy games all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think I think the showcase is going to be pretty cool. Um, Silent Hill, although... I know people have been talking about Silent Hill. I don't know how excited people are going to be when it's Bloober Team is revealed as the one making Silent Hill. Uh, because, you know, Bloober Team is like one of those studios where it's either you like it or you love it. And, you know, Medium was kind of one of those, eh, oh, it does some cool things, but then does some things bad. So it'd be interesting to see their take on Silent Hill. So we'll see. We'll see what the next week brings for PlayStation. Um, but, uh, it's weird because it's almost like Sony knew they were going to get some backlash. So, like, they announced the showcase, but then they also announced the Horizon pre-order upgrade stuff. And it almost is like they wanted it, the story to sort of be buried by the showcase announcement. But people just latched on to this Horizon thing because of, you know quote-unquote lies, which is what I have in the title, because who knows if it's a lie. Like, they, people are saying Sony lied about it, which I don't necessarily think is true. If you actually read uh, the PlayStation blog where they mention launch games will have a free upgrade and Horizon isn't a launch game, but that's kind of just... <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole weird situation. So basically what's happening is Horizon... Uh, if you want to, if you're someone on the PlayStation, you want to get a, an upgrade to the PlayStation 5 version. You have to plan ahead, right? You have to plan ahead and buy the $80 digital version. So you're paying $20 more than what you would normally pay on PlayStation and $10 more than what the game is going on PlayStation 5. And that's for digital. Um, Physical, the only version that comes with both versions is the $200 and $250 version. So people who actually like to collect their games, uh, yeah, they're kind of getting a raw end of the stick, right? Um, 
And this is the counter and the contra- contrast to what Xbox does with smart delivery, where there is no fee. You know, Halo Infinite's going to work on whatever system you buy. If you buy it on the Xbox One and play it there, and then a month later you get a Series X, you just it just works, and you get the better version. And people talked about how it was just marketing buzzwords and and really didn't mean anything, and now you're finding out, like, yeah, now it actually means something. People worked really hard on getting that uh, feature set up and running and working across all the platforms, even including PC, because Xbox first-party games also are Play Anywhere. So you'll be able to play it on Windows 10 PC, and your saves just work. You can play Halo Infinite on your freaking PC, take it to mobile, take it to your Series X, take it to your Xbox One. You only got to pay once, and everything just works flawlessly. Um, but then Sony, for whatever reason, you know, they, they have their own way, where you know if you bought Spider-Man Miles Morales on PS5, you get a PS4 version for free, and... People thought they would do it for Horizon because in the blog it said, hey, we're offering these upgrades from PS4 to PS5. They they do condition it with launch games, which Horizon isn't. Uh, so people will say, well, you know, Sony technically isn't lying. However, there is an interview with Jim Ryan where <laughs> – I love Jim Ryan. You want to know why? Because he's a quote machine, Jazz. He just says – like, remember when he said, hey, backwards compatibility, like, why would anybody play these old games and stuff like that, right? He just says things, you know, we believe in generations, right? Uh, that whole thing. That kind of just blew up in everybody's face because they assumed he meant everything was going to be exclusive, and that's not exactly what happened. But he said, mm-hmm. regarding the announcements in September of last year, about Horizon and Spider-Man Miles Morales being cross-gen, he said that nobody should be disappointed, which I agree with. Nobody should be disappointed. Uh, the PS5 versions of those games are built from the ground up to take advantage of the PS5's feature set, and we have an upgrade path for PS4 users to get the PS5 versions for free. So that is something Big Jimbo said. Hey, we got an upgrade path. You can get the PS4 version or the PS5 version for you know our users on the PS4, right? So their messaging isn't clear. They're kind of a little, they're, they're, they're trying to finesse people. They're using a little misdirection. But then my guy Jimbo says, it's all about, it's about people having choice. I'm really quite pleased with the situation. So, you know, <laughs> what happened to choice, Jim? What happened to choice, big Jimbo? Choice, choice, choice. So, like, it, so did it only matter in 2020 when people were upgrading from PS5 from PS4 to PS5 does does it not apply after a year like I don't know like you read that and you're like okay well this dude literally says they have an upgrade path for PS4 users to get the PS5 version for free and then he says it's all about choice and he's quite pleased with the situation and then a year later is like well no Horizon doesn't have a free upgrade path you can't even pay $10 because if you're somebody who buys the PS4 or somebody who doesn't even know like they don't know about this information because then everybody was on Twitter. Not everybody reads the gaming news websites. And you're on a PS4 and you buy Horizon and you get it for PS4 because you didn't think ahead to spend an extra 20 uh, and then you get the PlayStation 5. Sure, you can put in your PS4 disc and play the PS4 version on your PS5, but um, uh, you'd have to buy a new PS4. So you'd have to double dip. So it's like... <laughs> They're trying to monetize their unaware PlayStation users 
and, 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 and sort of force them either to buy the game twice or get them to pay more up front. And if you're physical, someone who likes physical, they're trying to get you to buy a $200 version. You know, say what you will about what it says in the PlayStation blog about launch games, right? But when you're the, the head and you're out here talking about how nobody should be disappointed and, and that there's an upgrade path and then it's saying it's all about choice and he's quite pleased, but then not give the choice to Horizon a year later. It, it just makes you look like you're straight up Jim, Jim Lyon Ryan. I'm sorry. Um, like, it just, it, it's not a good look for him because this isn't the first time stuff like this has happened. Yeah. And it just further shines the, the spotlight on what Xbox is doing and how consumer-friendly the entire smart delivery program was. And how at the beginning of the generation, everybody says it means nothing. It's just marketing buzzword. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sony will have their own version. And after all the stuff and save files, shenanigans on PlayStation with like Avengers and all these other things, it's like finally it's getting the credit that it deserves. And they should offer a free upgrade. One of those special editions should offer it. Um, the, the, if you don't want to give a free upgrade, you should at least be like, hey, if you bought the $60 version of this game on the PlayStation 4, because Toshiba's saying that, you know, uh, there's going to be shortages until September of next year, so not everybody that wants to get a PlayStation can get a PlayStation. If you bought it for 60 at least offer a, a, a small $10 upgrade to get it, for, you know, uh, on the PlayStation 5, and then it conflicts with what they're doing. Like, you have Death Stranding that is doing a different upgrade path for 10 bucks. Ghost of Tsushima is doing a different upgrade path that's $30. And then this one is doing... Not, it, it, it's this weird, inconsistent messaging for their games. And then you look at the quotes... Just like people will take Phil Spencer's quotes and say he's lying. It's like you can directly look at Jim Ryan's quotes here and just be like, what is going on? Maybe you shouldn't do as many interviews as this. And if you're saying it's about choice, maybe it should really be about choice. And I know some people will say, well, you know, Horizon, whatever, it's, it's a really expensive game. I'm happy to pay Sony the money, whatever they want, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, dude, Sony made $25 million last year. They can afford it. <laughs> like, they made more money. They, they made the most money than they ever, ma ever made in the PlayStation's history. The most money ever a platform holder has made. So don't tell me Sony's, you know, doesn't have it. Because they clearly do. And it's not like that many people would do the upgrade. It just further just goes to show you that I, I think they don't really they don't really respect some of their fan base. I think they think this people wouldn't be outraged about this or upset about it enough to the point where uh, people would complain. That announcing it the same day as the PlayStation Showcase and teasing new reveals and big new games is enough. And, you know, for some it is because I definitely saw a lot of people damage controlling it and, Oh, blah, 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 they never said this, or they didn't do this, and I'm happy paying $70 for, for greatness, blah, 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 whatever. I did see some PlayStation fans stand up and say, nope, this is horrible, this needs to be fixed. Um, 
I, I, I understand these corporations are, aren't our friends. They're out here to make money. But when you have one who's doing a consumer-friendly policy and then they have another who doesn't, it doesn't matter that, quote-unquote, well, nobody, Xbox is only doing this because they were in last place last generation. Well, that's exactly the point. Xbox got beat down and had to do better, and this is one of the ways they're doing it. And I recall PlayStation facing a similar thing in P- the, during the PS3 era where they were beat down and they had to do better, and they did. You know? I think this is one of those just arrogant things that Sony thinks they can get away with because they don't think people would really complain that much because some of their fan base is perfectly okay paying whatever amount of money it is for the game. They probably would... They, if Sony came out and said Horizon Forbidden West is $150, they'd probably be like, that's fine. As long as it's greatness, who cares? Like, I'm, I'm perfectly happy spending money and supporting developers on that. Blah, 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 blah. But, now this needs to be fixed. There needs to be some way. You can't say it's about choice and take away the choice, Jimbo. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty shitty thing to do for a company that made $25 billion. And uh, for some reason can't offer a free upgrade to people who can't get a PlayStation 5. Like, I don't know. Sorry for the rant there, Jez. What, what do you think about this? Man, it's just sort of like what it does. It reveals a little bit about Sony's strategy, I think. Microsoft, like both Sony and Microsoft, to compare them for the sake of it. Let's just look up Sony and Microsoft. There's also Nintendo with Google Stadia. Steam, but let's look at Sony and Microsoft for the sake of argument. Both companies are publicly traded. Both companies need to deliver growth. Microsoft has a very diverse portfolio of businesses the way it can do this. They have Azure and Office and Windows and all that shit, as we all know. And also, their, their growth path for Xbox is to move beyond the console install base, look to mobile, look to TVs, look to finding new users who maybe aren't necessarily historically interested in gaming or maybe even like new markets where Microsoft hasn't traditionally been very successful, such as Asia, maybe maybe Europe and stuff like that. That's where Microsoft is looking. And you can you can look at games like Stalker 2. Stalker being Stalker is a hugely popular franchise in Eastern Europe and that Microsoft game that is an exclusive was very strategic decision to make. And they will use that to push Xbox Game Pass as well. Um, so that's where Microsoft's looking. Microsoft's looking for Xbox Game Pass and new new devices for growth. Whereas Sony, they aren't really doing the same thing. They're not they're releasing a few games on PC, but they're not going all in on PC. They have their PlayStation Plus thing and their their PlayStation Now thing, but they're not going all in on it. Sony's strategy right now is to get more of the console market share away from PlayStation, away from Xbox, and away from uh, Nintendo. Most likely, mostly Xbox. So PlayStation's strategy right now is um, we need to grow using console users. So if Sony isn't really looking to make money outside of their user base or outside of the console user base, they need to generate growth in other ways. And this is one such way you can generate growth, is to monetize your existing users, right? So I think it just it sort of reveals a sort of almost like a gamble there. Sony have, like, decided that the, the, the negativity that they've gotten 
and the backlash, which honestly isn't that big, is worth the the extra few millions they're going to get from from doing it this way. And um, you know, there has been some backlash, like you say, Rand, but I think most people don't give a fuck. They're gonna this is going to be forgotten next week. Everyone, the Horizon Zero Dawn upgrade will sell a, a ton amount of copies and stuff like that. But I think like it's kind of like a mana pool or hit points. Every time you make these negative decisions which screw people over, you sort of chip away at your hit points. And there's only so much bullshit someone will accept before you're out of hit points. So I think, like, it is a gamble doing these negative decisions. And it was clearly calculated that they they dropped this bad news before, you know, washing it away with the good news, which is going to be Sony's state of play, which is going to have loads of great games, and remind everyone why they invest in PlayStation in the first place, which is high-quality exclusives, which Sony arguably is the best at, arguably. Um, so, I don't know. I think this is... Um, and also, Rand, I do think it's kind of like, while we do have smart delivery today, I do think there's a future where if the market accepts the $70 game, Microsoft's going to have to do the same thing. Because if if Ubisoft, EA, and Sony, and, and Nintendo maybe too, when they release a Switch Pro, if all these companies are selling $70 games, and Microsoft isn't selling $70 games, Microsoft is leaving money on the table. Because the market has said, to ev- the market has said we accept $70 games. So, you know, and that is Microsoft doing something for nothing. They're not, getting, they're not getting any return for pricing their games lower at that point. When everyone accepts the $70 game, Microsoft will follow suit as well. So I think it's all well and good to, like, you know, speak up about how great smart delivery is. But I do think, like, as we get further into the gen, we're going to see those $60 games go away completely. I think everything's going to be $70 in two or three years. I wouldn't be shocked if Starfield's $70. Yeah, is Starfield next generally? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if the like Redfall and Starfield and any of the games that are next gen only are seventy dollars because I do expect the entire uh, video game industry to adopt the seventy dollar price point. Um, I think like I think Microsoft is often they're more thoughtful with their price points. I think like State of Decay they knew was not a sixty dollar game. So they, they offered it for 30 and $40, I think, with a $40 expansion edition or whatever. They knew Minecraft Dungeons wasn't a $60 game, so they offered it cheaper. And they knew Recall wasn't a $60 game, so they offered it cheaper. I do think Microsoft is, is more generous when it comes to some of that stuff, especially when you look at companies like Activision, who, like, you know, how many years has it been since Overwatch launched? And I think, like, it only just had its first few sales this year, you know, and it was, like, $60 for, like, several years and stuff like that. Because the market said they'd pay for it. The market said, we'll pay $60 for Overwatch. And the market's going to look at Horizon Zero Dawn, and they're going to say, we'll pay $70 for Horizon Zero Dawn on PS5. Because ultimately, the install base of PlayStation 5 and Xbox right now, it's not the casual audience. It's the hardcore audience. Only the hardcore audience has managed to buy these consoles. Only the hardcore audience has, has, has ponied up the dough to get a console from the scalpers, you know. It, these consoles are like, the, the stock levels are really bad. Nowhere near meeting demand. So I think, like, that is probably going to sort of emphasize the fact that get away with $70 games. 
because right now it's all skewed up towards the hardcore so but the thing is Rand where this diverges a bit Starfield sure maybe Starfield will be $70 but it's also going to be on Game Pass so <laughs> for Microsoft they have they have the value option is there you know for people who want to like collect the games on disc or whatever and buy the collector's edition and stuff they'll pay up the money anyway like they've always done you know but but the the value option Xbox Game Pass is undeniable for people who want to experience Starfield at, without spending $70 they're going to have that option you know and i do think Rand there will be there is going to be a future i believe where you won't even need necessarily to buy game pass ultimate to use xcloud I think there's a future where, like Google Stadia, you will be able to buy Starfield and just play it from the cloud without having, you know, the full-blown Game Pass Ultimate. I think right now, because Game Pass X Cloud is still in beta technically, and I do think there's a future where they go, they use the Stadia model where you can buy the game outright and play it from the cloud. And I do think that's the future for for Microsoft games at retail, is they'll be like cloud-based and stuff. And that'll be how you get the game on Xbox, Xbox One, because they're bringing xCloud to Xbox One to bring those devices into the future, you know. And there's going to be a streaming stick. There's going to be a mini Xbox console, which is just purely cloud. So, you know, um, all this stuff is going to happen. But, again, Microsoft can say, well, we are going to have the value option there. Whereas Sony, for some reason, they don't want to go all in on that. And maybe it's because, like, they've crunched the numbers and decided, you know, unless they want to start putting microtransactions in their games and and having upsell and stuff, um, I think, like, maybe it doesn't work for them. But you know Starfield's going to have a, a create a content store. You know they're going to sell they're going to sell mods and stuff and have points. And there's going to there's gonna be things you can buy in Starfield, like the creator economy, which... You, you've got in Skyrim and Fallout and stuff, where where the you know modders can make and sell their mods, and then Bethesda gets a cut and whatever. So, um, I think that's the way it's going to go. So while while smart delivery is cool right now, there there is going to be a time where you can't buy a game at retail on Xbox One. The only way to get it on Xbox One is 100% using the cloud, and there will be $70 games to buy it right, or through Xbox Game Pass, which is absurd value so um but yeah and i think like you know sarah miller in chat just said like um sixty dollars helps grow the player base and increases when you know mommy or granny buys little timmy their consoles it's cheaper you know that is that is a great point you know because for like a huge section of the market value value is ultimately all that matters and i think that's why like the xbox series s and the xbox series Series X of like having a, a double 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 skew. You got the Xbox Series S with Game Pass or Xbox All Access. That is the option you buy for your kids, right? They don't need a 4K TV. They don't need uh, all that the bells and whistles that come with an Xbox Series X. So like, there's the cheap option. So Microsoft can Microsoft can sort of do both, and I think that's a better growth strategy than what Sony seems to be doing right now, which is plowing full full ahead with these very expensive games which are becoming less and less sustainable without microtransactions, you know. So yeah. it's just sort of indicative of the way the industry is going, but I do think Microsoft will follow on the $70 games eventually. But it just it just goes to show, Rand, just to cap this off and round out the discussion, 
that when everyone said small delivery was a gimmick, mm. sure as hell doesn't look like a gimmick now. Well, it's just everybody called EA and Activision and 2K greedy for when they make you buy the more expensive versions to get, like, both versions, right? Yeah. And Sony's basically doing a version of that as well. And you can make the argument, at least it's understandable from EA and Activision's perspective because they have to pay, you know, 30% to Microsoft and Sony to sell their games on the platform. Horizon Zero Dawn, or Forbidden West is Sony's game. They, they don't got to pay anybody anything. It's all them. So, like, the, the, the idea that they can't offer free upgrade, whether it's, like, a, a small $10 one, but somehow, like, oh, no, pay us $20 extra, or buy the game again, is just, I think it's ridiculous. Especially when you look at, like, you know, what Jim, what, what big, big dance moves Jim Ryan's talking about. <laughs> choice and things like dance that. Moves. It's like, it just, it just, it feels just grimy. It feels greedy. And it feels like Sony felt this wasn't, this was just going to just disappear. And that people would be talking about the, the showcase and what they have to offer and not talking about, you know, how their upgrade plan for Horizon is just is just kind of just greedy, just like EA and Activision's are. So, yeah, at least uh, I think you put out a tweet that basically summed it up. He's like, man, I'm glad I don't have to worry about this as an Xbox PC fan, because you don't. Yeah, you don't have to worry I mean, about it. It's funny because PC gamers are eating the best, right? Yeah. Can you imagine a world where you have to pay pay a microtransaction to get unlocked 4K resolution on PC? Yeah. It would never fucking happen. It just would never happen. Yeah. So, you know. And you know another thing, though, then again, yeah. at the same time, I don't want to deal with blue screen to death. Because <laughs> I, there was a, there was a Windows update this week, cumulative update for Windows 10, and now my PC blue screens when I play in Final Fantasy 14 for some reason. Hmm. So, you know. Maybe that's now, me. That's, that's what you have to, you hacking me around? Yeah, I'm hacking you so you don't play Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, I will. I've barely played it this week. I kind of got burned out, man. I played it too much, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to play someone else, man. That's kind of what happens, man. Um, it is, yeah. Michael says, uh, Halo, Starfield, Elder Scrolls Six, Outer Worlds 2, Avowed, Future Fallout, Future Doom, Sea of Thieves, just saying most of the big AAA titles are first person. Definitely hope they keep diversifying. That's he fair. says he also forgot uh, Perfect Dark. And, uh, oh, we got one here from Sicka Mechanico of Xbox Era, who are doing their show in 20 minutes. Uh, can't think of an interesting question. So when does hashtag acquisition season end, Rand? Love you guys. <laughs> yeah, when does it end? How long is the season? I have to tune in to Xbox Era to find out, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, maybe the answer to that question will be given later on today uh, during Xbox Era's podcast. Uh, Space Dopekin says, Sony built a really strong cult this last gen. And Flame says, complaints mean, mean nothing if pre-orders are booming. Can't tell a company they suck and then hand over your money in the same moment. It's disappointing. Um, I think Sony might actually, uh, I think, um, I think, I, I think they might change this one, honestly. So, yeah, um, you know what? I think that's probably a good spot to end the show. Uh, if you guys have any questions you want to uh, hit us up with, make sure you put them in the chat, and we'll do our best to answer them. I want to thank everyone for being here on Saturday. Uh, we really appreciate it. I think we hit over a thousand, uh, which is always awesome. Um, 
you know, I will say, like, I did watch Austin Evans' new video uh, where he talked about getting doxed, Jez, because of uh, what he said about the new PS5. What did you think about that? Oh, yeah. Man, I, I feel bad for Austin Evans there because, like, it's clear that that was just, like, it's, it's clear from the video that was, like, his first impression. I mean, obviously, the logic is smaller heat sink, more heat generation. Mm. You know, that's, that's kind of logical, right? And then he was just reporting on, on the facts of the matter. You know, five degrees isn't going to make or break a console. It's not going to make or break a GPU, you know. Um, I think, like, these GPUs can handle temperatures, like, anywhere up to, you know, way more than what they run at anyway. I, I had, like, for, for the Xbox Series X, we had, like, uh, we had a thermal imaging camera <laughs> someone sent me. So I could take, like, photographs of the, of the, of the Xbox heating up and stuff. And I think it was like it was running at like 15 degrees cooler than my laptop. So you know, um, it's uh, it's neither here nor there at the end of the day. But I, I think it's, it is it is cringe how sensitive people get about their plastic toys, right? Mm. If, if Austin Evans did a teardown of the Xbox Series X, because you know you know consoles get design revisions all the time to make them easy to manufacture, to make the costs lower and stuff like that. And clearly, like Sony, like. A smaller heatsink probably means slightly better, slightly better, um, you know, margins or whatever. So like that, maybe they're cheaper to make and without affecting performance. You know, without it's stringent testing, don't know for sure. But they did this all through the PS3 era. All through the PS3 era, they, they had tons of model revisions. Like as soon as like after like six months and then a year and then another year, they had like slight model revisions of the PS3 throughout its whole lifespan. Like I've still got the the original PS3 model, which had like which had like a full PS2 backwards compatibility. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And then that that went away in the in future model updates. But I don't know. Um, but, it, it, but like I say, if if Austin Evans released a video saying the the new Xbox Series X model or whatever, just imagining was five degrees C hotter or whatever, I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't even. It wouldn't even register me register in my head to me as a thought. I might think, oh, that's interesting, and then forget about it instantly. I wouldn't think to fucking dox the guy. What the hell? And the worst thing is, Rand, you know these are grown-ass men doing it, probably with kids. Of course. Cringe as hell. 40-year-old dudes with kids, 100%. So, so damn cringe. All because he said that in his initial findings that it it ran hotter, so it might run into issues down the road if you keep it, like, enclosed. But, hey... You know, grown ass men in their in their console war plastic had to like get super upset and dox the guy, which is honestly pathetic. Um, Virgil says, "Hey, Rand and Jez, do you guys have any clue why de- why devs that had issues with old Xbox leadership still have issues with Xbox despite having new leadership and only hearing positives of working with them?" I mean, I, I don't have any clue. I would imagine it's. Well, Obsidian must have worked over there is because Microsoft canceled uh, one of Obsidian's games, which forced them to go into Kickstarter. So I think, like, Phil, Phil sort of, like, this, this, it's in business. Something, sometimes things just aren't personal, right? I mean, Microsoft was underfunding Xbox back in the day. So it wasn't a case of, like, we're going to cancel your game to screw you over. It was a case of, we're going to cancel your game because we're, you know, strapped for cash and risk right now is not something we can deal with in any sort of great amount, you know. So, like, things are different now. Phil's at the, the leadership table, and they're getting a huge amount of investment from Microsoft, 
They've got a huge amount of flow. Like, look at the share price. Go on, go on one of, the, go on Yahoo Money or some other share price website, and then zoom out and look at the share price between Steve Ballmer's ten-year CEO and then Satya Nadella. It's, it's a completely different company. Like Microsoft was down and out; they were struggling really hard to attract any interest and to attract relevancy. And then over over time. Microsoft has pivoted and get, gotten back on top, you know. So it's a completely different company, a completely different situation, completely different strategy. And, like, like it, you can say, like, yeah, Microsoft maybe screwed Obsidian over in the past, but that is the past. It's a different company now. Same brand, but brands aren't people, you know. It might be the same brand. It might still be Xbox. It might still be Microsoft. But there's a completely different team running the show, you know. So... And ultimately, the owners of the studio got a big payout. Yeah, that's true. That does that does help at the end of the day. Uh, Sophie wants to know if you think Final Fantasy fourteen will come to Xbox, as uh, they don't really like the PS4 lately. Uh, man, it's it's really hard to say. I think one of the things that was stopping Final Fantasy fourteen come to Xbox was the content delivery rules. So, like, Microsoft wasn't allowing devs to update their games without certifying their updates first which created a workflow issue for Final Fantasy XIV and some other games, frankly. Because Final Fantasy XIV is a game where they have to update every version simultaneously. The PlayStation version and the PC version have to be updated simultaneously. And um, and uh, Sony allows developers to do that. They allow developers to certify their own updates, whereas Microsoft doesn't. And I suppose, in a way, because Microsoft's a cloud company, they take security a little bit more seriously, maybe in some ways, but... Um, they're, they're lifting that restriction. So hopefully with that restriction being gone, that opens the pathway for Final Fantasy XIV to come to Xbox. But ultimately, I don't know. I think, like, porting a game like Final Fantasy has a huge amount of complexity. You've got, like, the store to storefront to factor in, DLC and control inputs and achievements and stuff like that. It's, it's not a trivial amount of work, porting an MMO. And also you have to make servers and, you know, it's it's, uh, and, and as we saw this past summer, when World of Warcraft exploded and started re- being super really bad, the amount of people that shifted from World of Warcraft over to Final Fantasy killed Final Fantasy's login servers. And, like, you have to remember, we're in a chip shortage right now. Chip shortage doesn't just mean we don't have enough consoles. Square Enix is struggling to buy servers for Final Fantasy fourteen. Like, literally, every server has a queue right now, all the time, because they can't buy enough servers. So if you bring Final Fantasy XIV to Xbox and you don't have the servers in place for, like, the thousands of extra players you're bringing in, that could bring down the whole game. So porting an MMO is not a trivial proposition. And, you know, I do think it will happen, but it's going to take time, man. So who knows? Maybe it gets announced at Square Enix's event, but I doubt it. Yeah. But I do think it's coming. Uh, John Gale says, what do you think uh, you've heard about the Alan Wake remaster that just leaked? Uh, I think we've heard that it's real, and that it's going to be announced very, very soon, maybe even this week sometime. Yeah. Um, I think it's coming to, because I have another question here about if it would be exclusive to Xbox. No, it's coming to PS5 and Xbox. I think think Remedy got the publishing rights back or the IP back from Microsoft. Um, Yeah. So it's their baby. 
So, yeah, it's going to come out of everything because I think it's going to be the lead-in to Alan Wake 2 eventually coming in the future, uh, which is going to be amazing. Uh, Neil wants to know, when do you think we'll get a Crossfire X release date? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, they said coming at the so, end of the year, supposedly, right? Well, they said coming soon, 2021, so... Uh, sometime soon, but then again, if this, the Alan Wake thing is, re- I mean, Alan Wake is coming out in a month, supposedly, so I mean, I'm sure they can just announce that Crossfire X is coming beginning of October at any point in time because it's a free-to-play game, so people are just going to download it because it's free. It doesn't really need to be super marketed heavy because it's a $60 purchase. It's just something that's just going to be available for you to download and play. I mean, look at Splitgate. Splitgate finally came to Xbox and PlayStation and it's like super huge but there wasn't really a huge marketing push for it it was just like hey it's coming and then it was there to download and people just started playing it so i don't really think you need that big of a a push for something that's a free-to-play game right Jess? yeah i mean is the campaign free to play no the campaign i think is i want to say they talked about it and it's going to be tied to the season pass or battle pass where if you want to play the campaign you have to buy the battle pass or something some yeah. weird thing like that I, so, I, but I don't really, I, I'm not 100% on that, but um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, EFA Spartan says, is indie going to lead until the end of this year? Do you think it will stop once AAA games roll out? I don't think indie games are going anywhere. we got more people making games, so more indie games going. I think with AAA games taking longer and longer to make, I think indie games are just going to just fill out that uh, gap Um I mean, yeah, we've seen, like, next year, early next year already has a lot of AAA games lined up, but um, I still think because of how long it takes to make a big AAA game these days that it's still going to be the indie games are what you're going to be playing in between the big releases. So, yeah. uh, Nexus says, what are your predictions on the PlayStation event? Well, we kind of talked about that earlier, but, I mean, I expect to see God of War. I expect to see probably a new trailer for Horizon. Um uh, there'll probably be Final Fantasy 16, uh, Forspoken, maybe release dates for both of those titles. I think are both set for 2022, so next year. Probably a new trailer for Gran Turismo 7. Um, I'm sure Sony has other marketing deals. Uh, probably another tra- a, a new trailer for Call of Duty Vanguard, since they're the marketing partner for them. Uh, but I know people want to know about their first party studios, so, I, certainly possible you could see a logo for Spider-Man 2, although I don't think that's high, really likely. I, I really haven't sat down to thought about what could be at the PlayStation event, because um, I don't think Sucker Punch is ready to show anything. Uh, it's possible we see factions from Naughty Dog. They might be ready to, to announce it. Um, but this is their big E3 event, so I, I do think they're going to have a, a lot to show, because they're going to talk about what's coming uh, essentially what's coming in 2022 and probably what's coming in 2023 is probably... Oh, God. What? I just realized it's 2022 next year. I know, right? It's kind of crazy. I haven't even... I haven't even... I haven't even registered that it's not 2020 yet. <laughs> 2022? What the... I know, right? Uh, oh, God. Lydia says, great show. Jez, what is with the sponsorship of the England football team? Will Wembley be renamed Microsoft Stadium? Will Scotland and Wales be DLC? <laughs> that was actually a topic, but we didn't get to it. But, yeah, I was like, uh, 
Xbox is oh, the I official did. gaming partner of England, but you brought it up, so uh, is that a big thing, Jez? Dude, I I have no idea. Does this mean like they get Xbox logos on their T-shirts or something? I don't know. Huge amount of soccer fandom in Microsoft. I think that's because like the Seattle Sounders, the football team, they are owned by the founder of Microsoft, Paul Allen. I think, if I remember right. So like, I think there is some there's some synergy between Microsoft and soccer because of the Seattle Sounders. So they are fans, and like the Sounders sponsor is Xbox. Like the Seattle Sounders have Xbox on their on their jerseys. As you say in in America, we call them football strips, I believe. But um, I have no idea. I don't know what it means. Like I I don't think it means they get Xbox logos on their T-shirts, but maybe it does. I don't know. I I, I don't get it. It was so random. Like in that day, around, I went. I I was doing a search on Bing because I use Bing, not Google, because I am sophisticated. Sophisticated people use Bing, not Google. And there, there was a huge England England Xbox banner all over Google. And I was just like, what is this? It's so random. But whatever, you know, maybe it will convince some ex, some England fans to buy Xbox. Maybe. <laughs> no. Because England almost won the World Cup. They were in the final. It's the first time they've been in the final for a million years. So it sort of, it sort of, it raised England's profile a bit in the football world. So, uh, you know. I think, yeah. I think the next the next time England's in a big tournament, there'll be a lot more eyeballs on them because the team's really good right now. So, I don't know. Uh, Brett says, people are getting more sensitive about their choice of console than people are about Ford versus Chevy in the southern United States. Yeah. Um, Arafat says, uh, Randy Jez, when will Xbox support third world countries like mine? Game Pass Ultimate just sweeten the deal for the middle class family. That's what kind of Jez always talks about on on Twitter, like, Microsoft has aspirations to be this global company, or Xbox, reach 3 billion gamers, but sometimes they can't do, like, localization properly for other countries. It's like, if you if you want to be that, you know, everywhere, you, you're going to have to just worry more about uh, U.S. and the U.K. and the English-speaking countries, right? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what else? Uh... Face wants to know if I'm tempering my expectations for the PlayStation Showcase. Um, uh, no, I don't. No, no, I mean I don't have like out of control expectations for the PlayStation Showcase. I like I said, I think Sony's going to show what they have for next year and what they have for 2023. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what God of War looks like and plays like, and yeah, I'm excited to check it out. <laughs> I just want to add, by the way, it was the it was the Euros, not the World Cup. Ah, so like I my I, I wasn't expecting anything from Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show from Xbox, and my expectations were a little bit lower of you. Uh, Dieter Pinklitz says I'm. I don't really <laughs> want to say that, but he loves mayo. Um, <laughs> JC says feeling like mayonnaise and Arby's curly fries. What's the whole mayonnaise thing? Is this hilarious? Uh, Chaos Knight has uh, been a member for nine months, which if you want, you can always hit the join button. He says, Jeff needs to get on the show so that Jez and Jeff can have a live leak competition. It would be crazy, <laughs> and I would love to have Jeff on at some point, but I worry about how those worlds would collide. Would Jez be like, well, I got this, and then Jeff would be like, I got, we would know like all 40 games or 60 games that Xbox is making 
uh, by the time that podcast is over, I feel, right? Okay. Um, yeah, just a cool bit. Like, we, we always talk about having more guests on, and I suppose, like, Jeff would be a good first, third guest yeah. when we do do a guest, guest pod. But, yeah, Jeff's an awesome guy. The Dutch Rudder 81 says, Love the show. As a sou- Southerner, I'm glad Compulsion is doing American South respectfully and not treating us as the butt of the joke in media. Well, let's, uh, yeah. yeah, well, we'll definitely be talking more about the Compulsion uh, game. Agora says, you talked about GeForce Now being better than xCloud. Do you know of any games using the Orion tech? Also, can you shout out my sons, Malachi and Anthony? Thank you. Well, shout out to them. Um, did we talk about GeForce Now being better? I haven't really used, um, I've never used GeForce Now, so I can't make, I can't GeForce. make the comparison. So, um, G, like, I think I might have mentioned the fact that, um, GeForce Now, like, there, there are some YouTubers that benchmark, um, that benchmark the cloud products, and right now, it does seem like GeForce is winning the, the whole argument there in terms of latency with xCloud second. In some cases, sort of Stadia and xCloud sort of fighting for the number two spot. But, uh, generally speaking, it's thought of that NVIDIA GeForce Now is the best one overall in terms of the tech, whereas xCloud has the best library, obviously. But um, I don't know if they're using the Orion tech yet or if they're even going to use it. I don't know if it's like... Yeah, I just really don't know what, what the status is with Orion. Like, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, Orion is... Uh, I think, when was it, Rand? Was it, was it 2018 or 20... It was a long time ago. A long time ago, 2018 or something like that. Bethesda debuted their own cloud streaming technology at their showcase at E3, and they showed Doom running at 4K 60 frames a second from a remote server, which is very impressive. And they, they were like, yeah, this is our patented cloud streaming tech. We're going to use this, blah, blah, blah. And then, obviously, they didn't use it because they got purchased out by Microsoft. So a lot of people have been wondering, are they going to use that Orion technology for xCloud? And right now, it doesn't. there is no real information about what's going on there. But I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Mm. Yeah. Um, Chuckle Chuckle says, <laughs> that's an interesting name. Have a great show, guys. Going to catch up later. Loving Forza 5. Jazz, your driver tar is smooth as a manscaped plum. <laughs> a manscaped plum. It's interesting oh, because man. a lot of people will send us their, their pictures of the cars they've been making in Forza with the custom, uh, paint jobs. And somebody did a custom paint job for the Xbox 2 on the hood of their car sponsored by Manscaped. And I saw that. Shout out to whoever did that. I don't remember the name, but if you're listening, you, like, made my day when I saw that. Like, I was dying of laughter. <laughs> Dude, when you said and uh, uh, people keep sending us pictures of, I thought you were going to say people keep sending us pictures of their plums. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh Drunken Ninja says, ooh and ooh. We got the whole ooh stuff still going on. Uh, and, uh, we got, uh, Silver saying, Hellblade 2 TGAs. What do you guys think? By the way, big love. And Jess, do you know anything of Much Watch Show? I mean, we, we've talked about Hellblade 2. Both me and Jess feel pretty confident it's going to be there. I mean, yeah. you wrote it in your article. You, I mean, you said it, if you were a betting man, you'd bet on it showing up at the TGAs. So. Yeah. Yeah. If, I, can't, I can't confirm that. That was not, I genuinely, that was not a leak. I can't 
definitely cannot confirm that that it is going to be at the TJs, but I just, I just, I just got you know a gut feeling. If I was going to show off the game this year, and I did hear that they were going to show it off, the TJs would be the logical place. But you know, things, plans might change, and all that sort of stuff. So I do hope we see it though, because I am pretty hyped about that game. Yeah. Um, what else did he say? Uh, he wants to know if you know anything of the much-watched show. I mean, you did say last week that somebody told you that it's going to be a show you want to check out, right? Uh, because I, yeah, did, I did see articles written about, articles get written about everything you say on this show. It could be the smallest thing, and there'll be an article written by a bunch of different websites, you know? It, and it's always funny to me because I try to pick out the things you say that I would write if I was writing for a website that I wanted to report on. Xbox things, uh, but you saying that did make it onto Reddit, and I believe a couple websites did report that. Jess Corden says, make sure you tune in because there's going to be things you want to see or whatever, right? <laughs> I've heard it's going to be a good show, and, you know, it's not going to be like one of those sort of, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know what to call them, a sort of like flat show that's kind of like basically a Game Pass ad, um, but there is going to be some cool stuff for Game Pass, I believe. Um, well, you definitely want to watch this. Did you Everyone, see, every, every Xbox fan will definitely want to watch this show. Definitely. Did you see the, uh, some of these, um, back compact games were suddenly added? Like Max Payne 3 suddenly got re-added to like, uh, mm. the Xbox store in Saudi Arabia, I believe it was, and, and, uh, a couple <laughs> other games. Like, like, oh, I, do you think, is that something we could see? Like, I, I would figure if you're oh, celebrating no, the legacy of Xbox, right? What better way to do it than, like, having actual back-and-pack games hitting the service for Xbox and the 360, right? I mean, yeah, that, that seems like a no-brainer. Cool. That would be pretty cool. Max Payne 3, if that legit hit, people would be really excited about that. People love – I love Max Payne 3, and it saddens me that we're probably never going to see a sequel. And all we're going to get is Rocks – rematch. Have you seen some of these screenshots of the Grand Theft Auto remaster? Like, oh the comparisons. My God. Yeah, dude. Oh, my God. What a mess. Like, you're a rock star. you got all this money, <laughs> and these are your legacy titles, and it's like they didn't even care. It does. But, I, you know, after, I can't remember his name, Dan Hauser, is it? Yes, Dan, Dan Hauser, Hauser, yes. After Dan Hauser left, like, GTA is, like, being his baby for, like, however many years, and now he's gone... I feel like Take Two have just sort of gone into publisher mode, and they're just like, let's asset strip this and make as much money with as little effort as possible. Kind of like what Activision is doing to Call of Duty since uh, Vince left and Infinity Ward sort of got hollowed out. Um, I think like Dan Hauser was probably a guy who was like, nah, I don't need to do this. It's going to be a mess. If we're going to remake them, let's actually remake them and not just crap them out like this and then take who's like nah man gotta make some of that cash yo and then they just drop them out half done fuck that's uh kind of how i feel about that but it does look a mess <laughs> some of the screenshots are hilarious though yeah like the, the, tech, the textures like weirdly stretched across the models like incorrectly and like the t-shirts like painted over but you can still see the the old t-shirt underneath apparently it's like there's like assets for like several different engines inside one 
part of the game and stuff like like oh man, such a mess. Bradley are writing the yeah. What about We're what about the misspelling? Like, did, did you see the? Uh, oh, dude, have you not seen some of the storefronts that are misspelled because no. of the low quality of like whatever they were working with? They didn't see, um, oh shit, uh, like all the words. So it was like one of them was like air mattress, but they called it AR mattress. They they forgot the I. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's it's funny. It's uh. it's, it's really funny. Uh, Elliot says, had mayo with my steak fries today at lunch. Forza killing it. It really is. And that's, we got to talk about that in a little bit. And can't wait to get my hands on Halo next month. Even took a few days of vacation to play. Have a great show, boys. Thank you for all the support. Uh, Fonchato says, listen to you guys when driving in Mexico. Ooh. Uh, Juan says, what's the bigger game? Avowed or Fable in content? I would say mm. Fable would be the bigger yeah, game. Yeah, I would. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna hazard a guess of Fable. Fable's got way more people working on it. I'm expect, I mean, I could be totally wrong about this. I have no information on this. This is, again, this is not a leak. This is just my expectation. My expectation for Avowed is that it'll be similar kind of scale to the Outer Worlds. Or maybe a little bit bigger because it's like that maybe they don't have to do as much new engine stuff. I don't know. But, um, I'm expecting something similar in scale to Avowed. But like um, the yeah, worlds, but like more polished with more like stuff to do and that kind of thing, bigger budget. But there's not there's not a huge amount of people working on it compared to Fable. I think it's like what fifty billion people. I mean, I think Fable is going to be huge. It's going to be a massive game. I mean, they've been working yeah. on it for some time. They built a second studio to work on it. Like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying Avowed is going to be a small game by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Fable is going to be. The, the the bigger game, for sure. Uh, Sin Vendetta, he's back. He goes, Random Jazz, it's been a real minute since I've been able to catch the show live. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we haven't, uh, we've we missed you in chat, buddy. I uh, hope you're doing good. Uh, the one and only Gaming Forte is here, and he says, One of my best experiences in 2021 was hanging out and doing a show with the Xbox 2 crew. Love y'all, and keep bringing, keep bringing amazing content. Hashtag, not me sucking up. Oh, this is definitely you sucking up. <laughs> Yo, dude. You know, like, how we did the, a big show for E3 with, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of different guests? Mm-hmm. Should we do that for, like, the end of year? Would you guys yeah, in we, chat we, like to see that? You like, know, a big end of year show? We, 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 we could definitely do that. I would love to do that. I would love to have more people on the show. Um, yeah, let's do it. It's let's, interesting let's, because it's just been me and you for so long, and that was how we wanted to do the show, right? It was just me and you, right? Um, yeah. but I have a lot of great friends in the community that I would love to bring on, and we were able to do that. We brought in Cold Eastwood. We had Lord Cognito join. We had Gaming Forte join. We had Tim Dog, even though he was like on a potato phone, right? <laughs> like we have a lot of good. We have a lot of great awesome. friends, and everybody out there supports us. So hell yeah! Like if we we should put a, a big end of the year show on, talk about what to look forward to in 2022. Recap, you know, 2021. That's, that'd be a good idea. But the, the thing is, it's like, I, I did see some comments where, like, people don't, people don't like it when we have guests on. They just want the random jazz experience. You know? Well, but, they get that all the time, right? That is true. So, yeah, let's, let's do a big end of your show and get, like, a bunch of people on. That'd be great. Um, Fanchito says, every Xbox fan will want to watch the show. More specifically, every Halo fan, wink, wink. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I've been on Twitter recently and, these rumors are 
they're swirling. I saw a new article by Windows Central, not written by Jez, even though a lot of people think every time Windows Central writes an article, that means you, for such amount of money, could keep Game Pass from going up in price. Um, I believe Game Pass will go up in price eventually. That's what, like, not right now, but I think it will go up in price at some point. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to remain at ten dollars forever. Yeah, I mean, so. they, 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 they raise things in line with inflation usually anyway, but like, um, yeah, it's, it's going to go up in price at some point. Uh, these things often do. Like, how many pr- price increases Netflix had over the years? Like three or four, like mm-hmm. significant ones? Yeah, I think it will go up in price, but we'll have to wait to see. Yeah, um... And so, uh, Space Dovakin has been a member for nine months, says Xbox 2, best show ever. Love you guys, keep up the great work, and happy 7 million Forza players. That's right. Um, so, Jez, this week, you know, I've been playing Forza Horizon, uh, more Forza Horizon. Um, I've actually been getting into the Eliminator uh, a lot um, because there's more people playing it. So that's their Battle Royale mode in Forza. It, it, they debuted right. it like a year after the launch, or maybe a year and a half after launch of Forza Horizon 4. But it's in mm-hmm. their um, it's in their day one. And when I was playing it for review, there wasn't a lot of people playing it. So it was kind of boring, like there wasn't many cars. But now that the game's fully populated, it's a lot more people there. So basically, it's a mode where you start out, everybody starts out in a Beetle, a really slow car, level one car. And there are car drops, just like there are, like, you know, airdrops and, like, battle rails for better weapons. You can find better cars, like level 2s, level 3s, level 4s, that are better. And every and then how you challenge somebody, so when you see somebody driving on the map, if you honk at them, you challenge them to a race. And it'll put, like, a, uh, a waypoint on your map. You get to the finish line, you get there first, you eliminate the other person, and then you can take his car... Or you can get an upgrade for your card to go to the next level. And then uh, when it gets down to, like, ten racers left, um, the head-to-head is disabled, and they just give you a uh, finish line that's five miles away, and everybody races there, and the first person there wins. Um, so I've been enjoying that a lot more, uh, doing some of the other events that I've been missing uh, in the game. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, we talked at length about Forza Horizon last week. Um, it's still amazing. I'm still enjoying it. Um, I know you you aren't a racing fan though, so yeah, I, I think you've bounced I've been off already. It. Yeah, I, I bounced off it a little bit. Like, like I say, or like you said, rather, I, I'm not a big racing guy. But the Eliminator sounds pretty fun. Um, people on Twitter have told me to give it a bash before. I'm try I'm trying, man. I'm trying to get into Forza. I, you know, the last racing game that I really enjoyed. The last one. What? I probably said it before on the show. Destruction Derby 2 mm. on the PS4. Did you ever play that? Destruction um, Derby. I have. I think I actually did play that, yes. It's kind of sad, but it just really bugs me that when you crash in Forza, the cars don't really take any serious damage. They get, they get like little scratches and stuff. Maybe the windshield breaks. But there's no like, you know, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? I just, I just, yeah, I don't know what it is for me, but I'm gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a try. Maybe you can play with me, around. We can play against together. Have well, we got last time we played was Battlefield Five, because you normally, you know, me and you talk all the time, every day, most of the time in the DMs, and then we talk in here. But me, like, you're never on when I get on, 
because I, I tend to get on yeah. Xbox later in the day, and you're on obviously earlier, you know. So it, we never really crossed paths on Xbox, unfortunately. Yeah, um, it's, it's annoying. Like usually when you're awake, I'm at work, and then when I finish work, you're asleep or something. Like I don't know. Well, do I have to try this weekend or something? Yeah. Like, it's, it'd be easier if I had a messed up sleeping pattern, but my, my sleep cycle has actually been pretty good lately, so. Um, that makes it even harder. It does. C9 says, hey chaps, I've seen Monday's rehearsal. At the end, Phil shoots a grapple hook and returns a copy of Halo, announces it's released on Game Pass at midnight. That would be, <laughs> that would be funny. Um, Flame says, why did Forza Horizon 5 launch with co-op Forge in a Battle Royale and Halo, a game with much more resources, isn't? Getting a little annoyed with Halo. Um, yeah, I mean, there's still there's still uh, a lot of people that aren't happy about Halo not launching with co-op and Forge and a battle royale mode. Um, yeah, I do. I get, I get that. You know, <clears throat> it sucks. It is what it is. But also, the, let's not forget the game got delayed a whole year, so presumably it was in quite a bit of a mess last year. And, um, you know, from little snippets of info we've had, I can't remember who said this. I can't, actually, was this reported or is this something I heard? I can't remember. I can't remember where this information came from, so take it with a pinch of salt. But I'd heard that Joseph Staten, I mean, Randy, you can tell me if you remember where this info came from. Okay, if I remember it, I'll let you know. Yeah, well, I I heard that Joseph Staten did some pretty big changes to the game. Mm. Like, the game's direction, like, to bring it more in line with what felt more like classic Halo, I think. Right. And, you know, and also, like, because I think they even said themselves in one of the blog posts, like, how um, because it's, like, open world, they couldn't figure out a good way to make the respawn system make sense or something like that. Do you remember? I think they said that in the blog post. But, like, they were going to have beacons or something. So, like, you respawn, like, near somewhere else. And then, but then they were, like, if you respawn on, on... your, your squad mate, then it created some engine problems or something like that. I think I don't know. I'd, I'd figure it out. I'd rather they did it polished rather than rush out. I think that so. was like a, a post from a, a supposed developer saying why the co-op wasn't going to be ready, and it was due to like the way spawning would work in co-op and how like mm-hmm. Halo's always handed like rehandled respawning and stuff. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean. We'll find out. Like, I don't know if you saw, but, well, I know you saw, because, you know, IGN, <laughs> IGN had the exclusive reveal of the, the, the Halo Infinite campaign, right? And um, yes. Ryan McCaffrey and Miranda were um, quite excited uh, about what they played, which is always a good sign, right? Yeah. One, um, are we gonna, is this all going to be our first topic now? Well, I mean... I mean, let's, well, do you want to talk about Battlefield? Or do you, want to, uh, do you want to talk about Battlefield next week after you play some more? We can talk about Battlefield next week. I mean, I already basically summarized my thoughts on it right now. It's a buggy, hot mess. Well, yeah. I mean, I saw your tweet yeah, about this. Bit. I saw your tweet about this, and I want to ask you directly. You don't, yeah. so, you don't like, you don't like uh, crossplay anymore. Because you, went, mean, on, you well, went on a I, rant about it. Yeah, I've never really liked crossplay. I've never really liked it. But have I ever liked crossplay? Well, I know, but like you were really railing against it on Twitter yeah. today because it's 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 compoundedly annoying in Battlefield because like you can't turn off the chat log, 
and there's people saying all kinds of stuff, like racist stuff, and it's not filtered. Can't re- can't even report anyone because they're on a different platform, and you can't. There's no control over it. And I was kind of mad, and I tweeted that stuff out, and I was like, "Fuck crossplay and all this." And I've sorry, I've, I've just ruined your algorithm, man. Um, we should get one of those things that just automatically beeps, beeps when when I swear. You know, like um, maybe maybe the Manscaped money can pay for it. But um, but I, you can't filter it out, and people were like, "Oh, just turn off the chat." But you can't, you can't turn it off. And then people were like, "Oh, just turn off crossplay." Yeah, if you turn off crossplay, you can't get in the game because no one else turns off crossplay because no one else bothers because it's just there by default. So. There's, basically, it's not cross-play itself I was mad at, I guess. It's more the implementation of it in Battlefield 2042. Um, I don't think in Battlefield it's the balance is as big of an issue because Battlefield's so chaotic anyway. It's not like you're ever gonna str- you're never gonna really lose a gunfight because someone's got a mouse because it's it's so chaotic and tactical and and stuff like that. Less less twitchy than Call Call of Duty is, where like you can you can in Call of Duty it's really obvious when you've been killed by someone because they could turn faster than you. I mean Battlefield not so much, especially if you play Rush because everyone's on one side and everyone else is on the other side. So it just comes down to like how can you aim, how well can you aim at things right in front of your face? So I don't think crossfire affects the balance so much, but it is sort of screwing up the experience in the terms of. Yeah, you can't, everyone who's got a keyboard can say all this, like, racist stuff and it's not filtered and you can't report them. But also, hackers, man. Hackers. Like, someone someone sent me a, a clip on Xbox Live of a dude who's basically shooting through the floor and killing everyone. Maybe he was exploiting a bug, because I do remember in Battlefield 3, I think, there was a bug where you could climb under the floor and then shoot people through the floor and they couldn't shoot you back. So maybe there's an exploit there and it's not necessarily a hacker, but it is a risk, right? We've, we've, there's been videos of Sea of Thieves hacks and stuff like that too, so. I just feel like, with regards to crossplay, there's a lot of like, developers implementing crossplay without giving it much thought or not enough thought. And I think that kind of sucks for the console experience, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, Battlefield itself though, it's Battlefield, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the portal mode. Because you can go basically and play like Battlefield by company maps. You can play Battlefield 1942 maps and with like upgrades and stuff. And right now I'm playing the Battlefield by company 2 map and it's really, really fun. Like playing it with like modern graphics and stuff and that sort of classic experience. But Rand, the main reason I'm playing the Battlefield by company 2 match right now is because I can't connect to the other modes because the servers are messed up. Mm. So I can connect to the Battlefield by Company 2 map, but I can't connect to any of the other maps. So that's the only reason I'm playing this version right now. I could do that before with, with backwards compatibility if I really wanted. But um, it's a hot mess. You know, it's like the, this is a free trial period, early access with the A Play and Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, whatever. And um, so, you know, maybe there'll be a patch next week that solves some of this stuff. But if this is early access and the servers are already getting overloaded, man, the actual launch day is going to be a mess. So, yeah, I think, like, what I would say to people is, if you've got Game Pass Ultimate or EA Play, just, you know, try the free trial, see if you like it. Definitely, like, you know, look at the customizing your, your stuff and stuff like that. 
um, to choose like a, you know, a, a proper loadout and stuff. <sighs> Sorry, someone's talking to me. Um, so like, I couldn't, I can't. Don't you hate when that happens when somebody? Yeah, I do. I you're do. doing a live show and somebody busts in. Someone's trying to it's talk to you. and You're like, you don't understand. This is live. You know, like yeah. this is tough to do live, and you're trying to talk to me. Like, go yeah, away, yeah, yeah. go away. <laughs> But yeah, um, I just like it. I, I, I've seen a lot of complaints in the Barfield community. They don't like the operators. They say like there's like there's kind of hero classes, like operators that all have a unique ability, and like I don't I don't really mind that. I don't see why it's so, such a big deal. You know, I feel I feel like it does give you more control. Like I can play, you can play you can play as a medic sniper if you wanted to. It wouldn't be very useful, but you can do it now. You can play as, like, uh, an engineer who also has, like, some healing abilities, maybe, if you wanted. Like, I feel like it does give you more control over your play style, and I kind of like that. So I've got a dude, like, who's got a sentry turret that automatically locks on and shoots people. Feels kind of overpowered, frankly, and probably will get nerfed. Especially when you pair it with a medikit. Because then I'm automatically, I'm shooting people automatically with a sentry turret, which doesn't do, it does pretty decent damage. And also, I'm automatically healing myself with the, the medkit aura, so, you know, maybe maybe that's why people are mad, like, it's thrown balance off a little bit, but, man, I, I don't know, I just really enjoy it. I'm just really having a blast with it, so. But then again, free trial, 10 hours, go and try it. If you like it, great. If you don't, fair enough. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it at the moment. I'm enjoying yeah. it way more than Call of Duty, anyway. I've only installed that now. I, just I can't uh... I can't wait. I can't wait to get into it because I do love me some Battlefield. But moving on, we got a lot of topics here to talk about. So if you guys are enjoying the podcast, make sure you do us a big favor: hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and share this out because YouTube does a horrible job of it. Alvin says, "Thanks for mentioning the 48-inch C1 on sale last podcast. I jumped on it, and it's glorious. Series S looking amazing, but might try for an X now. Yeah, if you if you got one of those." OLEDs, and you definitely should be aiming for an X, because that will definitely, uh, you know, you'll get the most use out of it then. Uh, but I'm glad you enjoy, I mean, because it was like $1,000, and it was like a no-brainer. I even was looking at it, but I was just like, ah, I don't really, I don't really need a 48-inch one for a monitor, but um, yeah, I wonder how many, I wonder how many people since we started, <laughs> LG should sponsor the podcast for how many times we <laughs> talk about OLEDs and LGs and how many we've probably sold to people. Over the course of time, right? Yeah, man. Um, I don't even have one. LG, send me a TV. Hook me up. Yeah. But, um, I, I like my QLED, man. I'm going to stand for QLED. QLED's better than OLED. OLED's for noobs, man. It's all about that QLED, Samsung awesomeness. I actually don't, I don't have a clue if, if it's better or not. Do you know, do you know the tech, the technical differences between QLED and OLED because I show no, I absolutely do not. You'd have to, you'd have to ask like dealer about that. He he knows all about the uh, those differences. Uh shout out to the best bot kid smooth. He says is it fair and possible that Forza Horizon five gets nominated and wins game of the year despite the genre? So I guess we could kind of shift into the talk about Forza Horizon breaking records, right? Like I know yeah, that's man. kind of been a big talking point is the highest rated game of the year, right, 92 on Metacritic. But there's the undercurrent that it can't be nominated for game of the year because it's just a racing game, quote-unquote, right? 
and racing games and sports games don't win game of the year. Um, and is that really fair? Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, we talked about it last week on the podcast. Knowing how judges or how these outlets vote on these titles for game of the year and seeing past history, I would love to tell you that I think Forza Horizon 5 will get nominated at the Keeleys, but I just have a feeling that when that when these these people fill out their ballots, they're just going to completely overlook Forza Horizon 5, and they're going to say to themselves, it's just a racing game. And they'll they'll vote for something else. Now, is that fair? No, I don't think it's fair. Um, especially when you look at like player counts. Like the 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 knock against against Forza is that racing is a niche genre, right? But as we know, it basically broke all of Xbox Game Studios records for day one. As Phil Spencer said, it had 4.5 million players on day one you know, and close to almost 2 million people who paid for it, you know, whether or not there was some piracy going on there, and early access. But right now, it's like, if you go look at the leaderboards right now, it's close to 7 million. So it's probably going to have close to 8 million um, a week after it officially launched, which would be absolutely ridiculous. And if you take a look at all the games that have come out this year and games that will be nominated for Game of the Year, like, you know, Psychonauts 2, Deathloop, maybe Returnal, Ratchet, possibly mm-hmm. Met- Metroid Dread. None of those games are going to be pl- be played by as many people as Forza Horizon will be. Probably even combined. Like, Ratchet sold something like a million copies, maybe two million by now. Returnal, 500,000. Uh, I can't imagine Psychonauts 2 was played by that many people, even though it was on Game Pass. Same thing for Deathloop. Like, I think there's a there's a possibility that if you add up all the people who played those five Game of the Year contenders, it won't even reach the number of players that played Forza Horizon in its first week. So Forza Horizon 5 is a niche title, and I don't know what you say about those other games. Um, yeah. So... I, it's sort of... It's, looking at the player counts is just crazy. Like... You can't really call it niche anymore, man. That's like that's pretty mainstream numbers, I would I would have thought. And it it basically it boils down to the the emotional response. Like how emotional can a racing game make you feel? And I suppose like for some people not very much because it has no real characters. But this one kind of has characters. I was like playing through it and like, you know, there's those dudes who you know, talk about, you know, opening new festival areas and all that stuff. Um, I know it's like that in the other games as well, but I do feel there's more they could do there, you know, to make it more like, give the characters a bit more life. I, def- I definitely do think there's an opportunity there that they're not perhaps exploring as far as they could. But I don't, I, at the same time, this is a video game. I don't think it's fair to punish Forza because it doesn't have, I don't know, you know, plot twists and scary moments or horror sections. or You, you know what I mean? It's a different kind of game. I don't think it should be punished. And, you know, like I said last week, if it's not at least nominated for Game of the Year, I'm going to be calling them out. Mm. I'm going to be calling them out publicly. Are you going to be calling out Jeffy Grub Grub? He's in chat. 
He's. I think he I'm votes. Gonna, I, I, think he, burp burp. I think he votes on the uh, on the Keeleys. Oh, is he really? I'm pretty sure. I think Gamesbeat has a vote. I wouldn't be surprised oh, if the Grub Grub is voting on it. Although I don't, I don't think Grub would include it in his list. I think he, I think Grub's game of the year is Metroid Dread. From judging from his tweets, I see. Uh, if, I, if I, if I had to, if I had to pick what I think Grub's game of the year is, is definitely Metroid Dread. So, I, is that your game of the year too? I don't know what my <laughs> game of the year is. Like, we still have Halo to go through. See, that's the thing. It's like. Does Halo get no Halo doesn't no because Halo falls outside the the cutoff point. That's the thing about this. It's like it really should be the games released from January to um, the, the obviously the full year, but because the show's in December for the prime time advertising slot, they have to cut off mm. in mid November. You would think to do an award show for the game, it should be like in February or March to so include all the games, but you know that's not prime time ad slots. So yeah. you lose because remember the 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 controversy last year with Star Wars the um, Jedi Fallen Order it Jedi Fallen didn't Order, make it yeah. right it was and there are some people that thought it should be nominated so yeah, that should have been given given that for maybe Cyberpunk will win yeah I doubt it, I doubt <laughs> it. um so yeah um, um I, I think it should be nominated I think. It's an amazing. If I was filling out a ballot for, if I was filling out my top five games of the year for the Keeleys, it would be in my top five, for sure. But I just kind of feel that a lot of people are going to overlook it, and you're going to see podcasts uh, whenever these nominations do drop, which I don't know when, that are saying like the the Keeleys are losing credibility because how can you overlook a game? That is the highest rated game of the year when everybody talks about Metacritic and they put up these games versus one other, but this game's an 88 and this game's an 85 and this game's an 87. How do you leave off the list a game that is the highest rated of the year that is played by as many people as it is, virtually loved by all? Well, not by all. I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration. I'm sure there are some people that don't like it. How could you leave that game off the list? So there would be definitely people out there saying, like, well, the the the, the Keeleys screwed themselves because how can you take it seriously when the highest rated game of the year isn't nominated for game of the year, right? Yeah. So they, they really like if you re, if I mean I just want to say by the way I think they do a great job. There it's every, like a good ninety five percent of video game TV shows and movies, frankly, are pure cringe. So, and I do think that Jeff puts on a pretty good show, considering the legacy of cringe that, you know, that really does sort of exist within video game media. I think Jeff really does a good job. But that said, he needs to keep, like, he needs to be transparent with the, the way the awards are tied up. I don't think there's enough of that explanation in the show. I think you could do a better job there, uh, not just, like, buried on the website. I think, like, I think gamers are very discerning, very discerning, very angry people <laughs> a lot of the time. They can I do be. think, like, they yeah, they can be. Angry. Yeah, they can be very, very angry indeed, um, especially me. And I do think, like, the fact that they're discerning, like, you know, it could, it would be a good thing to sort of very clearly state what, when, when a game is eligible from between 
and sort of like talk about which games are sort of in the running to be nominated and stuff like that, you know, just like to remind people that, yeah, this game launched last December and it's, it's, you know, it wasn't in the running last year because it was in December or whatever. And because there is that question, especially after Jedi Fallen Order, which I completely forgotten about, to be honest, about, you know, making sure that it is a credible award show. And it, it will come up. I will call them out if Forza's not nominated because it should at least be nominated. But I think it will be. I think it, it will be nominated. It will get the token nomination in the sports slash racing category. And it'll win that. Like I mean, game of the year nomination, I'm talking about. Well, we'll see. I mean, I guess it's possible. If if this was a year that Forza could sneak in, it's definitely this year. Because I don't really think there's that one game that is the overwhelming odds-on favorite. Like, last year, everybody knew yeah. Last of Us was going to win, right? The year before, I think everybody was like Death Stranding or Sekiro. There always seemed to be, like, most like 2018, it was like, well, God of War and Red Dead, right? Where it was, like, so such a clear favorite, where it was like, it's this game or it's that game. This year, there really isn't. Um, so maybe it can sneak in. Maybe this is the first year it does. So, yeah. Um, that, I mean, I would love it. I think they deserve to be recognized for what they did with this title. And as people are saying in chat, like, Forza Horizon 5, Jez, like, almost at 7 million players. Like, is that what you expected? Whoa. 7 million players no. in basically less than a week? I did not. I really definitely, definitely did not expect that much traction. I didn't. I thought maybe 7 million after a month, maybe, a month or two, but a week? No. Nah. Um, Forza Horizon 4 did 2 million in a week. Now, of course, that was in 2018. Uh, Game Pass was n- nowhere near as big as it is now, right, three years later. Game Pass is much bigger. Um, and it also makes me wonder, like, some of the games that Microsoft launched when game- before Game Pass, like, got big, like, you know, something like Bleeding Edge, like, what would it be like if Bleeding Edge launched into Game Pass now, where there's anywhere between 20 to 30 million subscribers when Bleeding Edge launched, there was maybe eight, right? Yeah. Um, would that have helped the game out more? But now, I, you know, it's like, I look at Forza and I just, I, and Horizon, I just kind of think back of when it was first announced. Like, nobody expected anything from it, because at the time, Motorsport was Microsoft's pre- premier racing franchise. And everyone's like, ah, does anybody really want an arcade Forza game? And then steadily, every single year, it would, every other year, it would release, and people started to notice it more, and we'd start getting reviews, and then with 3, it kind of hit the big time. I even heard Forza Horizon 3 took Xbox by surprise. They thought, yeah. like, Gears uh, 4 was going to be the big game, but it ended up being Forza Horizon 3. Yeah. And uh, 4 came out, was one of the first big games to launch on Game Pass Day 1. I believe they recently announced that it's 25 million players, um, which is astronomical for a racing game and here comes five and as we talked about the way to grow xbox game pass is you need these type of games amazing games that have the wide appeal and forza has that and it's like dude before the game even launched on day one it had close to two million people in early access either paying a hundred bucks uh for the ultimate edition or subscribe to game pass paying 45 for the premium add-ons which is Genius when you think about it because they don't own the – like, think about it like this, Jess. Think how genius this is, like, from a business perspective. You let people buy a premium add-on bundle where they get the two expansions and they get the car pass, they get the early access. 
but they don't own the game. And you need to own the game to play the expansions that you bought. So, like, it basically <laughs> means that they have to keep on subscribing to Game Pass forever to play the content that they purchased that's going to be released in the future. And they did. Mm-hmm. So many people bought it. So, it basically had 2 million, like, pre-sales before it even hit Game Pass. And, you know, right now it was almost at 7 million. Like, that's a ridiculous number. And it's only going to get bigger, you know? Yeah. And I'm curious, like, how many subscribers did it add to the service? Mm. Because you've got to presume there's a lot of people on PC, for example, who probably have joined the ecosystem specifically to play this game, you know. And, you know, unless you're pirating the game, which some people were stupidly bragging about doing on Twitter, fanboys and the, and the like. Man, that's, that's such an L, man, to, like brag that you're pirating a game while also claiming you hate the dev. Like, what the hell? That's so, so sad. So sad. Uh, claiming, claiming to support the dev, but then only play, only PlayStation devs and devs that have games in Game Pass. Because yeah. when it comes to Xbox dev, nope, we're gonna, we're gonna pirate the shit out of it. Right? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty awful. But, uh, we got some super chats here uh, I need to get to. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you're enjoying the show, hit the like button. Uh, Zabbit, who I see all the time in the Xbox Air Discord, says, Jez, did, don't mention QLED unless Samsung cut you. Check. Rand, keep 100% of the super chat since you never abandoned the Xbox Air Discord. That's right. I know Jez always <laughs> leaves and stuff. So uh, Space Dovacan says, Forza Horizon 5 went beyond. A simple casual arcade game. The game is so much more and it's attracting so many people, even non-racing fans, even non-video gamers. Well, I mean, to reach those many people in that short amount of time, like, it definitely has a wide uh, appeal. I wonder how that, that would compare to something like the new Call of Duty or the new Battlefield. Like, is it more? Like, is, is Forza Horizon 5 going to have more players than Battlefield? Uh, or is it going to be up there with Call of Duty? That's, you know would be nuts. And Space says that it's officially past 7 million according to the leaderboards. Maybe it hits 8 million by by the time Tuesday rolls around next week. Um, I wonder if they'll have a press release about that. I would I would imagine Xbox would want to share those numbers, right? Because those are absolutely huge numbers. Um, Supernova says, was Fable designed as a single or co-op game? Is the element of cooperation close to Dark Souls? I hope they focus on playing solo. No more Destiny. Um... Mm. What do you think, Jess? Because I know there was that rumor back when it was revealed that Fable was going to be an MMO, which we talked to people at Xbox and that wasn't true, but I believe it does have some online elements. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a co-op element to the game, although I don't know for sure. Well, the thing is, more Fable games have had co-op than haven't at this point. So, like, I don't get that sort of mentality like, oh, man, it needs to be single-player because Fable is a single-player game. It isn't. It's always been a card game, really, except for Fable 1. So, I think as long as it's implemented well and it doesn't detract from the single-player experience, I think it's fine. But I haven't heard anything either way. I do expect it to have some form of co-op. I wouldn't be surprised if it's basically just similar to, um, uh, you know, Fable 2 or whatever. Um, or maybe, like, deeper than Fable 2. Because I think in Fable 2, you... You basically spawn in as an as a as a minion of the person who owns the game, right? If I remember right, like you you couldn't like yeah, uh, you, I don't think you could get loot or anything, or maybe I'm remembering it wrong. You were also tethered. You couldn't really 
move that yeah. far away from him. So yeah. it'd be interesting to see what Fable looks like, plays like, and their ambitions for the title. Maybe we hear yeah. about it next year. Yeah, um, I don't think. But I don't know. Like, who knows when that game launches? Like, could be a 24, 2024 title. Xbox got a lot of titles coming out in 2023. Some of those titles ain't going to come out. You know, some of them they got to save for later, but we'll see. Uh, Sin Vendetta says no game should be overlooked for Game of the Year just because it's a racing game. There's a bias there that shouldn't be there in the gaming industry. Well, when you inherently have lists written by actual human beings, there's, of course, going to be biases because human beings themselves have biases, right? So uh, it is what it is, man. I- I'm definitely interested in seeing what the, ca- like, what the lists are going to be, uh, what the nominations are. Uh, James says, can we talk tattoos for a moment, lads? We calling Jez Netflix because the Squid Game is so strong? Where's your ink at? <laughs> That's right, Jez. I totally forgot to mention this, but you actually went out and got a tattoo, right? I did. I, I couldn't things. believe it. And it was a big tattoo. It was like your whole arm. What were you thinking? Yeah, man. Nah, I've, I've, wanted, to, I've, wanted, I've wanted this tattoo since I was about 16, but I just never had the spare cash. But now, thanks to Manscaped, <laughs> so this this title is sponsored by Manscaped, frankly, and the the other bit of it went on the a razor razor webcam. So <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'll I'll post the picture of it on Twitter because I had to keep I had to keep it covered up while it healed and stuff, but it's healed really nicely and uh, not finished yet. I've only got like a third of it done. I'm having it go all the way around the back. It's only sort of on the top of the arm at the minute, so but it's going to go underneath. It's going to be a big kraken because I don't know if you know this, Ryan, but I quite likes cephalopods. Mm-hmm. I'm so a fan of squid and, and mollusks. So mollusks in is, it, is it modeled after the Kraken and Sea of Thieves, or is it is it Cthulhu, the Dark God? It's sort of like a mixture between, you know, your classic sort of Kraken, and I guess there's a bit of Cthulhu in there as well, I guess. Mm. Do you like me some H.P. Lovecraft? It's also one of the only books I've read, H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> but, I, um... Yeah, man, I, I I love it. Like I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna end up with loads of tattoos, man. I've been looking at like what what can I get on my calves, what can I get on my other arm. Yeah, I'm gonna get loads of tattoos. Probably. Jeez, I don't I'm know. I have, face I, I have a face tattoo. You really no, go there? <laughs> <laughs> get Xbox t- Xbox Two tattooed on your cheek. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm probably never getting a tattoo. Like I can appre- I can appreciate the art. And on other people, but it's not something that I would want to do. I don't know. There's not something I really. It's not something I feel that strongly about that I won't want it tattooed on my body for the rest of time. No, I get that. I get that. I've been obsessed with squid. Maybe, maybe, like the wheel time logo with the serpents wrapped around the wheel eating its own tail is maybe something I would consider yeah. putting somewhere. A rubber. Um, for those of you that know what the logo looks like, I could consider that's like the one thing I would consider uh, putting putting on my body. But I just, other than that, no. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you you know you were able to get your tattoo that you wanted for a while. It does look really cool. So thanks very much. Uh, make sure you, you retweet that so people know what we're talking about on Twitter on, on, on tweets. Uh, Gunstar, uh, big supporter of the channel. Thank you for always uh, being here, buddy. He says, it would win if Kojima made it and you stopped every one mile to pick up the parcel. Uh, well, I mean... It, you oh, know. man. Hey, yeah. guys, I just, I, just want to sh- I just want to throw this out there. If you follow me on Twitter, 
Send me a picture of your tattoos if you mm. if got one. If you ink, drop us your tattoos. We should, you, should, you should make a tweet, including your picture, and then say, and then say, show me uh, your, your 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 tattoos as well, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Chris says rumor of Halo multiplayer dropping early is spreading. Any thoughts? I'm concerned campaign spoilers will get data mined before it launches. We will be talking Damn. about that. I didn't well, that is that is a good point that it could be data mined. Unless, of course, like it's a separate thing, which we're going to be talking about that in in a minute. So we definitely will be answering your uh, your super chat. Um, Artemis says, "Does Demon Souls make it game of the year talk since it missed last year cutoff?" I doubt it. I, I think people have short memories. Uh, something like Hitman Three, which I consider one of the best games of the year that launched in January, I don't think is going to get nominated because it came out in January and people people don't remember it. So no, I. I wouldn't that be funny if Demon's Souls did get in though? I no, I just I just don't see it. Um I don't even know if it can. Can a remake get get nominated? I'm not even sure if oh, I don't know what the rules I are. Think, I, I think that might be against the rules, you know. Um but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jeff Grubb can tell us in chat. He knows the rules. Can can a remake get in? Uh can a remake be nominated, Jeff? Let us know. Um RDX Sun Effect says, Will there be early access for Infinite? We'll talk about that. Uh Dub became the newest member of the channel. Thank you. Enjoy all the emotes uh, that we do have. Edward King says, Infinite multiplayer launching on the 15th, but I'm confused. Didn't Joe Satan say multiplayer and campaign launched together on the 8th originally? We got a lot of super chats about the Halo stuff, so um, let's see what else we got here. Spike says, Forza Horizon 5 proves that Playground is Xbox Insomniac. Well, they definitely are very consistent, maybe one of the most consistent studios out there with high, the high quality of that's the other thing about Forza is, like, everybody says, like, oh, it's so easy to make a racing game. And it's like, show me the other racing games that are as highly rated and, and played by as many people. Show me the last Gran Turismo that was rated in the 90s. Show me the last Dirt that was in the 90s. If it was so easy, everybody would make these games, and they would be highly rated and played by millions. Oh, but they aren't, are they? They aren't played by millions, and they aren't highly rated. So it must be pretty tough to make a racing game. Um, you know, mm. I don't know. I, pe- pe- people just like speak without really thinking because they make. Oh, yeah. racing games are easy to make. Is that is that so? Is that so? Is that why Gran Turismo Sport is like a seventy-four on Metacritic right now? If it was so easy, right? Yeah. Um, Jacqueline says, "Rand, let's get those weekly read summary." And also, where do you, where would you guess Guardians places in this month's charts? Honestly, I honestly don't think it's sold well. I believe MPD came out. And I think Guardians was number seven for the month, so... Guardians? Guardians Halo. of the Galaxy? Oh. And oh. That, that's, that's what I mean. Uh, I didn't mean Halo 5 Guardians. No. <laughs> uh, it was number seven, which I think... I don't know how that is. I, I think word of mouth is going to have to carry that game to good sales because I think most people didn't really like the trailers leading up to it. So who knows how that... I mean... Who knows, honestly, but I don't know if number seven in the MPD is a great starting point. Um, shout out to Rodale 5 becoming the newest member. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Bright Tundra, who's been a member for my month, says, Morning from Australia, gents. Got to thank you for the Manscaped boxers. My partner bought me a few pairs after she heard Jez's plug there. Great. See? Oh, man. That's, awesome. that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Hopefully you use the, the promo code XP2. When you check out, because you get 20% off. Um, Hell yeah. 
Sin <laughs> says, Jez, once you get your neck tattooed, can you officially become a lead singer of your own deathcore band? Just work on your gutturals <laughs> and pig squeals. Yeah, and you can get Miles to play guitar, because we know that's what he loves to do, right? Yeah, man. Cole Eastwood plays guitar as well. Maybe we just, like, make an X-Band. We'll make an X-Band, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Make um, songs about Xbox. John B. Yeah, says, do you think Amazon is going to do a good job on Wheel of Time? I'll let you know after Friday. <laughs> so Wheel of Time launches next week. I'm so excited, but I'm also very nervous because I hopefully it's I, good. Uh, I saw an interesting article about that. That Did it contains you? a lot of male nudity. Yeah, you sent that to me. You sent that to me. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, geez. They called it a feminist fantasy, and I'm like, it's not oh. a feminist fantasy. Um, no, but, you know, oh. yeah, we'll have to wait and see. As for the books I'm reading, I just finished uh, Robin Hobb's uh, Ship of Destiny, and I'm reading Mad Ship. So I got a whole bunch of books I bought recently, and I'm going to make my way through them all. So, yeah. Um. So you know what? Let's um, since we talked about Forza, let's talk about let's talk about this Halo thing. Since everybody's bringing it up, might as well, right? Talk about Halo. Um, campaign previews from both IGN and Game Informer seem really positive. I didn't really read that much into it because I want to play it for myself. <laughs> honestly, um, I just know that people on Twitter were excited to, that they were excited, which is great because we. I would hate for like them to, like, Ryan McCaffrey and Miranda being like, you know what, uh, yeah, it wasn't very good, right? <laughs> but the big news, or the big rumor floating around right now, is that, and this comes from Nate the Hate, who I've done podcasts with on Spawncast, he's a really good dude, knows what he's talking about. Um, he is saying that, let me get his tweet out, just so I can can quote him properly, Nate the Hate. Where is Nate the Hate? There is Nate the Hate. He says, um, uh, what a better way to celebrate the anniversary of the Xbox than with a birthday surprise. I can independently confirm and share with you today that Halo Infinite multiplayer will be made available on Monday, November 15th. Suit up Spartans. So, there you go. Right, now, we sort of talked about this last week. We talked about the early access bundle that was saw. And we mm-hmm. kind of went through the different scenarios that, if it was true, right, um, maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, another flight that is launching on the 15th. Maybe it's the full multiplayer, blah, 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 blah. And, look, I'll just be straight up. I've been hearing for over a month now that this was a possibility. Um, right, Jez? I think I told yeah. you about it. I said I was hearing rumors and whispers that uh, that it was a possibility. So we kind of started teasing it. And then last week we, we teased it some more, and Jez was like, wouldn't that be cool? Now, I don't know for sure, because I don't really know anything for sure. But there's definitely a strong undercurrent of people telling each other that this is happening. And I don't think Nate would exactly put this out there if he was wrong about it. Uh, Nate knows people, uh, but I've also heard from other people as well that this is happening. So I guess it's a possibility, and the only thing I'll say is tune in on Monday, I guess. So, um, yeah, 
I know Windows Central wrote an article, but it wasn't written by you. Um, uh, the Windows Central article was just just reporting what Nate said. Like I have no, I have no I have no information. I only know like you know what people have said and the rumors and stuff. I have I cannot confirm that that's happening, so I'm not putting my name on that. Or that's all Nate. So if it's wrong, it's Nate's fault. <laughs> but um, but Nate is not someone I would expect to get something wrong like that. Uh, we can discuss. What does this mean? How is like? Let's assume it's true. Let's okay. assume, let's assume, assume it's true. Is correct. Okay. Assume that Nate is correct. How is implemented? How it's is interesting implemented? because, you know, they said that they were, like, Phil said they wanted to launch the multiplayer and the single player at the same time. Uh, November 15th is almost a month before the launch of the game, and it would it's just going to be the single player, or it's just going to be the multiplayer, supposedly, and... It would be a big moment. Like, let's just get that out of thing. If, like, you're watching the Xbox 20th anniversary and you're seeing what's going on and then they end the show and they're, like, as a big surprise to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Halo. You know, we know everybody's waiting to play Halo Infinite on December 8th, but what if you didn't have to wait? That's right. Starting today, you can play the full Halo Infinite multiplayer right now. And it would be a big moment. Be like the internet would, you know, would be a buzz. People would be going crazy, logging into the servers to be able to play Halo Infinite multiplayer. Like it would be pandemonium. Um, but then it's just like, I, I get it. That would be a big surprise, and it would make people extremely happy. They could play the multiplayer for for three weeks. But then I wonder, like, okay, is this is this going to be free? Like, is, is this going to be like, hey, anybody can play it right now? Or, or is it be like, hey, if you're a Game Pass member, are you you can play it now? Like, because I look at, like, Forza Horizon with what they did. I mean, they got 2 million people, essentially, to pay for the game, even though it was going to be free on Game Pass, either through a $100 Ultimate Edition or, you know, a $50 premium add-on. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's, Halo Infinite's going to have a lot of people playing it because it's free to play, but... What if Microsoft could convince some of those people to actually pay for early access for Halo's multiplayer? They make so much money. But, you know, there isn't, like, a premium DLC that they could sell. So it's like, oh, maybe they're not. But it's like, what if they just said, hey, if, you, if, you, if you're a Game Pass member, you can just play it right now. So for those three weeks before it becomes free to play, you get people to subscribe to Game Pass. I don't know how it's going to work. I mean, I don't know. So, like I said, we're just assuming... Um, you know, I mean, they could call it a beta. Like Fortnite, Fortnite Battle Royale was called a beta for like years. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like even even though like I was hearing rumors about this last month, it's hard to really it's hard to really believe. Like I was always thinking to myself, like, does this make sense? Like Forza Horizon just came out. It's killing it. Battlefield 2042 is launching this week. I mean, it's out in early access, but it's launching this week, and you're a marketing partner of EA. Do you really want to, like, launch the same week? Would EA really appreciate that? Like, I know there's the business reasons, you know, like, you want to keep your business partners happy, but I don't really think EA would appreciate Halo launching the same week as Battlefield, right? Um, hmm. So... And I really don't think Activision would appreciate Halo launching this early, to be honest with you, especially with the state Call of Duty's in. 
Who cares what I can do? I, I mean, I guess, I, I guess if this is the year to, like, do it, let's do it. Like, like Jed said, Battlefield's got its issues, even though it's good. Call of Duty seems to be, this is the one that nobody talks about, but I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know how I would feel if this actually ends up being true. Because I've debated about this. Me and you have talked about this at length before. Uh, I've talked to somebody else I know who is pretty sure it's happening on Monday, but, like, I was just like, I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw Benji Sales talking about it. He's like, oh, well, maybe this means that they could get more revenue for the the, the quarter, if, you know, you, you extend it out three weeks early or whatever. I don't know, like... What do you think, Jez? You're not the biggest Halo fan, although you were loving the multiplayer. Yeah, I'm a com- I'm a convert now, man. I actually downloaded the Master Chief Collection. Me and my brother are going <laughs> play through the old games. I need to I need to learn what the stories do it because I you know like I say I I'm not really familiar with those Promethean dudes at all. So I'm going to go through and learn at least the basics because I know there's a lot in the books and there's a lot of comics and there's a lot of external lore and stuff. I'm not going to go that deep, but I'm going to learn at least the basic elements of the story, at least, or whatever. So, um, with that in mind, you've got to think, Rand, if this hadn't, like, if this wasn't a rumor, um, if this wasn't a rumor, and, you know, and people were thinking it was going to happen, if Nate hadn't claimed it was going to happen, and people weren't talking about it, if it was just completely out of the blue, and it hadn't leaked, and I've seen there's like, you know, we had that, we had that bundle thing that appeared on the store. We also, you know, you know, Rand, there's also a Google timer for it, man. Mm, yeah, I did that. yeah. So like, Google literally, now I have no idea how Google would know this, but Google has a timer up on their website for Halo's multiplayer that set, that counts down to Monday. Like, how does, how do they know that? Did someone, did someone just add that? I don't know. How does that work? But whatever. Um, maybe that. Maybe that's. You know. Maybe someone just added that, and or whatever. I don't know how that works. But if this wasn't a rumor and it just dropped out of nowhere, you wouldn't even have time to think about it, Rand. You wouldn't be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know how I feel about this. You'd, be, you'd just be like, oh my god, that's amazing. That's that's hype as hell. And I know. I know you would be. I know True. everyone would be. But because because everyone's been given time to think about it now, everyone's wondering if it's a good thing or not. Because I've seen people in chat say, like, oh, my God, does this hurt Forza? And you're saying, oh, my God, does it hurt, you know, Battlefield and stuff like that. I think the rules of engagement have changed a little bit since everything started coming out for PC. I think, like, back in the day when we had, like, the Xbox install base as the sort of, I don't know, the sort of the only the only install base where Halo would live in the pre-PC game, PC days. And, like, Forza didn't release on PC either. I think it might have been an issue. But these days, when Forza launches straight onto PC, and there's a huge amount of players on PC, I don't think it hurts Forza. I don't think it hurts Forza at all, personally. I don't think it does. And that is presuming it even launches in full. Maybe they just do another open beta, or a, or, or a beta test, or a network stress test, and maybe it's just like, for this week only, or like, or like for a few hours every day this week only, or something like that. Maybe it's limited. Maybe it's limited purely to Game Pass Ultimate subscribers, which would limit the player base quite a lot. I don't think it's going to pull racing fanatics away from Forza, necessarily, especially if it's limited. If it's the full game, the full multiplayer drop, 
I don't think it takes away from Forza because you've got to think of it this way, Ran. Does Fortnite take away from Forza? Because Fortnite's out now. People love Fortnite. There are millions of players playing Fortnite right now. Or does that just have its player base and that's just, you know, Fortnite? Does Forza just have its player base and that's just sort of Forza? Maybe it would gain players it wouldn't have done. You know, players like me who are like racing curious. I'm not a racing game driver, but I've tried, I've tried, tried out Forza purely on the back of all the hype and like you guys like loving it and stuff. Maybe it com- maybe it converts less people like that, but the the real hardcore people, the people who are going to buy DLC, the people who subscribed to Game Pass specifically for Forza, I don't think it hurts the games. I don't. I really don't. Because you've got to remember that we're in a sort of we're in a different era now, where retail sales don't matter so much to Microsoft. It's more about what engagement can they get? How many players can they get in? There, there's going to be millions of people out there who are just like, I ain't going to get Game Pass specifically for Forza because I don't like racing games. I wouldn't have bought Game Pass for Forza, but I might have bought it for Halo. There's going to be millions of people like that out there. They're in a user acquisition mode right now, and I think like the way that this would shadow drop would generate a huge amount of press, a huge amount of hype, and a huge amount of interest and I think um, that will bring in all the shooter crowd. It will bring in Fortnite players. They're bringing disappointed Call of Duty players because there's a lot of them right now. There's a lot of disappointed Battlefield players too because a lot of people don't like what they've done with the class system in Battlefield. Um, and you've got to remember, it's a free-to-play game as well. So engagement is God. It is absolutely God there. And, you know, maybe a unique marketing tactic like this is the way you make a viral, cast a viral effect over the free-to-play game. Because, I tell you, man, the, I, I've got a friend who's in the mobile game industry. He works for, like, one of the big, the big mobile game publishers where everything is free-to-play. When you're, like, doing free-to-play stuff, user acquisition is sort of like your entire business strategy. It's all about user acquisition. You're not thinking about how many units can I sell. You're thinking about how many units can I get. And these companies, they spend like hundreds of millions of dollars and more, maybe billions of dollars, um, acquiring users. And that's through like Google, Google Word ad placements. That's like, uh, you know, all sorts of weird marketing stunts. Look at this Fortnite does to market Fortnite, working with celebrities, having Ariana Grande or whatever her name is do a concert in the game, stuff like that. That's how they have to acquire users. So doing something crazy like this, that is how you acquire users for a free-to-play game. And I don't think it's going to hurt for that. And I think it's, I think it'll be a really hype moment and stuff like that. I don't think it's going to be as bad as we've been given time to overthink it. I think a lot of people are probably trying to overthink it right now. I don't think you have to overthink it. I think it's just a cool thing. Don't worry about Microsoft. They're, they're you know, they're almost a $2 trillion company. You know, that'll be okay. That will mm. be okay. Forza will be okay. It's got, like, huge addressable audience. And um, if you've just got to imagine, how would you feel if you didn't know this rumor? How would you feel? And that just shadow dropped out of nowhere. It'd just be hype, right? Yeah, totally. I think think there there is going to be a lot of people overthinking this, but I don't think it needs to be overthought. It's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a fun show. Oh man. I know, like the talk right now the talk right now is like is this a good thing or whatever? It's just and 
I don't know. Like, like I said, I've been debating this with myself since I heard about it last month. I was just like, is this, like, I couldn't believe it then. And I, you know, there's a part of me that I don't even believe it now, which is like, I, it's like, okay, like, I, let's play some Halo, but, uh, alright, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just, I don't even really want to say, because like, I, I, I know how people can be, right? You're, you still have people holding Phil, what Phil Spencer said about Xbox VR as a thing, like, f- five years later, or whatever it is. You said Xbox is going to have VR, and you lied, right? And mm. let's imagine Nate's right, and they do launch the multiplayer on Monday, right? People are going to be like, Joe Staten and Phil Spencer said they were going to launch up together, and you lied, right? Because I know how people can be. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. Maybe they – well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see for Monday. And, I remember, um, literally, think about – if it's a free-to-play game, you got to think about normies. Normies don't know that Phil said that we're going to launch them together. Sure. Normies don't know they said that. Normies sure as hell ain't going to care. They're just going to be like, oh, shit, I can, play, I can play Halo right now. You know? Like, who cares, man? Is the people crying like, oh, Phil lied. Like, lied what? He didn't really lie because he said that's what we want to do. And then they've changed their mind. <laughs> I think I think it's been overthought, man. Yeah, I think probably. Just, just you just gotta everyone watching. You just gotta put yourself in the frame of mind. How would you feel if you're watching that show and you didn't know? You'd be you'd be hyped. I think everyone would be hyped, and they just be like, "Oh my god, it's a megaton! Oh my god, it's a megaton!" You know, maybe people who aren't into Halo and who are into Forza would be be a bit disappointed that some of the some of the shine's been taken off Forza. But you've got to got to remember, this is one whole ecosystem now. Like, you look at, like, the way Netflix does things, and they're like, they announce things constantly, left, right, and center. And nobody thinks, like, oh, my God, Stranger Things 4 has taken the shine off the new Witcher series, you know, and stuff like that. The, the idea is user acquisition. Have something for everyone. And it's there all the time. You know, I've only just started watching Stranger Things. I've never watched it before. I've only just started watching it. You can play Forza Horizon 5 whenever you want, you know. That's the name of the game now. It's People still think in terms of the old system where it was like all retail sales and stuff like that. Do you think there's 7 million, 7 million Forza players right now? I honestly wonder how many of those are actually retail owners. Probably not a lot. It's all about Game Pass, people. All about Game Pass. Tom Warren... And, uh, Tom Warren tweeted out that somebody ruined Master Chief's birthday present. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I guess uh, uh, we'll find out Monday. We'll find out for sure on Monday. It's either going to happen and people are going to be like, oh, shit, or it's not, and people are going to be like, Nate the Hate is wrong. So, uh, But all of you listening now know I guess it's a possibility. So, yeah. Um RDX Son of Fett says, hope there's more expensive Infinite Edition with early access on December 1st like Forza 5 had. I believe they confirmed that there isn't a more expensive version. That's just the $60 version and that specific retailers will be doing their own like Ultimate Edition or whatever. Um, which is weird. Why do you, do you, Halo of all games should have an official $100 version, shouldn't it, Jez? I mean, it's the franchise. But they aren't doing it. No, it doesn't. Like they confirmed it, but it doesn't. Retailers will do their own collectors 
Ultimate Editions, but there's not like an official one. So, hmm. um, Edward King says, most, uh, relieving thing about the campaign, IGN said that the open world plays not like Far Cry, but more like Arkham Knight, which makes me even more excited oh. and optimistic. How does that, I can't even, hmm, how does that work? Um, Wow. Well, Arkham Knight. So Arkham Knight had everything, and, and Arkham City had everything kind of in districts, and wow. so you had the open world part, uh, and then like the campaign missions were basically like dungeons, where you would like open a door, and then you would be in this whole like new area where like a main mission would take place. So, like the main missions would take place essentially not within the open world, um, which. It does sound like some of that is there in, in Halo Infinite, where it's like you have the open world, um, yeah. but it's, like, gated. Like, you can't, like, go everywhere because there's, like, gaps of the ring missing, and you need to build bridges or get a flying vehicle to get past it. And that it kind of, like, kind of, like, funnels you down a path to get to, like, an area where it's kind of like, quote-unquote, a dungeon where you go into a building or something and you have the main mission and you come out in the open world aspect and you kind of move on to the next story beat, but then you can go off the beaten path and rescue people or capture things and uh, upgrade your abilities and stuff. So that does sound more like Batman than it does like Far Cry, right? Yeah. Um, I get it. I get it. Well, that makes it sound a little bit more compelling to me, but honestly, I didn't write Arkham Knight. And I know that's controversial. Do you think that's controversial? I didn't write Arkham Knight. I thought the tank was lame. I thought the open world was was like lame, and like some of those some of those missions were just sort of so repetitive. Like the whole Firefly thing, the Penguin missions. Like I I, I was sitting there thinking, Penguin deserves a set piece dungeon kind of experience with like set piece cutscenes and set piece moments. And instead, you have to sort of track him down to these dumb factories and then kill a bunch of goons and then rinse and repeat over and over again. I don't want it to be like that. Because, like, like th- those Firefly events, and I can barely remember most of the game, there were great moments in Arkham Knight. Like, the whole the whole story, which I won't spoil for people who haven't watched it, because I uh, haven't played it, because it's, really, it's a really cool thing they do with the story in Arkham Knight. And that made up for a lot of the open world for me. But I didn't think the open world gameplay was that great, but I, I also think I'm in the minority there, because it seems like a lot of people did like it. So, I don't know. Right. Uh, J-Boy says, uh, Microsoft is a $2.4 trillion company. Jez, you're slacking. Mm. $2.4 <laughs> trillion. Dollars. That's a lot of money. $2.4 trillion. Um, shout oh out to God. Xbox Expansion Pass. It says, cheers, Xbox. Cheers, Xbox 2. Thank you, Luke. I just I did his show a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. It was uh, we talked about Halo uh, quite a bit, and uh, we talked about Forza, and it was really good. It was a really good episode, and it makes me you know <laughs> I wonder what we'd be talking about if we knew the Halo thing might be launching early. So appreciate it. Wolf says, "Is it sad I want to see the other games from Xbox Game Studios like Fable or Hellblade 2 on the anniversary stream, or is it just me?" I just hope it's not a boring sit-down meeting between the executives. Yeah, that... I can't say. I'm just going to say, watch the show, man. Like, I don't I don't think it's going to be a boring sit-down meeting with the execs. It's going to be a fun celebration. There will be, there will be things revealed. 
you know, they've said there's not going to be any game reveals. So don't expect like don't expect like a full rundown of like don't expect a deep dive in, into Fable. They'll save that stuff for E3. And like uh, Todd Howard hinted that you know Starfield will be E3 next year already. Like he's already hinted that. I'm sure Todd will get on stage and do like the whole sort of you know you know what Todd does like gets on stage and do like the really long deep dive narrated deep dive into the way Starfield plays like he did for Fallout and Skyrim in years past. Uh, I love it. I love those, by the way. That's how you show a game. Todd, Todd Howard is the king of that. But, um, but yeah, I, I, it's going to be a fun show. I don't want to, I don't want to give things away. Right. You should watch it. <laughs> uh, Willia says it won't be a shadow drop because of the size of the download. Microsoft servers would be hammered by people suddenly rushing to download the multiplayer. Well, I guess we'll find out on Monday. Um, yeah, so with that, uh, we've got one more. Nathaniel says, Arkham City is greater than Arkham Knight. I actually would agree with you. I think Arkham City is the best Batman Arkham game, uh, for sure. And, uh, man, it's been a while since uh, Rock City's put out a game. Arkham Knight came out in 2015, Jez, and Suicide Squad's coming out in 2022. That's seven years. Seven years. So, yeah. But it's... A long time ago. I still remember. It's still fresh in my mind playing Arkham Asylum, man. How long ago was that? That was like a million years ago. Uh, Arkham Asylum was 2009, I believe, if I remember correctly. 2009? Yeah, 2009. So, Jazz, uh, let's talk about the games you leaked. Not only you, but Jeffy Grubgrub. So if you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you hit the like button. Um, let's talk about Jeff's game first. Because apparently he talked about this last week on his premium show, Giant Bomb Grub Snacks, but nobody leaked it because I think Jeff said like to be quiet and and to trust him or he wanted to trust chat. So nobody who was listening to the premium version of Grub, Sna- Grub Snacks said that you know Jeff is reporting that one versus one hundred is a thing. So it actually <laughs> came out this week. So. I guess the, the, the Giant Bomb community were at least were able to keep a secret for a week. So, um, yeah, Jeff is basically wow. saying that definitely 1 versus 100 is coming back. And, um, I think he mentioned the studio, uh, which I don't recall off the top of my head. It begins with an A, um, Alt VR or something. They're owned by Microsoft. Um, yeah, the I, Teams thing. Uh, wait, the Teams wait, avatars. Wait. You don't know? I don't know. Microsoft major acquisition, Alt Space VR. No, I don't. Explain this to me. So, this is funny because, like, this is Microsoft getting into the metaverse before Facebook did. This is like two or three years ago now. But Microsoft bought a company called Alt Space VR, which is basically, it's basically VR chat, you know. You can, like, you can just go into VR with, like, custom avatars and do stuff, blah, blah, blah. It's just, like, the demo that, um, what's-his-face, Zuckerberg revealed. And Microsoft owns it. And it was, like, part of their, like, their push into Xbox Mixed Reality. Um, sorry, not Xbox Mixed Reality. Windows Mixed Reality at the time, which ultimately completely failed. And, uh, whatever. And it looks like Old Space now is sort of being pivoted across to Xbox to do some sort of casual games 
on our side of the fence, which sounds really cool to me because Microsoft's VR play is probably not going to go much further than this. Um, but yeah, it does sound very interesting. Did you ever play the original round, round out or 19? I love 1 versus 100. Um, I, you I did not? Because it. it wasn't in the UK? Was it not in the UK? I mean, I don't know. I know I'm pro- because they were offering prizes, so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't everywhere. Dude, one versus one hundred was such a unique concept. How did it work? So basically, basically, it was a live show that was happening. Uh, You would like join a lobby, and it would be all these people in the crowd, most people, and there would be one person, uh, like the main person, and they would ask trivia questions, and if you got them all right, you won prizes. You know, Microsoft money, consoles, whatever. And it was just so cool, like, being in a party with your boys, doing this, like, live thing with trivia. It was such a – like, nobody was doing this. And everybody loved it, but, you know, obviously there must have been some sort of fallout or uh, – not not necessarily fallout, probably fallout's not a good word, but – uh, maybe licensing issues with using one versus 100, uh, or whatever, and they stopped doing it. But, you know, Phil's been talking about it. Like, he mentioned it last year to Survivor. I mean, he pretty much said, wouldn't it be, he pretty much said what you said to me last week about Halo Infinite's multiplayer releasing, uh, on Monday, when you were like, wouldn't that be cool if it did? Like, you, you always do that, man. You always, you always say, like, you always pr- make predictions that mysteriously come true. Look, it's like your that's your brand. Not a brand. I'm just, but even brand, brand. I, I'm never gonna come out. I'm never gonna come out and say it's something's for sure happening because I always doubt everything I hear. So, but either way, like Phil was basically saying, yeah, we would love to do it again. And you know, with the report from Jess that they are definitely doing it. What a what a great time to bring it back. Right, like there is still no game like that on any of the consoles, and with Xbox's expanded ecosystem, like you play it on your console, you play it on your PC, you can play this quiz game show on your phone or your tablet. Like it could reach so many more players. I think, you know, honestly, I think it would be one of those things that is exclusive to Game Pass. I don't even think they would, they would sell it. It would just be like one versus one hundred. You have to be subscribed to Game Pass to play it. Um. But yeah, I think it, I, I think like, it's so um, cool. Game on Nintendo. Yeah, the, the Tetris ninety nine or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I think I think it's super cool that uh, that it's coming back. I don't know when it's coming, uh, but uh, I would be so pumped for that game because it was it was really cool. So one versus one hundred is coming back, and then we have your leak from yesterday. Regarding me, <laughs> yeah, one bad mother says uh, he super chats says loves his shows hashed uh, quote quote unquote predictions, and <laughs> Laburn ninety eight says the Batmobile in Arkham Knight was like the dev saying we spent months developing this thing and we sure as hell are going to use it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so everybody's been wondering. There's always there's been one studio that Xbox acquired in 2018 that people have been wondering what they're working on, like. We know Playground is was working on Forza Horizon 5 and Fable. Everybody knew that. Well, we know what the initiative's working on now. There, there were Perfect Dark, Undead Labs working on State of Decay 3. 
We even know Obsidian, they're working on four projects, right? You know, Jeff said Project Josh Sawyer's Project Missouri. You said the name game of the game is Pentiment. Uh, they're also doing Outer Worlds 2, Avowed, and finishing up on Grounded. Um, In Exile, we know, is doing a uh, – they were working on Wasteland 3, and now they're working on Project Cobalt, so we don't know for sure. What, we kind of know what it is, but we don't. Um, yeah. And Ninja Theory making Project Mar and Hellblade 2. So a lot of those acquisitions in 2018, we know what they're working on. But it was always Compulsion was the one that nobody had a clue, like, what they possibly could be making. And they were one of the studios I always doubted. I always kind of look at them and like, I don't know what people see in them. Like, We Happy Few didn't really care for. Contrast was an interesting idea, but wasn't that great. Um, so I was interested just seeing, like, okay, what did Xbox see in this team that made them want them to acquire them? What do they bring into the table? Well, you have some information, uh, basically, that they're working on a third-person action-adventure game, uh, Dark Fantasy. Uh, can you tell us more about Project Midnight from Compulsion? Yeah, so Project Midnight, um... I had information on this for quite a long time, but recently it, it became apparent to me that it was going to leak imminently um, because of, like, how bad Microsoft is at keeping things under wraps. So I thought, well, if it's going to leak, might as well be me. I do think leaks suck. And, um, you know, but it's like it's like open season on leaks right now because of the whole work-from-home thing. It's become really hard for Microsoft to, like, keep things in secure places, shall we say. And um, because of that, there's all sorts of information rolling all over the internet about all sorts of Microsoft things. And other companies too, like Apple, like look at Facebook. Facebook is leaking like crazy right now, if you pay attention to tech news. But alas, it does suck. But, you know, I've got to pay the bills. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so Compulsion has beefed up their team They've, you know, pivot, they they tried to, you know, rescue We Happy Few, and they did go back and play We Happy Few recently. So, like, after getting this information, I wanted to sort of, I wanted to sort of, you know, refresh my memory about where Compulsion have been as a studio and where they're heading towards. And I got this information about Project Midnight. Midnight is a code name. Um, it's not the game's name, as far as I'm aware. It's it's just a code name right now, so it could be called something else. Um, the character in the in the uh, in the picture that I showed is the main character, so it's going to be a story-driven third-person action game. Um, with a magic is going to be a sort of a central portion of the game. There's going to be like a whole load of magic. The team's doing a ton of research into sort of um, uh, sort of southern gothic. They describe it as, you know, like. Um, you know, like uh, New New Orleans, I think. Now this this is where it gets hard because I I'm not really that super familiar with this stuff. My knowledge of Southern Gothic lore and New Orleans is like that Disney movie. Uh, what is it? Princess and the Frog. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. The sort of that sort of stuff. As far as I know, it's like dark fantasy. There's like mutated human harpy creatures in it. That look. The concept art looks sick. Um, it's going to be heavy sty- heavily stylized, so I expect a similar art style to We Happy Few, and I do think that the art style was one of We Happy Few's strong points. 
if I if I like if I might uh, suggest, would you agree with that, Rand? Yes, um, it's, it's art style was very very strong. Yeah, so like they're they're sort of keeping that. It'll be it'll be it'll be next gen, you know, but it'll be like what they're known for is that sort of dark, twisted, sort of almost Tim Burton esque Bioshock sort of cartoony, but also uncannily not cartoony sort of thing. Like, We Happy Few's art style was, like, immediately recognizable, and it's still memorable even now. Even though the game itself is not great, the art style was completely on point. So I expect something similarly dark and twisted and intriguing to that. And then, uh, also, one of the producers on the game is uh, Genevieve Forget, her name is. I probably pronounced her name wrong, and I apologize for that. But she's a Canadian developer who produced Far Cry 5. So, you know, and I think Far Cry 5 had one of the stronger Far Cry stories. So I think that's um, that's a very promising thing there. Um, but they're doing a ton of research about the whole Southern Gothic stuff, you know, and uh, mythology and lore and, you know, those kind of tropes. So this some of the concept art that I shared, like, had a sort of swampy vibe to it, you know? So, and there's, like, there's some, like, AAA pedigree devs working on this game. So, I am pretty damn intrigued about it. I don't know a great deal about it beyond that. That's pretty much everything I've got on the game right now. Um, and I think, I don't know when it could come out. I don't think we'll see it next year. I think we might see it 2023, maybe for a late 2023 launch. Or maybe even a 2024 launch. But, um, but yeah, it sounds really intriguing and, uh, I'm pretty excited for it. But that's about it. That's all I got now. Don't compare it to Far Cry. Someone said people are going to compare it to Far Cry now. You, Genevieve has worked on like loads of games. I just mentioned Far Cry because, you know, that, you can sort of, you can sort of infer the the way the writing and quality bar will go given her work on Far Cry 5. It's not going to be. It's not going to play like Far Cry. So, you, but yeah. Quick tangent. Did you see one of the big uh, producers who's been on every Far Cry game in the last ten years has left the company? Yeah, I did. I did see that. And, and uh, also, Jeff Grubby Grub. It was Jeff Grubb, right? Jeff Grubb tweeted that Far Cry's pivot into a service game. Live service game. Imagine that from Ubisoft. That's exactly what people wanted from a new Far Cry is a live service game, of course. That's what everybody yeah. wants. You know? Yeah. I, my, my, my sort of, my strategy with Ubisoft right now is to ignore it completely until I hear that something's good, something good has happened because I just have such low expectations of them. So anyway, that's on, off on a tangent. Like, what do you think about Project Midnight and how it sounds? Like, does that sound like your kind of game? Because although it's completely single player, and one of the things I always get asked about is, like, where are the single player games? Where, when are the single player third-person games coming? Well, there you go. Project Midnight is one of the third-person single player action games. I mean, I'm, and, I'm uh, definitely intrigued. Um, I know there's been a lot of people, especially uh, the one and only Lord Cognito, who's been, you know, campaigning for hashtag just one. Do you think this is the just one that he's wanted, Jez? What does just one mean? Just one is basically uh, he wants uh, a Sony game, basically. A third-person cinematic action adventure 
experience that you know a, a PlayStation would make in the veins of a Last of Us or God of War or, or Horizon Zero Dawn or Days Gone or something like that. Would this fit? Because I know he's going to be listening. Would this fit his just one that he's been asking for? No, I mean it's like I say, it's going to be heavily stylized. It's not going to be it's not going to be cinematic in that kind of vein. And also, it's going to have a much smaller team, presumably. Although, like, you know, people in chat were saying that Compulsion's got 80 employees. And, yeah, they'll be, like, outsourced development and stuff. But I often wonder, like, could could Microsoft cut some kind of deal, similarly to what they've done for Crystal Dynamics with uh, Perfect Dark, to bring up the, the staff count on the game if the concept's strong enough? Or maybe they'd do that for a sequel after it's been proven to be successful or something. I don't know. But um, but yeah, I I don't know, man. Is it going to be cinematic and on the same level as you know Last of Us? Given the size of Compulsion, I would say probably not. You know, but it's sort of it's sort of pitching in that sort of direction. You know, maybe the sequel would be. But you know, I also kind of don't want to underestimate Compulsion because we've seen literally nothing, nothing of the game beyond some concept art yet. I haven't seen anything in the game. It's not like Avowed, where I've actually seen gameplay of Avowed. I haven't seen any gameplay of this, even though I know it exists somewhere. Somewhere in the dark spaces of the interwebs. Mm. So, um, yeah. I, I, I hope so. I hope it scratches that itch that pe- I know people have. You know? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much, you know. It, doesn't re- it really doesn't bother me. Like, I played Last of Us Remastered, like, few years ago and like it's a great game absolutely loved it i think last of us remastered has like one of the most gut-wrenching intros i've ever experienced in the game yeah the intro hello what i trade that for starfield what i trade that for my rpgs what i trade that for brian fargo i don't think so man Mm. so everyone likes something different right that is true and xbox needs as many different types of games for game pass so you know, your 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 game that Cog wants is something that Xbox should make because there are a segment of gamers that love it. You know, yeah. so uh, Zero Mist says Compulsion Games has a hundred devs and counting, so that's that's what he says. No, I'm I, I mean I read your leak. I think it's cool. Um, I have to see more gameplay. Like a dark fantasy third person action adventure game sounds pretty interesting. Um, just need to see what it's like. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, because when I think when I look at We Happy Few and how excited people were for that, based on that initial story trailer, like if they could build out something like that into a full game instead of what We Happy Few was, I, I think it would be like they'd be onto something. And maybe they just didn't have the budget or didn't know what they wanted to do with We Happy Few, and now it's like, all right, here's the time, make what you want. Here's the team you know, this is what you want to build and go do it instead of, like, kind of shifting priorities with what happened with, like, We Happy Few, where it was like, we want story, but it's only a little story, and then it's like a survival game, and then people really wanted the story, so they added it later and stuff, so uh, we'll see. We'll definitely see. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out more about it. Um, so, um... Right. Reactions seem pretty damn positive towards... Yeah. Towards the, the concept, at least. And people seem to really like the character. Um, I actually think I know her name. And I think her name 
is Halo. <laughs> unless I, unless like my information is wrong, or it's like misspelled or mispronounced or something. Maybe it's Haley, mm. something like that. Begins with a H. Now it you sounded to me like Halo. Now you also had I don't know. two other code names in your article: Project Vonnegut and Project Velvet. Yeah. Uh, some people were speculating that Project Vonnegut might be Shadowrun, maybe by Arcane. Although, typically, I don't think you've seen any Arcane or any Bethesda code names for projects, right? So yeah, I haven't seen Shred, but the Redfall gameplay did leak, which makes me think there is a leak somewhere in the in the in the works at uh, that studio. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe it could be Arcane. Um, but, you know, speaking of Arcane, just to go off on another slight tangent, did you see that Arc Spectalis got rated recently? Which was Arcane's first ever game. Did you see that got rated? I did, not see, I did see that um, um, the, creative, uh, the creative director behind Deathloop is now the... Studio head of Arcane Lyon? Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. Um, um, and the the studio founder retired, didn't he? Or let or left to join somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, he left. I mean, yeah. I I would take a Shadow Run uh, by Arcane. I never played. Be I never played Shadow Run, dude. You gotta tell me what Shadow Run is, because people seem to love this game. And look on Metacritic, and it's rated like seven out of ten. Mm. So, what you talking about? You talking about Shadowrun, the the FPS that they uh, brought back in 2016 or whatever year it was? You I have that? no idea, man. What what is it? Why is Shadowrun? Come on, well, tell just, me. Just Google, me. just Google Shadowrun, bro. Oh man, there's too much work. I know. Right? Work. What about what about people in chat? I've never heard of Shadowrun. I mean, I'm sure somebody in chat will definitely tell you all about Shadowrun. But I don't. I mean, I don't care what Arcane makes. Whatever Arcane makes is going to be great. Because if it's Shadowrun, it's going to be fantastic. If it's, you know, something else, it's, whatever it is, it's uh, it'll it'll be amazing. I have the utmost faith in anything Arcane does. So, um, yeah. Um, what else we got here, Jazz? Uh, so we're not going to really talk about this, but how it really impacts Xbox. But Steam Deck was delayed to February, right? Um, yeah. and we've heard reports that Nintendo had to basically downgrade their projections for the Switch as well as PlayStation. Jess, how long is this freaking chip shortage going to last? Is it going to be impossible to get an Xbox Series X for, for all of 2022 at this point? Because it definitely seems like it's affecting everybody else, and... You know, you know what? Our top article of the week is about the chip shortage because they've finally found the bottleneck in the supply chain that's causing all the issues, and it's actually America's fault. It's actually all America's fault, Brand. What are you doing? It's your fault. It's always, it's your fault, it's always my fault. It's always my fault. <laughs> well, apparently, there is a company in Texas which I've never heard of called Texas Instruments. And they own a patent on some kind of voltage converter, which all semiconductors need to function. And they are the only company that can manufacture these 
voltage converters or whatever they are. Don't really fully understand it. Maybe someone in chat does. They're the only company who can manufacture these voltage converters that all chips need. And TMSC, uh, who make semiconductors, have said, this is all Texas Instruments' fault. They can't supply us. They can't supply enough voltage converters or whatever they are. And therefore, we can't make the semiconductors fast enough, which means we can't make the chips fast enough, which means it's all Texas Instruments' fault. That is supposedly the issue. And because they own the patent on it, no one else can make them or something. I've never, everyone, like, people in chat, you've never heard of Texas Instruments? Yeah, people say Texas Instruments make the calculators. I've never heard of Texas Instruments until this week. But apparently it's, it's all their fault. It's all their fault. <laughs> mm. and Intel, Intel was saying this semiconductor shortage is going to last until 2020, until 2024. So, and, you ain't going to be able to buy PlayStation, Xbox Series X, or anything until 2024. So that's, yeah. You're in my lesson chat says you've never used a TI-85 in high school. Dude, I was barely at high school. <laughs> Think I know how to use a calculator? Actually, I do. I can spell boobies with a calculator. Hey, uh, Jeff. Did you ever do that on a calculator? Yes, of course yeah. I've done that. But, um... <laughs> We have a few people telling you what Shadowrun is to you, um, and I know reading this, it's going to excite you. So, Steven and Pong Soul says that Shadowrun is a pen and paper RPG set in a cyberpunk world with J.R. Tolkien-type mythical creatures and races. Ah, right. That sounds pretty damn rad. I, all I know is that Shadowrun is owned by the, the FASA, who also own the MechWarrior franchise. Um or, like, parts of the MechWarrior franchise. And I always thought there was always some kind of... I always thought there was some kind of licensing problem with the MechWarrior and the Shadowrun IPs. But maybe it was just the MechWarrior Mech Warrior IP that there was an issue with. But maybe Microsoft re resolved them. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, if it is Shadowrun... And it's a cyberpunk RPG. That sounds pretty damn cool to me. But I have I have no information on that. I don't. I I only know the code name Vonnegut. I have no idea what game it's attached to. Jeff Grubb said he'd heard it could be Shadowrun. And also Velvet is like Velvet. I Velvet like I don't know anything about. Apart from the fact Velvet is super early. So Velvet is like, uh, man. Project Velvet will probably a 2025, 2026 game. That's like much I less. I mean, like Souls Project Dragon, though. Um, don't know about that, man. Oh. I mean, is it a 2023 game? No. It's it said in the brief that I've got that it was dug in 2023. But yeah, we know how that those... was before the pandemic. Yeah, well, wasn't uh, Project uh, Typhoon targeting 2021 as well? At one point? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. when's that game supposed to be coming out? Uh, 2022? 2023? Oh, is it 23? I right. mean, you would imagine if it was coming out next year, they would have said it at the E3. You know? Uh, well, Anyways. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's going to be hard to get stuff. <laughs> it's hard to get new consoles and... Oh, man, I thought this stuff would be over with, but apparently not. So, 
Yep. Yeah, more yep. scalpers yep. selling these consoles for more money. And potato chips. Yeah. Um, the Don says, uh, Random Jazz, y'all know anything more about the alleged Halo drop on November 15th? <laughs> Nate the Hate supposedly confirmed it not too long ago. Yes, we, we talked about it already at length. Um, you know, Nate the Hate's put it out there. If he's wrong, he's wrong, but it's also something that, you know, me and Jazz have been hearing for a month now that was a possibility, but, uh, I don't know for sure if it is. So I will be watching intently with you guys. Like, I have it in the back of my mind. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if it did because I've been hearing about it for a while. But, uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just not going to be – I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure about anything. I, I, don't listen to Jez when he says – like, my predictions, like, you know, I'm never sure about anything until it actually happens. You know? Nah, Rand's lying, man. Rand literally knows everything going on at Xbox right now. No, that's not true. He know he knows how he knows how Aaron Greenberg takes his coffee, man. No, that's definitely that's not how true. Much, that's how much Rand knows. No, 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 Rand, not at all. Rand Al omnipresent, man. Nope, Rand nope, Al-Omnipresent. nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> uh, Jeremy nope. G says, uh, "What about Project Gotham Racing?" Uh, I really enjoyed Project Gotham Racing. I think most of the devs from Bizarre, when they got shut down, formed Playground Games, and that's why they're very really? similar. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Xbox has two racing franchises. I don't really see them doing the third. It's just a Forza Motorsport and Forza Horizon, and that's it. I actually remember talking to Phil about that in 2015, when Forza Horizon was kind of like first really getting going after two, and uh, he kind of basically told me that yeah, we have two racing franchises and we don't really need a third. Um, Arigato says, uh, sup guys, I got a question. Why isn't Skyrim Anniversary on Game Pass? I don't like that I have to pay for the same game for the third generation in a row. You don't, do you? Don't you just, isn't it just an update for the special edition? So it's convoluted. It's convoluted. That's why people think, all right, so, look. Let's hear it. It's. Give it to me, so Ryan. the Skyrim Anniversary Edition is basically a whole bunch of creator content, right, from the Creators Club. Right. So this new release, so, like, if you don't own Skyrim, you can buy this Anniversary Edition for 50 bucks. If you own Skyrim from last gen, the Xbox One version, that's in Game Pass, that is automatically updated to next gen. You get a free next gen update that runs it at 4K60. But to get the anniversary edition content, that creators of content, you have to pay an upgrade fee of eighteen bucks. You're basically just paying. You're paying for 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 DLC. The update right. to get sixty frames in four K, is free, and there's also free stuff at. I think there's like a free dungeon added or whatever. But it, it's confusing because people look at because it has a new name, the anniversary edition. People look at it as a new release. But it's not a new release. It's yeah. just a free update for the game for next gen. And if you want the creators, the creators content, you have to pay for it. And there's a small fee if you own the previous version. So that's oh. how it works. Um, oh, uh, you, that is that is convoluted. It is convoluted. Uh, they got fishing in it now. That's and good. We know how much that's we love fishing. Good. Yeah, fishing is good. Um, you guys like fishing, right? Who doesn't like fishing? Uh, Sherman Jacobs says, any acquisitions coming on the 15th? What do you think about acquisitions, Jez? Which is Ooh. a topic. 
That's a wild card, isn't it? Ooh. I personally don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this acquisition's coming. I doubt it. I really kind of doubt it. But, man, who knows? If there's one thing Microsoft could possibly keep from leaking, it might be an acquisition, maybe. Um, but at the same time, I just sort of, I don't know. It'd be a good place to announce that kind of thing. So if you do have an acquisition in the works and you do have a letter in, letter of intent or whatever, like, out there, this show would be the last opportunity of the year to announce it because, I mean, you're not going to be able to announce that at the Game Awards, are you? Because it's, you know, it's nothing to do with the Game Awards. So... If if there if there is an acquisition in the works, this is the last opportunity you'll probably hear about it. But I also haven't heard anything on my end. What do you think, Rand? What do you think, buddy? <sighs> I mean, this kind of goes into the topic uh, about more Xbox acquisitions. Phil's talked about it recently. So has Sarah Bond. But this time, Phil's talked about more casual uh, games, right? So. Oh, yeah, casual games. Yeah, which, I mean, he's mentioned this before in 2020, that he feels like that is a a spot in their lineup that needs to be filled, that there's definitely an audience that wants, um, and, you know, I would maybe even go as far as say, like, one versus 100 is, is that sort of content. Uh, yeah. More casual and stuff like that, more for a general audience. And that, like, you know, they're always looking, and it needs to be a win-win for both them and forever they're acquiring. But, I mean, they've said it the whole year. Satya said it. Like, Matt Booty said it. Phil and Sarah said it. It's going to happen. The question is, will it happen at this show on Monday? Mm, I would imagine it's a pre-recorded show. So, if there was a thing, so it would be pre-recorded, and I would imagine that would get out somehow. So I don't really, I'm just going to say probably not, and hope I'm wrong, which would be cool. But I've always kind of thought, like, I, I I thought more acquisitions would come next year, not this year, because they were, you know, trying to get Bethesda deal done and stuff, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who would you like them to buy? Who do, you, who do you think they should buy for the good of the business, and who would you like them to buy? Jeez. Uh, uh, you can't think about it. you got to be quick. I mean, Warner Brothers games, I've told you, I've said this before, it fills a lot of holes that Xbox has, right? You you, you get a fighting game studio in NetherRealm yeah. to make Mortal Kombat or Mortal Kombat versus Killer Instinct or what have you. You have Rocksteady and Warner Brothers Montreal that, you know, can continue to make superhero content, and that's such a big thing, right, with Sony having the Marvel games. If you were able somehow to get a uh, a license agreement saying, like, hey, you you we give you an exclusive license for Batman and DC characters for the next 20 years, right, uh, that would fill that hole. You also get a uh, studio in Traveler's Tale that has a uh, – can make a lot of uh, kid games. Like, I would imagine them – Maybe they could even make, like, a Lego Minecraft game. Like, they would fit that bill. Um, uh, Monolith is a great developer. Like, they can do whatever, you know, you have them do. And then they have a bunch of support studios. And 
Xbox is lacking in support studios. A lot of other sports studios they 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 have used like Splash Damage and Sumo. They've been acquired by other companies. So, like when I look at that, when I when you say like who which one fills fits the bill, it's like to me, it's Warner Brothers games. They fill so much of what Xbox needs. Like sure, somebody could point to Take Two and be like Grand Theft Auto. You get Grand Theft Auto, you win. I mean, yeah, there's no debating Grand Theft Auto is the biggest franchise in the world, and that would, you know, but I don't know. If I'm looking at a publisher that has a lot of different things working for them, that fills a lot of different gaps, it's 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 Warner Brothers. Maybe you could point to Sega with their focus on PC, which is we know something Xbox is 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 interested in. You know, they have a lot of PC developers, um, but I, I I think that partnership. I don't think the partnership's going to lead to acquisitions, but as you we talked about last podcast, you do think that partnership is going to be more significant than people think. Um, but no, it'd be, it'd be Warner Brothers, like straight up, like without a doubt for me. Like if if I if I was running the business and I was trying to fill gaps in my portfolio, that's the one that I would hit. Fair. Um, so yeah. Uh, rebellious says thanks to Manscaped my girlfriend never let go of my mayo dispenser anymore ooh <laughs> uh, JC says buy Texas Instruments stock they're going to boom stock tape for you yeah Come the one and only Brap is in the chat he says hey hey Randy Jess have a great weekend gents Halo multiplayer on 11-15 let's go and that definitely seems to be the rumor and we talked about that a little bit earlier Brap hope you're doing good man uh, Rick says best, best, uh, blah, 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 can't speak. Best Xbox podcast out there brings a smile on my Friday nights. Love you guys. Plus, hit that like button, people. Thank you for all the support, guys. And if you're enjoying the show, yeah, please do us a favor, favor and hit that like button. And if you want to buy a product from Manscaped, make sure you use the code XP2. Um, excuse <laughs> me saying this for, anyway, um, Manscaped. Um, Manscaped. We get the gentleman. Yeah, so Todd Howard also was out there talking about uh, talking about Elder Scrolls and Fallout and um, Starfield. Uh, I did see. I don't know if anybody's seen the new the the artwork concept art that Starfield's put out. Like, oh my god, it looks incredible! I did not. Yeah, there's a lot of concept art and uh, that came out from it that looks so cool. And there was asked, like, basically, like, is the release date set in stone for for Starfield? And he said, well, it's written in ink. It's not written in pencil. Uh, you know, but you wouldn't say, like, 100%. Like, you can't really say 100% it's coming out because who knows what happens in game development. Maybe they run into a problem. Maybe, you know, the pandemic rears its ugly head again and, you know, it slows down. So, like, you know, he, he says they feel confident that, you know, they can hit 11-11. And um I mean let's let's hope so. Um the thing about Fallout Five that I thought was interesting was basically he was asked if like somebody else could do it. And he definitely seemed very protective and was kinda of giving off the vibe that no, nobody else is doing Fallout. And that he understands the wait in between games is too long and they would want to get out games faster. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? They're not going to let someone else do Fallout 5. And honestly, I don't really think they should, even though my friend Mr. Matty Plays wants them to because Fallout, he loves Fallout. But, man, it's going to be a while before a new Fallout, Jez, because you got Starfield next year. Cross our fingers, nothing goes wrong, right? Then they hit next year. 
You would imagine Elder Scrolls Six is probably a minimum four years after that, right? So like twenty twenty six. Yeah. And then you would yeah. imagine Fallout Four is probably another four years after that. So you're looking at like twenty thirty, because they do say they have a one pager about what they want to do with Fallout. I'm just like twenty thirty is a long way away. That's nine years from now. Will we even be podcasting nine years from now, Jez? Dude, will the will the Earth even be here twenty thirty? <laughs> oh man, twenty thirty. I do think Elder Scrolls is probably closer. I do, I do think that. You gotta remember, Bethesda has multiple dev teams. We don't know what some of them are working on, and there's always the chance that Microsoft could spin up another dev team. You know, I'm sure there's there is a world that exists where it would be beneficial to have, you know, Bethesda release games more than one, more than twice a decade, maybe. There's a, there's a world where that exists. With Todd Howard overseeing, like, the Fallout franchise and the Elder Scrolls franchise, you know, and Starfield franchise, you know. If Starfield's as good as everyone hopes, maybe that'll become a franchise too, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I would, I would, man, I would, I would want to believe that Fallout 5 comes before 2030. Surely. No? I mean, I mean, dude, yeah, claim mud in chat. 2030, the world is going to be full. I mean, people said, would we even get to 2020 when we were in 2000? I'm just saying, if you look at, like, their release pattern, right? This is, um, Todd's, what, like, their last game before Starfield was Fallout 4 in 2015, right? Am I, am, am I correct? And this one's taken seven years? Am I correct? Yeah. You know they yeah, they updated the engine, so uh, am I am I being a little bit too optimistic with the four year gap in between games? Ah uh, man, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know, because I've talked to a couple people about this. It's like, you know, people will be like, well, why don't you let Obsidian do Fallout Five or <laughs> or another Fallout game mm-hmm. or let Exile do it? But like, maybe they don't want to. Maybe they're like, well, screw working on Fallout. We're going to make our own Fallout killer called The Outer Worlds. Yeah. And we're going to do our own Skyrim and Avowed. Like, why do we want to work on somebody else's thing when we can make our own thing, right? Well, you do know that, you know, the the studio head of Obsidian did work on the OG Fallout games, the 2D ones. So, like, there is there is some kind of, like, there is a legacy there that Obsidian has with Fallout or some of the, like, veteran devs have. Like, and in Exile too, like, waste, Wasteland, Fallout is literally Wasteland 2. The original Fallout game was supposed to be Wasteland 2, but licensing issues meant they had to make a new franchise. So instead of making Wasteland 2, they made Fallout 1. Like, there's that whole sort of thing, like, like in Exile, Obsidian and Bethesda share this kind of, and even Blizzard to some degree, they all share this sort of, this common ancestry where they sort of split split off from interplay and and sort of turned into different studios and all kinds of stuff and that kind of thing. So, yeah, like Nico and Chas, the studio head of the Nexo actually created the Fallout universe. So, you know, there there is some kind of I think there is a world where Obsidian maybe makes I don't know Fallout New Vegas two. Fallout New Vegas remake in the current engine, you know, reimagined or something. I don't know, but I do feel like 
if they wanted to, it would be absolutely killer. Because for me, I still, I still think Fallout New Vegas is the best 3D Fallout game. I still think that. So, I don't know. It's interesting to think about. It is. Um, also, this week was the one-year anniversary of the Xbox Series X. So, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts about uh, your, your, you know, <laughs> your thoughts, your thoughts on your thoughts. Uh, how do you feel about the Series X after a year, Jez? Is it lived up, has it lived it. up to the hype? Are you happy with the exclusive games Xbox has delivered? Tell me, tell me, tell me how you feel about one year. Well, with the beast, no, I, the beast. I what was it? Was it the uh, what do they call it? The this one eats monsters for breakfast or whatever the the marketing thing was, right? Yeah, yeah. Monsters for breakfast. I do think, um, you know, I bought, I didn't buy my Xbox. I got it from Microsoft. So, sort of like thinking about did I purchase regrets, it sort of doesn't really apply. However, I have bought two of my own Xbox Series Xs. I bought one for Germany and I bought my brother's Xbox Series X. So, I believe, even though I did get a review unit, I'm still qualified to talk about it because I've spent a lot of money on Xbox Series Xs. And um, I think it has lived up to the hype and the expectations, and I am thoroughly happy with it. You know, the operating system, it's like, you remember when the Xbox One launched, everything was a mess, they had to like, re they had to hack away at the dashboard for years and years and years to make it even basically functional. Like, and now we sort of, we launched out of the gate into a relatively relatively polished way. Yeah, there was some kind of bugs and issues with, uh, you know, uh, quick resume. Even even now, quick resume is still a little bit inconsistent and unclear which games support it and which games don't. Um, but, like, and also, I don't think ray tracing has lived up to the hype, but it's arguable that Microsoft didn't really hype that up so much themselves. I think it's it's, you know... It was like a little bit of hype for, for ray tracing coming from all, all different corners of the internet, I think. But um, I think, like, what we've seen this year is, is really the, the very first sort of hint of what it's going to be like with Phil Spencer, Phil Spencer's vision leading Xbox. Like, we have to sort of, we have to wait for the funding to get there. We have to wait for acquisitions. We have to wait for games to be developed. We have to wait for Game Pass to be built up all, over time. We have to wait for the hardware to slot into place and all this. And it's, it feels like, yeah, X, Xbox One was a lost generation. Like, even now, there's people like, even now, like, I speak to people who aren't really that connected with gaming who talk about Xbox One, even the Xbox 360 stuff. Like, I, I spoke to someone recently who was like, well, don't Xboxes overheat? And I was like, oh, what do you mean? Like, in, in heat tests, like, if you use an IR camera, like, the PS5 generally has, comes out at a hotter temperature than the Xbox One while Xbox Series X while we're in games. And he was like, no, no, I mean, like, the Red Ring of Death. Isn't that still a thing? He's <laughs> talking about the Red Ring of Death. Jeez, the Red Ring of Death, wow. Yeah. I, he wasn't talking about current gen at all. So, like, there is that sort of... I do think there is, like, a legacy of negativity about Xbox that they still need to push over. But I do think this is, like, it's almost like the whole company's been rebooted. And this is the sort of, this year's been, like, the a sort of singularity of everything Phil Spencer and his, the team has done to sort of fix that, I think. 
Yeah, Leonardo Vega in chat summed up really well. Xbox One was Microsoft's Wii U. I think that's a really great way of putting it, honestly. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's a great way of putting it. But, you know, are you happy with it? Are there, are there still things that you're bothered about? Still, well, I mean, know, there are, of course, that, there are of course, things that could be better. But overall, I have been... I think this is... As a console, I think it's probably... Like, technically, what it's doing is probably the best console I've had. I mean, I don't really have memories of my Genesis or my NES or whatever, but, like, what I was looking forward to most about this gen was at least 60 frames being standard. And Mm. for the most part, that's been the case. Like, I think there's been one game I played that has come out from, you know, uh, that's been Series X and X enhanced or whatever, that's been 30 frames and that's the medium. So immediately oh, yeah. my thought of, like, what I want from the Series X and the PS5 is 60 frames, better frame rate. And I'm getting that. And we're getting stuff in 120 frames. Like, we're playing Halo Infinite multiplayer at 120, uh, Call of Duty at 120 and stuff. So it's even gone further than what I initially thought. So from the hardware perspective, it's like I can't argue with how great and stable everything is because – when you look at the 360, when you look at Xbox One, you know, 30 frames, but then most games really weren't hitting a lock 30. You've seen a lot of frame dips, which really impacted my enjoyment of some stuff. You had games in 720p, 900p, and 1080p, and those don't really look good on, you know, high-end TVs. But it's like with the yeah. Series X, it's like everything looks, for the most part, great, 4K, Solid frame rate, you know, you have technology in these TVs with VRR, so you don't really see the frame rate or, you know, frame rate fluctuations. So from that aspect, like, it's exactly what I wanted. Um, you know, the dashboard originally being like 1080p was a bit disappointing, but now it's in 4K, so it looks a lot better. So that's great. Um, I appreciate them actually sticking with the, the, you know, not wanting to build a new dashboard simply because they, they felt they needed to because it was uh, it's a new system, so of course it has to be a new UI, right? So personally, um, I, I like that they've kept it the same. Um, uh, you know, with that said, like you, ray tracing has been a big disappointment for me in the games I played with ray tracing. Um, I just you're getting ray tracing, but like at 30 frames, or really isn't that really noticeable. So it's kind of like, okay, this was kind of a big thing, but it really hasn't turned, at least not yet. Maybe we'll be talking differently about ray tracing two to three years from now. Um, I do think the game DVR needs work. Um, I think that's a sort of like sharing in the game DVR is maybe something that, that's a lot, a lot of people message me about, about that. And I'm sure a lot of people have messaged you about that because you've done articles about, like, the game DVR and, and the sharing stuff. And I think that's something Xbox does need to improve. Um, so, like, uh, the hardware front, I think it's amazing. Then you talk about the games, and it would be interesting because I would have a different answer for you depending on when we – if you wanted to talk about the first six months of Xbox Series X, I would pretty much have the same answer, but then when it came to the games part, I would say – Xbox Game Studio was basically like a D because the only thing they would have released was Gears Tactics, which was a late PC port. Mm. But considering we were covering the first year, 
And they ended up putting out a lot of high-quality games, which is always exactly what I wanted from Xbox. You got Flight Sim. You got Psychonauts 2. You got Forza Horizon 5. So they've ended the year on a really strong, a really good, you know, uh, like strong foot. Halo's coming. And, you know, from the impressions of the single player, sounds like it's going to be quite good. And we already know that the multiplayer is going to be uh, excellent because we've all played it. So the first six months are definitely a lot, I feel a lot different than the, 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 pre, the you know, the end six months. So, like, if I were to give Xbox Game Studios, like, a D for the first six months, like, I would basically give it, like, a B plus, almost an A. I mean, if Halo hits, then you pretty much got to give them an A. And that's not even including something like Deathloop, which isn't playable on Xbox right now, but is also from an Xbox studio. So it's like, you know, and then you even got something like Age of Empires 4, which is people like and is, like, highly rated as well. So it's like, this might be the best year for Xbox games, you know, quality-wise in, in, in a time. And then you had High Busters come out in December of last year, which was a very good quality DLC expansion. And it's like, man, Xbox really killed it uh, with games this year. Not the first six months, but definitely, you know, we were talking about a year, but you'd have to give them props for what they've done. And um, yeah. and Game Pass, I think, for the kind of the same thing. Like, the first six months of Game Pass, outside of those big announcements of, hey, here's MLB The Show, and here's um, here's... Outriders, like, I thought the first six months weren't that great, but the last six months have been fantastic. There's some really cool games, big games coming to Game Pass. So it's definitely been a tale of two halves. Um, so, yeah, like, I've been really damn happy with uh, Xbox, uh, the system, its capabilities, and uh, their game output uh, the last six months. And hopefully this continues. Like, my only concern is I wish Xbox didn't – this is something that me and you have always talked about, was that I feel Xbox always back-ends their year. Um, and that's not something they can do moving forward because, like, you need you need games in the beginning part of the year so you keep people subscribed to Game Pass. So and we know, like, next year um, we're going to see Redfall, Forza Motorsports, um, Starfield later in the year. So there's still some question marks about the beginning of the year. We know we got Stalker 2, probably Crossfire X because it got delayed, um, Bright Memory Infinite, and all these other games I can't think of off the top of my head. But when I start pu- putting out games consistently from quarter one to quarter four, that will be the beginning of, like, the new Xbox era. When you don't have to wait until September to get uh, the next game from Xbox Game Studios because there'll be a game in February. There'll be a game in May, right? One every single quarter. So overall, like, I think it's been a pretty damn good year. I would love to know what you guys think in chat. How are you feeling about um, Xbox's first year? Give us a, give us a, you know, I'll make a poll. How about that? I'll make a poll, Jez. Um, how, how do you feel about Xbox's game output this this year? Like, the game output has been pretty good. You know, it's it's weird, man, because my gaming habits have changed so much since having this job. It's like, back in the day, I'd sort of, like, I'd do my 9-to-5 
you know, IT guy. And then all the whole evening, I just jump on my friends and play games and stuff. But now, like, I work random hours here and there. And sometimes, like, I just never, I rarely get a day where I can just sit down and play the stuff that I want to play. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit weird, you know. So, I've got a huge backlog of stuff. And I, I suppose if there's people who are like, you know, they do have like regular working hours, like a regular sort of, you know, set working hours and they don't have to like stop what they're doing and jump, jump off to like do other things in the middle of the game. Cause I hate that, man. I hate that when I'm like, I mean, I'm in the zone in the story game or something and then I get pulled off it. So I've started gravitating towards games where I, I can easily like pick them up and put them down. Like, you know, like, I watch Overwatch. I played so much of Overwatch just because the games are so short. And it's not, it's not a, such a big deal if I have to leave a match, you know. So, um, I haven't had any issues with what games I've been able to play. Has there been any, like, super duper bangers this year that I'll be like, man, I'm going to be thinking about that for years to come, like Dragon Age Origins, stuff like that. Probably not, but I had a lot of that last year. So, um, because, you know, I really enjoyed Cyberpunk, and I know it's super unpopular, but Cyberpunk was probably my game of the gen, personally. Um, you know, it's certainly top three up there with Monster Hunter and Prey. So, and I, t- technically, I didn't play that on Xbox. I played on PC. So, maybe I can't really count Cyberpunk. But, also last year, I also had Wasteland 3, which was, I loved that as well. This year, I haven't had as many big games that I've really loved, but I feel like we're finishing the year strong now. I think if Battlefield patches its crap quick enough, <laughs> I still can't get into a game. I've tried it during the show round. I've been trying non-stop to get into a Battlefield game. I've uninstalled the game. I've cleared the cache of the Xbox. I've reinstalled the game. I've deleted my save files. I've tried everything to get back into Battlefield 2042, and I just keep getting this unable to load persistence data, game will return to the menu bug. So, like, there, there is something very wrong with Battlefield right now, and a lot of people are being hit with this issue, but I feel like Battlefield could end up being, like, one of my favourite games of the year because of that, because it is awesome, and I really, I really like it. Um, but also Halo. I did not expect to be so drawn in by the Halo's tech test at all. I really didn't. I was like, man, this plays really good. It feels like the gunplay feels really, really nice. Everything feels super polished. Like, it, it, it's got weight, but it's not sluggish. Man, it, it's just hard to put into words how the nuance in describing very delicately how great Halo bloody well feels. It just feels absolutely incredible. So, I don't know. Um... I would like to say, I am sort of, I'm still, I'm still sort of, I still want those hashtag just one kind of games. I'm, I'm really hoping that Hellblade is that game that really sucks me in, really blows my mind, makes me think, makes me feel like connected to. And I don't just, I don't just want to, I want games where I'm not just having fun. I want games that really sort of, suck me in and create those kind of amazing memories. You know? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And as I get older, Rand, I worry. I worry, Rand. I keep thinking, damn, am I, is it because I'm getting old now and I'm jaded? Are, are games actually still pretty good? 
am I just like jaded now and I just I just can't feel it like I used to be able to feel. I th- I have those thoughts, man. You know, Cyberpunk was Cyberpunk was pretty damn close being one of those games that sort of blew me away. But like I'm talking about things like playing Metal Gear Solid One for the first time, you know, or playing Silent Hill Two for the first time. Those kind of experiences, you know. And I just wonder, am I just not capable of having those kind of experiences anymore? Or is like, is it, is it because they were like new and they were doing things for the first time? I don't know. But I do want to see games on that kind of level come out of Microsoft. I do want to see, you know, Hellblade deliver big. I do want to see, I don't know, other sort of games like that from Microsoft. And, uh, I'm hoping that's what we will see. I don't want to, I just, I'm, I know there's going to be a load of service games, and I've I've actually seen people saying there's too many RPGs now, like mm. recently, which is hilarious. But um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So, Jez, we got we got the poll up. You have uh, 260 people who have voted so far, and uh, where where it, I don't know if you've seen the poll, but where do you think most people mm. would fall in? A, B, C, or D? If you're gonna A or B, maybe. Definitely not C or D. I just, I don't know, maybe A. I gave it an A, personally. I said I I gave it a B plus. So right now, with 276 votes, we have 42% with an A, 48% with a B, 8% C, and a 2% for a D. So I'll let this keep on going, but yeah. So seems like most people, at least listening to this show, I know we had like, like over fourteen hundred people watching live. And if you're watching it, uh, thank you so much. Make sure you hit the like button. And um, it does seem like most people are happy with the year. Um, but yeah, uh, Supernova says, are there problems between Jeremy Soul and Bethesda, and is Jeremy going to compose Elder Scrolls Six? Jazz, do you know anything about this? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that? Are there problems between Jeremy Soul and Bethesda, and is Jeremy going to compose the Elder Scrolls Six? I don't know who that is. Neither is he do the I. Composer? I would imagine um, he's the composer, but yeah. Composer of Skyrim, wasn't it? I oh Jeremy Soul Soul. Um. Oh, okay. So this is this is a recent story. Um, this is, oh, actually, no, it's not a recent story. It's from 2016. Skyrim, this is a, this is a 2016 article. Skyrim composer warns fans to be wary of new concert. Um, Jeremy Soule, who composed Skyrim soundtrack, spoken out, and he's not a fan of, uh, Bethesda doing a concert. And he said, concert? What concert? He said in the post on his Facebook page. Anyone that knows me knows I care passionately about the integrity of my music. Skyrim took years for me to compose. But I am seeing reports of a concert at Skyrim, and that's the first time I've heard of it. The concert has nothing to do with me. They're not using my original scores. They would have had to transcribe whatever notation they are performing by ear from the recordings. That is a flawed process, as transcriptions are always fraught with errors. That is interesting. Has he worked with them since? I don't know. I know that Bethesda does a lot of work with... Ah, oh man, I can't remember his name now, but he composed... Um, he composed... the. Fallout 4 theme and a bunch of stuff for Fallout 4. Maybe he did the whole soundtrack, I don't know. But um, Bethesda's been working with him a lot recently. But this isn't the first time that I've heard Bethesda's pissed off musicians because, very famously, 
they fell out with Mick Gordon, who yeah. did the Doom soundtrack. And now we don't have Mick Gordon on Doom anymore, which really sucks because Mick Gordon is absolutely incredible. And for me, I think Doom 2016 is probably the best video game soundtrack of all time. So it kind of sucks. But um, Zach M says, Jeremy Sewell is a very problematic person. And Pullo83 says, Inon Zur does the music for Fallout 4. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name exactly. I have no idea who Jeremy Sewell is. Um... Calorie says they just had that concert yesterday. But it does sound like there's some kind of issue between Jeremy Sewell and Bethesda, so... But I'm sure there's some... There's going to be some, like... They'll get they'll get a good musician. Like, they can afford it, right? They can afford it. It is funny, like, there's a lot of drama with musicians on in the gaming industry. It definitely like, seems like there is, isn't there? Did you see... What's his name? The guy who did Halo back in the day. Um, Marty O'Donnell. Marty O'Donnell. Did you see, like, all the drama yeah. Marty O'Donnell went through with Bungie over mm-hmm. the Destiny soundtrack? That is wild. And, like, like a judge forced him to tweet out, like, an apology or something? That is wild stuff, man. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, Dio Game wants to know if you know the camera perspective of Pentiment, Jez. I don't. I'm gonna get. I'm going to guess that it's going to be 2D top-down, maybe sky, maybe like isometric. It's probably going to be using the Pillars of Eternity engine, if I had to guess, but it might not be. It might be something completely different, but it's it's Josh, Josh Sawyer. So, like, you you can sort of, like Jeff Grubb himself said, you can sort of get an idea about what kind of game it's going to be from Josh Sawyer. And um, he did Pillars of Eternity, which was sort of isometric. And the game is going to be like... Fully dialogue-based, and, you know, the Pillars of Eternity engine has been used for, like, quite a lot of games like that. Like, uh, In Exile, funnily enough, did a game, I believe, on the Pillars engine called Planes... No. What was it called now? Torment. Tides of Numenera. Torment Tides of Numenera was also on the Pillars engine, and they also built Tyranny on the Pillars engine. They also, obviously, they did Pillars 1 and 2 on that engine, so... I wouldn't be shocked if they were also doing Pentiment on that engine as well. But I don't know yet. I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I thought you were going to say something. But uh, Christian uh, says, Rand, your content helps me through the BS I'm going through. Thank you. And um, your comment, like, I'm happy that, you know, what, what, Jez, what? Sorry, I I just, just to round off the last discussion... Kamona Tong on Discord just told me that Inon Zer is already confirmed as the composer for the Old Scrolls uh, okay. 6. Okay. And um, Inon Zer also did the soundtrack for the Old Scrolls Blades. So there you go. It's Inon Zer, and he's a great composer. So. Yeah, but um, reading Christian's uh, message here in the Super Chat, he says his, our content helps him get through the bullshit he's going through, and he thanks us, which, um, hey, man, like, I've been there. We've all gone through BS. You know, sometimes I've latched on to books or other things. If I can be that for you or this podcast could be there for you, you know, the three hours or so that we give every week, then, um, you know, that's that's amazing. So uh, that's actually really humbling as well that uh, people look to us for to help get them through tough times, wouldn't you say, Jez? Yeah, man. Like seriously, just the, if you if you 
so friend or anything, and if you know, if just talking about it or if I can do anything to help, just drop me a DM, man. Mm-hmm. Just drop me a DM. Yeah, drop me a DM too. I usually check my DMs uh, like every other day um, to go through my message requests and stuff. So I usually, I usually try and Xbox as well. Like I, I try to get back to everybody that that messages me. So um, face. He says, uh, PS5 and Series X had a good first year, but I got to bring up some Xbox fans thought and implied that the Series X was going to curb stop the PS5 in terms of power. That hasn't been the case. Only difference is 10% higher res. Um, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. There definitely were Xbox fans that thought, you know, Series X were going to, there'd be a, a significant difference in versions of games and that hasn't been really, that hasn't really been the case this year. I mean, who knows what year three or year four will bring, but for year one, yeah, not really that much of a difference. Um, okay, I, I've got a, I've got an unconfirmed, unconfirmed, okay, unconfirmed okay, unsub. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Mr. Tong says not confirmed, lol. It's unofficially rumored, basically, um, but it's it's basically a foregone conclusion. There's LinkedIn implications, but it's not officially confirmed. But you can assume that it is him. And today I learned he also did the soundtrack for Dragon Age Origins thanks to everyone's idol Goro. I did not know that. Man, what a what a great composer he is. Hmm. So, and I, I still can't get into Battlefield, you know. Jeez, still? It's broken, man. The, my pro, my my profile is broken. Actually, someone in chat, and shout out to them who said that. Someone said turning off crossplay can make it work. So let's go and try that right now. But, um, <laughs> right, when we're trying to do a podcast, I'm just here trying to play shooters. This is the only time I get the game, man. The only time, you know, leave me alone. Um, yeah, what's our next topic, Ryan? It's weird, I just saw a tweet from Halo Infinite News with the picture saying, breaking Halo Infinite's free-to-play multiplayer release on November 15th. And it's a picture, it's a picture... Of what I assume is the dashboard that says Halo Infinite play trailer Game Pass coming November fifteenth to Xbox Game Pass. I'll send oh you, my god! I send you in the DMs. I don't know if this is real or not. Here, I send you the tweet. You can take a look at it. Um, that is wild, man. I, don't I can't, man. It's not keep a secret anymore. So I don't know. You can take a look at it, see if it's real, but. Uh, yeah, uh, Mariana Papa says, with the lack of physical collector's edition for Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite, do you guys see Xbox stop selling collector's editions? Have a great weekend, gents. Um, well, I mean, there was the Ultimate Edition for Forza. Well, yeah, but that's not really collector's edition. Personally, I think Xbox is moving further and further away from physical releases, wouldn't you say, Jez? Yeah, I think, like, since they've opened the Xbox Gear Store... I think they're going to start doing just some more random merchandise because, like, we all, everyone always said to them, like, you should make a you should make a merchandise store and stuff, and they they started doing it recently, and um, and they started like you know, there's, there's tons of clothes on the Xbox merchandise shop. I actually bought an Outworld T-shirt, which never showed up. I bought it months ago, and it just just disappeared into the ether. 
But um, I suppose the, it's, it's better if you actually live in America. But I think Microsoft is going to do more merchandise. There is a ton of Halo merchandise. There's like a needler gone out there. There's like Mega Block stuff just got announced. There's a ton of merchandise. So it's kind of like, yeah, collector's editions are cool. But I think Microsoft has been burnt very hard with collector's editions. Do you remember the huge collector's edition they did for Recall? And then, like, that was, like, $100, huge statue and stuff, and then they um, they uh, they dropped it. Mm. And um, so maybe they're just sort of nervous about doing them now, because, like, if you buy a shitload and then there's no stock. I, I mean, I could see, still see Bethesda doing them. Cause I think, for the most part, Bethesda's still going to be run independently of Xbox. Like, obviously, like, they report to Phil, but I would imagine if, like, Bethesda still wants to do collect editions, they can, but it definitely seems like Xbox Game Studios is... Maybe it just comes down to individual preferences for their games. Maybe Halo didn't want... 343 didn't want to do it, or Forza didn't, or something. I don't know. But it definitely does seem like collect editions aren't really a thing for them anymore, so... Yeah. Oh, dude. What? I fixed Battlefield. Oh, did you? By turning off crossplay? Yeah, so if that isn't proof that cosplay sucks, I don't know what is. Whoever said that in chat, um, thank you. But yeah, that fixed it. If you disable crossplay, you can play Battlefield. And now I'm playing with glorious console players, and there's not a single line of dialogue in sight. Wonderful. But yeah, uh, there you go. Problems with crossplay <laughs> breaking Battlefield. So, uh, Saji Caesar says, "Am I too critical for rating Year One a seven out of ten? It feels like Xbox still doesn't hit full stride with hardware or software. Also, first-party apps and until E3. Hey, man, your rating's your rating. It's your opinion, bro. I mean, I'm not gonna say you're too critical because what I say, I give Xbox for the first six months of the year for their studio, like a D. Uh, so if you feel it's a seven out of ten, then who am I to tell you you're wrong? You know? Yeah." The launch day especially was really disappointing. I mean, it, it was awesome to get the console like two months early. That that I've never had a review lead time that was like six weeks or whatever. That was just crazy. No company's ever done that for us, uh, whether it's a game or a piece of hardware or whatever. That was like really cool. But there was nothing to play. There was literally nothing to play. There was nothing with ray tracing really to test. There were very little games with the features that Microsoft had promised, like Quick Resume and stuff like that. A lot of the games that you could play were back, just backwards compatible, and Watch Dogs Legion didn't have ray tracing implemented. So it did feel a bit like it was coming in hot um, at the start of the gen. And then like we had like a bit of a game strat at the beginning. But we were also right slap bang in the middle of a pandemic. So I also sort of I give them some kind of leeway for that reason. I, I'm honestly, I'm also giving Battlefield a bit of leeway for that reason. Like, whether is, is that fair or not? I don't know. Is it fair? I don't know. But I'm, I'm still giving devs leeway for, for COVID because if your entire company's culture was revolved around being in the office and your, your entire company's toolkit and the tools that you use to make games, if they were all based on a closed network technology, pivot into working remotely for game dev overnight, that ain't easy. Like, anyone who's ever worked in IT procurement or anything like that, it can be a nightmare. And then if you factor in the extra demand there was for remote services, 
And that's like an extra dimension of nightmares. It's like a layered layers of nightmares in a layered nightmare cake. So it was like the worst possible way to develop a game this past year. So I do sort of feel for the devs, and I do appreciate that they were able to get these games out in any sort of state. I don't give Call of Duty a pass, though, because Call of Duty sucked for years at this point. But <laughs> I'm going to give Battlefield a pass, so. Um, and I'm also going to give, like, Year One a little bit of a pass for that reason, too. If you factor all that stuff, and it's pretty magical we've had anything, really. Because everything's really, like, disrupt, still really disrupted from um, COVID and the chip shortage and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, you, you, Leonardo Vegas says, hey, did you guys congratulate Daniel Rubino on being in Forza Horizon 5? <laughs> I love this story so much. Um, I mean, like, for those who don't know, Daniel Rubino is my boss. He sort of, I don't think he created Windows Central. Or maybe he did. I don't know, actually. But Windows Central is an old website. Like, it used to be called WME Expert. WM Expert, it used to be called back in the day. And then it sort of got bought out by a company and rebranded to Windows Phone Central. For those OG people who remember when we were called Windows Phone Central. Um, and uh, now we are uh, called Windows Central. And Daniel Rubino is my boss. And apparently... One of the characters, people think one of the characters in Forza looks a lot like Daniel Rubino. I have to say, kind, kind, I kind of, kind of see the likeness, man. That's really quite funny. Mm. But, uh, would you like to be in a game rant? Do you remember when, uh, was it Doc Cupcake? He was in Crackdown 3. Oh, remember yeah. him? Who? Xbox Community Guy. <laughs> oh man. I don't know, like, Every every now and then, there's, like, community people that end up in a game, like, laser scanned. I think um, one of the Xbox presenters also was also in Crackdown. Oh, yeah, Rikari, yeah. Rikari, yeah, yeah. Which which franchise would you want to be in, Rand? If Microsoft, if Microsoft sent you a DM and said, you can be a character, you can be a DLC in one of our games, you'd be in Halo, you'd mm-hmm. be, like, a Spartan. I want to be, yeah. a, I want to be a Marine. UNSC Marine or ODST, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. What about what about maybe Halo maybe Star? maybe a thug in Batman, so Batman can kick the shit out of me. No, no, no. What about what about what about a grunt? Yeah, what sure, why not? I'll be I'll be a grunt. Yeah, hundred percent. So I ended <laughs> the poll, Jazz, at six hundred eleven votes. A got forty four percent. B got forty four percent. A C for eight percent, and a D was one percent. So. Uh, 88% of people thought it was an A or a B, so it's pretty split there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I think um, this would be a good time to end the show, but as we always do, if you guys have some questions you want us to answer, make sure you throw them in chat. We appreciate everybody being here. We had uh, a lot of people, and it was uh, it's awesome to see uh, people loving the show. And um, if, you, if you were liking it, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, thank you guys for all the support, super chats, memberships, just being here, lurking or chatting. Uh, me and Jez just really appreciate everybody who tunes in every single week. Or if you're listening to this later via one of the podcast apps like iTunes or Google Play or wherever we're all at, Spotify. Um, thank you guys so much for, for being part of, you know, being Jez and the, the show we do weekly. It's, it's honestly humbling that so many people listen to what me and Jess have to say about stuff. 
when nobody should listen to us at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Supernova says, hashtag vote for Jez 2024. Yes, Jez, you got my vote. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, yeah, Jez, man. Uh, you were like, we can't do three-hour show, but here we are, almost doing a three-hour show again. Yeah, yeah. I, I never, have, never I ends. Have through. You know, yeah. you know, I had like, um, I had flu shot. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you call it. The flu shot, basically. Um, the other day, and it's sort of earlier. I felt kind of, I don't know, feverish, but I feel alright now. So, mm. yeah, maybe maybe all the stress of trying to make Battlefield work woke me up a bit. <laughs> mm. but yeah, it's been a um, great show, man. Yeah, uh, that's all. Wants to know if we're going to review the Gucci Xbox. Oh yeah, I did see that ten thousand oh, yeah, dollars Gucci. Gucci. Yeah. yeah, Gucci Xbox. Um, I got I got a friend who's really into Gucci, so maybe she'll be she'll be totally down for that. Yeah, uh, that's not something for me. Wouldn't that be awesome if like that showed up one day like Xbox? Ran, we want to <laughs> Gucci <laughs> ten thousand. I'd be like, yeah, you mind if I sell this? Ernie says OG Xbox leak. Any more speculation? Uh, presumably about back and pack games. Um, I think one of the, I think there'll be back and pad announcements. Uh, at Monday's show, I think, you know. You kind of get that impression from some of the store listings. Yeah. But. 100%. Uh, Alvin says Paul Tassi is rebutting the Halo, Halo Infinite news info. I did see that, that it most likely is just a picture that's been photoshopped or was a picture. Nah. They were talking about, um, they were talking about, they were talking about, um, the, the picture. Yeah, that's what I sent you, right? Because, uh, yeah, they, they, basically what happened was someone, it, it's a screenshot of the website and they just use, uh, inspect element, change the text. Ah, there you so go. It wasn't, it wasn't even Photoshop. It was even, it's even more simple than that. Um, yeah. Um, Lydia says, do you think Sony and Nintendo will send congratulations to Xbox for the 20th anniversary? Uh, yeah, I, I think they might. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the tweet will be like, congrats on 20 years or whatever. Um, Silders Bane wants to know, Random Jeff, do you think it would be a better idea for Xbox to release the Halo campaign instead of the multiplayer? This way they don't step on anyone's toes and Halo might possibly be in for the game of the year. No, I think the reason you could see multiplayer launch early is because it's free to play and it's digital, right? You don't need it, a physical disc for that because, like, retailers would be upset if, if they basically, you know, Surprise launched the campaign while they were still waiting on physical discs. So that's how you know nothing in the campaign is, you know, would come out because retailers would have to have the game, right? Yeah. You would see pictures of it at GameStop waiting. Amazon would have to update everybody's orders to November 15th. Um, but Xbox can put out the multiplayer because I don't think the multiplayer is a part of that package of the disc. Yeah. Um, it's just a free-to-play thing, so, I mean, that's how they would get around it, if it is indeed true, which we'll find out Monday. So we don't got long to wait. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, for Nate the Hate's sake, I hope it's true for him, because if he's wrong on this, <laughs> he put himself out there, and he's wrong on this, he'll never live it down. Never live that it is, down. Yeah, I, that is, like, one of the one things I would never want to get wrong. <laughs> so... I know. That's, that's why I'm putting stock in the rumor because 
that is one thing like I would I would need some serious confirmation to to say that stuff. So and I yeah. definitely do not have that right now because as we all know we can't trust Rand. You never know, never know if Rand's leaking something or just you know teasing it. That's true. What he like? What is he uh, like? That's bland. <laughs> Stodgy Caesar says, also, I told you you'd like the Eliminator. You did, and you're right. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Leonardo says, do you guys think Starfield might be rated teen? Uh, I feel like every RPG is rated mature. I feel like Sony does a better job of mixing ET and M-rated games. Um, I hope not. Yeah. God damn it, I hope not. Like, I mean, I kind of get it if if you don't like violent M-rated games. And to be fair, they do have Fallout. And games rarely get more violent and twisted than Fallout. Some of the quests, some of the quests in Fallout are really messed up. Like, especially Fallout 3. Like, cannibalism quests and, and like, dealing with all kinds of really disturbing stuff sometimes. But, could Bethesda have, like, a teen rated RPG for, for the sake of diversity? I think that'd be kind of cool, actually. But, at the same time, I think Fable's gonna be that. I think Fable will probably hit a teen rating. And also you've got Halo, which is a teen rating, which is also one of the reasons why I have never really got into it. Because um, I've always just seen it as sort of not dark enough because I'm, you know, kind of emo. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that'd be interesting to see how they do a teen rated game. But I just, I also don't know if Bethesda has it in them to do a teen rating game. Just doesn't seem like it's in their DNA, but they're gonna make the game that they want to make at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, Elena wants to know when are your uh, topless calendars due? Topless calendar? Yeah. Damn. Uh, well, I don't know. I probably need a lot more weight loss before I do something like that. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe I'll do one. Maybe I will do one. You know? Feel like an if if like if me Rand and Colt and Miles make a band. We could do like an Xbox band and then an Xbox band topless calendar. You know? Yeah. Um, Fatty says, Forspoken is listed on the Microsoft Store for PC. Any info on this? I did see that. Uh, Forspoken, which is the PlayStation console exclusive for two years, um, is on, I think, Steam. It's on Epic, and it's also up on the Microsoft Store with Xbox achievements, Jazz. I don't know if you saw 